Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, amateur radio call sign KI6NAZ. And I'm Leah, KN6NWZ. And we like to talk about ham radio, among many, many other things. So come along with us, won't you? Hello, Leah. How has your week been this week? It has been really busy. I'm working on a work deadline, which mm-hmm. is, ends up ruining my entire schedule. Yeah, everything gets severely yeah. derailed. And you went on a trip this past weekend. <laughs> I went on a trip. I went to Austin, Texas. Yes, <laughs> I did. Which during your whole work thing is like never a good time to travel. No, but you, know, you do time. what you have to do. Yeah, it's tough. That was that was tough, but that's how the schedules worked out. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming out and listening to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. We really do appreciate it. And we like to kick things off with a short tip called the Ham Radio Minute. It's never a minute. This week's tip is not actually radio-related, except for... It's a ham radio minute. It has to be radio. Well, it's, it's something you do <laughs> while you're out playing ham radio. Uh, I went on a POTA not too long ago. I posted the video uh, this week. And the big recommendation, the tip is bring some food along. It sounds dumb. Wow. I know, right? It's like, well, how's that tip? How's it? Uh, no, it, Did it might... you go to the POTA without food? <laughs> no. No, I, I, I brought, in my case, though, I brought like a dehydrated meal, like a, like a backpack meal. And my little cook pot. And I've been trying out the different backpack meals, like the different brands, not just the different flavors within brands, but the different brands themselves. Like there's all kinds of, I don't want to call them boutique, but Mm -hmm. less known backpacking brands. And the one I had was a Thai curry that was, it was just vegetarian. It just had like peas and rice and other vegetables in it carrots and whatnot it was actually really interesting though because it had a dehydrated coconut milk additive that you put in with the boiling water it was that was dried also yeah, powdered? It was dried it was in a separate package and it tasted like coconut milk yeah totally i find this so hard to believe it was just dehydrated coconut milk why 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 is that hard to believe it's coconut milk has such a f- high fat content and you can't dehydrate fat well, a part of the joy of coconut milk is the mouthfeel. How do you... But it's mixed in with the curry. So it's really just the flavor of it. Okay. Anyway, it was very good. I it, doubt it. it for <laughs> Leia, Leia has a longstanding record that she does not like backpack meals. You, no, you there not. are certain backpack meals that are fantastic. We had a biscuits and gravy one. That's that still the standout. insanely good. It actually, the, the way that the biscuits rehydrated... Yeah was like it was a, a regular biscuit. That was due to the master chefery, the person <laughs> that applied the hot water to the bag oh, in be- the proper amount. Because you can easily put too much water in that and just make it super soggy. Oh, that's true. I actually go a little bit less okay. than the prescribed amount from okay. my experiences with that yes. particular one. Uh, my top list of dehydrated foods is usually... The biscuits and gravy is fantastic. Yeah, tops. The beef stroganoff is pretty good. Yeah. And chili mac, chili mac is like number yeah. three because it's generally okay. It's not like great, but it's it's like you grab it and it's like always consistent. I just can't imagine a vegetarian Thai chili and rice being any good. No, I, I have to be very clear. I do eat a lot of Thai food. And obviously I eat a lot of curries. And I am the type of person who will almost eat any type of curry. 
I don't care. I love curry so much. So you have to flavor my oh, my I, opinion I guess, with my love of curry. I will I don't care. I'll just eat it. I guess the curry spices yeah. could cover a number of less than optimal aspects of yeah. dehydrated food. Yeah, and it's just rice and, and dehydrated vegetables, which is a very easy thing to do. Sure. It was very good. It was good. I it, I would have added like more more hot stuff to it. It wasn't spicy. Okay. There was no spice. There's a couple I watch on TikTok that is crossing the um, intercontinental divide. Yeah, the is continental that? divide. Okay. And they pre-dehydrated all their food. They, yeah. they didn't buy packs or anything like that. Much cheaper that way. They Yeah, they cooked all of their stuff. They dehydrated it. They packed it up and then they set themselves little care packages that um, that her mom, I think, sends to whichever city they're going to be in. Right. And the, the post office will like hold, hold the box for like two weeks for local pickup. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they're losing so much weight. And they're like, yeah, we eat 3000 calories a day, but it's still not enough. And I'm like, yep. you're eating 3000 calories a day worth of dehydrated food. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny about, well, I, I want to get back to the, the minute because we're well past that. But the, the reason to consider a dehydrated meal is they're lightweight. And the only thing that you're going to pack extra of is water. And if you're not hungry, well, just don't eat the meal and you've got extra water. So it's always a good idea. Oh, I see. Right. So it's always a good idea if you're doing a soda to bring a meal and, and your uh, tiny cook kit. Tiny cook kits are really easy to get now. They're very inexpensive. In fact, we'll have the link in the description for my Amazon store, and I have a couple of different ones in there. The Halulite Mini, and I started using the uh, Stash from, oh gosh, I can't even remember the name of the company now. I'll, I'll look it up as, as we continue. But the, the cook kits are really light. They don't take up much space now, and it's just for heating up water that you pour in the bag. And that's it. It's, mm. it's and coffee and and coffee you get like um so you make the meal first you put the water in the bag you warm the bag up get the water in there then you make your coffee and you can drink out of the vessel that you cooked it in or you can have like a collapsible cup or something like that which and is this what I is do. this is more weight effective than just packing an mre uh good question i'll test it but mres are very heavy a full mre is actually really heavy right but it's a whole day's worth of food not completely. It depends on the MRE you get. Okay. MREs are not usually a whole day. Aren't they 3,000 calories? No. No. You, you've got some right. MRE rumors that you're yeah. living off of. It's a fair meal enough. ready to eat. It's not meals ready to eat. Okay, fair enough. It's it, Anyway, well, that's, that's the Ham Radio Minute. This is what you do when you go play Ham Radio. Um, I'm not saying don't take MREs, but... MREs are loaded with water already. It's always preferable for me to have more water. Mm. And even if the cook kit and the dehydrated meal weighs a tiny bit more than an MRE, I'd rather have the water and decide I'll just forgo the food and just drink more water. I would just bring a lot of beef jerky <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a lot of granola bars. If you're talking a one day thing and I didn't have, I had to be worried about the weight of my snacks. Mm -hmm. Maybe some rice cakes. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so, That's not, well, so, maybe, I guess, but beef jerky is very salty. Butter. Peanut butter is good. Yeah, yeah, peanut butter is good. That's a good call. Anyway, 
Well, today we're having another drink, so have a drink along with us today. What are we having, Leah? Well, I know I said in a past podcast that I was not going to drink tequila again after seeing how it was made, but it's summer. So, tequila. <laughs> and I couldn't resist. So, we're drinking Dulce Vita Organic Tequila, mm-hmm. which I, I, I didn't know there was non-organic tequila, because don't agave plants have to be really old before they can be harvested to make tequila? Yeah. Uh, it's a white tequila, yeah, super mild. We also have the Grand Marnier and the Mr. and Mrs. T Margarita mix, and that's all I did. And it's over. It's on the rocks instead of simple uh, blended. Very simple. Yeah. By the way, the cook kit that I was talking about is the Jet Boil Stash. That was nice. the one that I used. You've got a cook kit that will charge your phone, though. Uh, yeah, that's the BioLite one. That one's very heavy because mm. that one has a battery and a fan built in. Mm. And the fire has a metallic probe that charges an internal battery. That internal battery runs the fan. Mm-hmm. The fan is basically a bellows that increases the oxygen flow inside of the cook area or the, the fire area. And that allows you to burn things like twigs and whatever, which it, it's an okay thing. It's not great your face says you don't love it i don't love it that much it's kind of gimmicky it charges things incredibly slowly the the battery and the charging aspect of it is more for keeping your fire going Mm. by using green materials so you use twigs and stuff that you find so you're not carrying fuel with you yeah but the thing weighs a ton so it's kind of like yeah Yeah, sure. They're not getting the ultralight hikers. N- no, that that's not something the ultralight people will take. They'll, mm-hmm. They'd rather have just a small gas canister and then just, uh, you know, swap out gas canisters as they go along. The BioLite one is way too bulky, too big, too heavy, and and really not that efficient at the end of the day. It's okay. It's, eh, I don't know. You don't seem like you like it. No, I'm not. I'm, I was not a big fan of you it. You probably haven't touched it in a long time, too. It's I have not. Sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think I've used it like a couple of times. Never on a, an overnight backpack trip either. Huh. Because it's huge. It's, again, right. it's, it's very yeah. big. You have to be cooking for it. It does come with a, a big, large kettle. Mm. Or you can buy a big, large kettle that goes with it, which is like you're boiling water for the entire camp. You should have made Jason carry that on the last camping trip. We didn't take that. <laughs> no, it wasn't Jason. It was uh, Matt that was carrying everything. <sighs> Matt was the pack horse. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he carried a lot. A lot of Funny. stuff. Yeah, very good. All right, well, join the conversation by leaving a review on iTunes for the Hammer to Crash Course podcast or emailing us at leahathamtactical.com. Leaving a review wherever you listen to a podcast will help the Ham Radio Crash Course reach more hams and future hams, and we appreciate it. Today, we have one review. Thank you so much for that. Yes, thank you. It is from Chef the Chef. Oh. Best three to four hour podcast I've heard. (laughs) Well, thank you, Chef the Chef. It's just so easy to listen to Leia's rich, textured voice while she moderates her nerdy but informative husband. As a new technician, I appreciate both Josh's 
uh, experience in ham radio, as well as Leia's layman understanding of the subject that is mysterious to most. Layman is right. <laughs> I mean, when you complicate any subject by translating from, and then we got bit again with the iTunes comment thing. I, I don't know what's going on with iTunes, but it snips some comments. I don't know why. And so the comment just ends there. Oh. So chef the chef, I'm, I'm very sorry about that. But thank you so much for the kind words. Yeah, really, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for that. And thank you, everybody, who's left reviews or, or will lead reviews or leave reviews in the future. We really do appreciate it. With that said, moving right along to what we used this week. Leah, what's your uh, hot item that you have been using this week? Well, I know that kids should take a break in the summer. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> <laughs> but. Oh. I, I usually start gearing the kids back up for school about a month out. And I enrolled Ben in a class on outschool.com, which is classes for uh, kids online. Um, and it is Pokemon Life Sciences. <laughs> I mean, it's more than that at this place, right? But that's what yes. you have them enrolled in? Yes. So uh, in this particular class, uh, they've taken a ton of classes uh, before this on out school too, there was an electronics class okay. using the um, snap circuits. Oh, right. Okay. There, ben really liked that class. Yeah. There's programming classes they took um, throughout the year. So we've had a really good experience. Both with Ben and Anderson took yeah, that, that, yeah, absolutely. the different programming classes. Uh, and the cool thing about Pokemon is that this teacher has a master's in education. Mm-hmm. And he is using Pokemon to inform on today's class. He's actually technically in two classes. One is life sciences and the other one's about the human body. Mm -hmm. So he is having them associate the different bone shapes. Okay. With different Pokemon. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So like when he got to the pelvis, it was like butterfree, right? Because it's a butterfly. Oh, okay. Right. And then uh, and then he's having them do a battle between blob Pokemon and boned Pokemon. Okay. So Ben had to go through his stack of Pokemon cards and based on what he knows about skeletons now, mm-hmm. what, what Pokemon likely have skeletons mm-hmm. and which ones don't. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. And... Yeah, I was really impressed. I, really? Okay. I, I, he basically sat here and drew a human body and labeled, uh, like, the skeleton of a human body and labeled it. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah. So, like, did he label it butterfree or did he label it pelvis? He labeled it pelvis, femur, okay. humerus, all those things. Yeah, that's very good. So, uh, so he was really motivated, and then I guess they're going to do some Pokemon battle where it's boned versus blobbed Pokemon. <laughs> I, don't I don't fully understand that, but yeah, as long as it keeps the kid in, it's, it's a, it, it sounds a little free formed. Yeah, you know when if you're referring to a pelvis as a butterfree, right? No wonder hips keep breaking. <laughs> if you got a butterfree in there, that's a little but one of the weak reasons Pokemon. I'm going to recommend OutSchool this week okay. is because they actually have preparedness 
oh. um, content, aside from just the snap circuits teaching kids about electronics very early right. on. Uh, they have a class on emergency preparedness. It's like a, but they framed it in a zombie camp. Oh, that's funny. Okay. And then uh, there's also an urban and wilderness survival um, class. That's that, taught online or is it yeah, taught in the wilderness? Yeah, it's taught online. So they learn about shelters, fire, signaling, food, water, natural disasters, MCOM, uh, emergency preparedness. Um, Wait, you said uh, you were about to say MCOM. I know. I was about what? to say MCOM. But what hold I, up. Hold up. But the other interesting thing about OutSchool is that um, if you have expertise in a certain area mm -hmm. and, and you have a background in education, you can get on OutSchool and teach a class. And it's a way, it's like a side gig. Huh. So if somebody wanted to start teaching kids, I don't know, Morse code, mm -hmm. right, in a more kid-friendly way, because it is limited. I think you can be up to 18 as a student. It, it's not, it okay. doesn't go to adults, right? Okay. But if you have kids. Hey, kids, I'm going to teach you about Morse code <laughs> via Pokemon. <laughs> I think Morse code, especially given the Mysterious Benedict Society. Oh, yeah. I think that kids would actually be more interested in it because what kid didn't want to learn a secret language? That's literally the reason that Pig Latin is still being passed around. Yeah, it's a horrible language. <laughs> horrible secret language. Yes. <laughs> Not quite secret at all. Not so. at all. So OutSchool is something I use this week that I really enjoy. And I can drop a link in the uh, in the show notes. I think if you use that link, you get $20 off or something like that. Oh, cool. So, so a little coupon there. Okay, yeah. so parents can check that out. Well, so I have been using the ICOM IC705. Wait, we're talking about this again? <laughs> I... I keep going back to it because, again, and you have to put yourself into my shoes. I spend a lot of times doing niche things within ham radio, right? I'm always kind no. of like exploring the things out there. At least I'm trying to. But because of my travels this weekend, I was back at it again doing, you know, weird stuff. Right. right. Um, I don't want to give too much of it away. Uh, it did involve a Yagi antenna. And the 705, very good in this particular role, I found out. It was something that... I guess it's better than toting around a 7300. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this particular capacity, it's a fantastic radio. So I've mentioned it before, you know, I, I've used the 705 for obviously playing radio, making contacts. It was my primary radio on winter field day when we went out uh, to that that nice, very quiet uh, campsite, <laughs> right. low RFI noise <laughs> campsite. It worked fantastically for that. I use it when I'm at home, when I'm hunting for RFI, and I always find, you know, some new thing you've brought home and, and, and put in the house. It's extremely easy to use. It's got all the features I need. I do I it need. on purpose now. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I appreciate, and again, I'm, I'm still working on the review for this because every time I, I get down to, to adding more content to the video it's like oh my gosh i gotta go do this uh, segment i gotta go do this part i gotta do this part all while trying to keep it within 10 minutes which is wild we're back at that game again keeping all the videos below 10 minutes or at 10 minutes uh yeah it, it's just a it's a it's a really utilitarian radio it, it's utilitarian is the wrong word it's a very put 
No? What's the term where it just got all the features you possibly Dynamic. Oh, it's dynamic. Oh, good <laughs> word. One of my favorite words. It is a very dynamic radio. It kind of so does it's all It's appreciably dynamic. It's appreciably <laughs> dynamic. Indeed. Well, yeah, that, th- those are my thoughts. Um, I, I'd have to bring twice the radios if I wanted to do what we did over the weekend. And I wouldn't be able to demonstrate as easily when using the 705. So, I mean, that's that's kind of how I think anybody who watched your live stream on Saturday knows exactly where you went Ooh. and has a pretty good idea of what you I, did. I'm sure everybody does, <laughs> but it's not going to be me that that puts out the secrets. You don't want to let the cat out of the cup. A cat out of the cup? Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, uh, there is a discord for this particular YouTube channel and they dropped a bunch of pictures. Oh, really? And I was like, whoa, you're you're telling them everything. Just giving away the whole... I'm putting it all out there. You're putting it all out there. What are you doing? Uh, No, it's not a big deal. Not even teasing anymore. Not even teasing it. Spoilers. Yeah. Well, very good. Thanks again. Uh, So, Leah, drop drop some knowledge with your preparedness corner. Or I guess we're just having a discussion today. Yeah. You know, this week's preparedness corner, I was thinking, when is... Do you know that you have prepared enough, right? (laughs) Okay. Because uh, I think it's very easy when you get into emergency preparedness to just keep buying the next thing or keep keep stocking (laughs) and keep stocking. Your acquisition syndrome. Right, right, yeah. right. You don't have that problem. No, at all. No, no, that's that's not you. Other other people. (laughs) Other people. Other people. But I, I think it's important to consider that when we were preparing, we don't want to have prepared so much and invested so much of our money that we're like hoping for a disaster, right? Or hoping for something. can't wait for, for the 6.0 earthquake uh, to really right. use all this stuff that I've got <laughs> in the garage. Because... The point of emergency preparedness is to put you at ease. It is supposed to make your life more convenient if you lose the standard comforts we all take for granted. Right. So there's a couple of things to keep in mind that I always remind people. One, starting out with preparedness usually means buying more of the things you already use. Yes. And rotating through those things so that you're never just with something sitting in the garage that's been there for five years and you don't know if it's good anymore. Right. So rotating is one of the first things you got to do, like can rotation, shelf-stable food rotation. Sure, you buy things that can probably sit on the shelf for many, many years, but you never need to get to that point because you're rotating through it, right? That's the first, for me, kind of the first thing. For for food, but I think that there's a... Oh, okay, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. The, the second thing is <laughs> most people enjoy camping. Yeah. And a lot of preparedness gear that you may be picking up or whatever kind of has an adjacent use case within camping. Right. So having a small generator, probably useful if you're a camper or you like have a recreation vehicle of some kind, like a motorhome or whatever. Having an external generator is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Having a good tent that you can put your whole family in not just for fun, also a preparedness item. Right. Right? Tools that you may use. Uh, a tool bag that has 
just about everything you'd need to like make sure your car's functioning for common things that you would do around a campsite that is in a bag that's easy to grab and go with is a preparedness item. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a multifunction thing. It's not something that, well, I've got that, I, I've got it, I've owned it, I put it on the shelf, and now I have peace of mind. No, no, it, it, it should be something that you, you, you dust off and you use so that you actually have the skills to use them mm-hmm. when the time comes. First aid, that's a, a, a different kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. You should have first aid regardless of a, a disaster right? and the skills that go along with it. So that doesn't feel like it's something that you're stocking up on for preparedness. Right. You can buy more first aid items, but first aid items are something that you really don't want to be in a rotation system with because that would imply that you're, right. <laughs> you're rendering a lot of aid. So that's something you kind of just have to acknowledge that you're going to have to write off. You're going to have to have good band-aids. You're going to have to have to swap yeah. out your gauze. You're going to have to do all that stuff. That is just, hey, that's your life now. That's the way it works, right? Mm-hmm. Band-aids suck if they sit for too long. They don't adhere to anything. No, we go through so many band-aids anyway. Yeah, we are on a rotation. Yes. System with band-aids. <laughs> uh, but all that stuff, right? So I I, I took a, too much of the time here. So you, you, you keep okay. going with your thoughts. I think it's very easy once you get into preparedness because it's a fantastic community. The preparedness community is if you aren't already involved with a community of preppers, Mm -hmm. I I highly recommend it, whether you're finding it on Facebook or you're finding a local group. I mean, a local group's ideal. Yeah. But even like um, uh, a preparedness net or something. Yeah. You know, a good repeater that has preparedness minded people is a lot of fun. Yeah. And actually, probably the best bet for yeah. your emergency purposes, because mm-hmm. they'll be at least relatively close to you in, in a lot of cases. Right. If they're on the repeater. And you already have a repeater and they're already hands. So it's like, right. We got all the things covered or, you know, a lot of them. But when you get into these communities, it's also very easy to become a preparedness hobbyist. Yeah. Right. And then it's a race to who's going to be the most prepared. That is a thing that exists in ham radio, too. Right. When the new radio comes out, everybody wants to be the first one to get it um, yeah. for the, the street cred. Right. That comes along with some of that stuff. Right. But it's not just that. It's the now I have bought bug out land and placed on that land a bug out <laughs> an underground shelter. Right. That I'm going to fully stock mm-hmm. for emergencies. It's it's not a place you would go vacation. <laughs> right? I'm going to go vacation in the bunker. <laughs> and on the route to the bunker, I have strategically buried many caches. And I, I'm not even going to say that there aren't certain areas that you should absolutely do that in. Right. Right. There, for sure. Like if you are near maybe a nuclear plant or something. <laughs> Just leave. Just leave. (laughs) Get yourself, uh, get yourself that. But it's it becomes so easy to spend so much money on preparedness, and you also have to live for the life you will live, even if a disaster, um, a catastrophic disaster doesn't happen. Right. Mm -hmm. That includes bulking up your retirement so that you have money for that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it includes enjoying life today. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. there's Uh, actually a really interesting thing that happens. Um, There are some people that have like left the Mormon church. 
Oh, there's and they're so deeply many prepared. people. Yeah. And they have like, I have 10 years of food stockpiled. You know, what do I do? And so then all the foremans are trying to like sell off the food or get rid of it to people who are more preparedness minded. Just because you leave the church doesn't mean you cease I, to be preparedness minded. I, I appreciate that, but they may not want to have 10 years of food on their person. Okay, or they're fair moving. Enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. If you need a U-Haul. I still really want to go to a Mormon cannery. Yeah. So. You didn't notice what I called it. They have a name. What? Foreman's. Oh, that's the name? It's an ex-Mormon. Oh. It's a foreman. No. That's... <laughs> I actually do watch ex-Mormon TikToks. That's some <laughs> weird niche I, the algorithm put me in. And I'm this like, is where you belong. How did you know TikTok? <laughs> I, am, I am fascinated. And I think it was because one of the first videos I saw of an ex-Mormon on TikTok mm -hmm. was uh, them wearing their temple garb, which is you're not supposed to wear what you wear in temple, sure. outside of temple. Sure. And then undergarments too. That's also a big no-no. And she was showing it at all. And I was like, this is not risque at all. What, what exactly is the issue? And then I just went down this rabbit hole of her experience that was very bad in polygamy or something. And I was like, that's not even a normal Mormon anymore. That's a fundamentalist, like offshoot of the main church. Well... We're not going to turn this into a, a Mormon chat. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but historically, um, that was the case. <laughs> they were polygamous. Like and a, they have, yeah. the Latter-day Saints have distanced themselves right, from that. Right, right. As but they've changed. Every, every, every religion evolves. Yeah. yeah. But, but I've worked with a lot of Mormons. And Some of my best friends are Mormons. No, no, I'm just <laughs> is saying that, that, Is that where we're going with no, this? No. <laughs> Before uh, you say something insensitive. <laughs> Uh, no, I wasn't going to I know, at all. I know you wouldn't. That's something I, I would do. <laughs> but all of the Mormons I have spoken with have always been extremely warm, like uh, abundantly patient people, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, have always been more than willing to answer any questions I have mm -hmm. about the religion. And there's just family-focused values and and preparedness i love all of those things <laughs> sure i mean as an engineer uh i worked with engineers in yeah in salt lake city they're not so not so nice Ooh. they're very uh uppity i think they're better than you oh maybe it's just the mormon not all of them the ones i worked with were well i've only met mormons that that are in california so maybe that may put a bit of spice on Right, right, right. A regular Mormon. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, that's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on from that one for sure. But anyways, I encourage you to ask yourself, at, at what point have you hit your, your prepping sweet spot? Remember to ask yourself, would Leia say I've gone too far <laughs> when you consider your preps? I mean, you got to be prepared, but there's a balancing point. Right, only you Because you don't want to be that guy. No, but only you know how much is enough. Sure. But right? some people turn the throttle full there's speed a, and break the lever off. There's an entire reality TV show based off of it. Yeah, I knew yeah. like a ton of people that were on that show too. 
Yes. Do, uh, doomsday preppers. Yes. I know. Oh man, one of I them love, was a YouTuber that was. Oh boy. I love doomsday preppers though because everybody has a different area of preparedness that they are so good at. They may be weak in other areas, mm-hmm. but they're coming in strong, and you can whatever somebody has an expertise in, you can learn from them. Sure. And Some that's of kind them are of a little wacky though. That's. I think a lot of people watched it for the trailer, and and they did like highly zhuzh it up for TV. But I like to watch it because I was like, "Is that a good idea? That is a good idea." They always had to have like. They started everything off like, "I'm a prepper, and I'm worried about the explosion of Mount St. Helens." Like it always had to be like some pretty serious thing that they were like preparing for. Sure. To to get to that level of. Um, of prepping where you're investing just all your time, a lot right. of your funds into it, you genuinely, that threat has to be very real in your mind. Like it's got to be eminent. Right. I think there was one that was like worried about aliens too. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> How do you prepare for the alien? You get an alien costume. That's a part of your preps right, right. off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta, I gotta get a fighter jet because I may have to fly it into the mothership. <laughs> no, seriously, how did you prepare for alien? I'm also, I got Jeff Goldblum on speed, <laughs> and I got I a recording good... of Bill Pullman saying something <laughs> really motivational. <laughs> that is, uh, that is how I prepared. That getting that recording was difficult. <laughs> he. He fights tranquilizers. <laughs> he was not happy about getting the dart in the neck. You didn't go at all at the men in black angle either. You went Jeff Goldblum. Independence Day. Independence Day. Those are all, every reference was from Independence Day. Every one of those. Men in black, Josh. <laughs> you so you're saying I have to start a, a secret... Letter boys uh, institution with the government and find alien technology. Well, then I'm, I would no longer be worried about the alien threat because I would be pretty much working with them. I'd have a working relationship with aliens. You just got to get all the tools. I mean, yes. The, I'm, little, I'm, the little gun that goes a big boom. The noisy mosquito. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's called. Okay. Will Smith shoots himself through a car. <laughs> the recoil of it. Could you? So just to put that in perspective, he he's got a gun that has like maybe one finger aside from the trigger finger that he can wrap around it, and he fires that thing, and it like launches him backwards like eight feet. Right. Mm-hmm. That would have obliterated his wrist. Sure. Like the bones in his hand would just been gone. Maybe he has very strong wrists though. Oh, noisy cricket. I think is what it's called, not noisy mosquito. Yeah, sure. Yeah, she's got <laughs> All right, we're moving on. It is time for the email correspondence tower. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's here. No, that's not it. Oh, <laughs> that's the wrong sound. <laughs> wrong drop. Back to the, the squeaky gate. Okay. Oh, Thank reminder, you. where do they email you and, and what's it all about? Oh, go ahead. Okay. I Please thought you were going to do because you started no. talking. Anyway, you can email Leia at hamtactical.com. <laughs> that broke Leia. That one got her. <laughs> With your comments, 
ham radio questions always preferred or your merch ideas and if we like your merch idea and we make one or make the merch then you'll get one too <laughs> all right there you go did i do a good job in explaining so, the well email done. correspondence system it's a, it's a special talent <laughs> Thank you, everybody who emailed in this week. The first email is uh, titled Shredded Wheat. <laughs> One wheat. Wheat. And this is from Brian. Leia and Ham Guy, your conversation around the giant shredded wheat reminded me of something my grandmother used <laughs> We're to make. Gonna get so many messages <laughs> on this. For breakfast on Sundays. <laughs> there were a lot of uh, uh, posts in the HRCC podcast channel on Discord. On Discord too. of the of the the one wheat. Well, there there was Weetabix too, which is different from the the shredded it looked, wheat. It, it was literally the size of a masonry brick. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. They're huge. <laughs> it was like the whole bowl. Are you supposed to eat one brick or two? <laughs> You're supposed to shred the brick up and eat it. Just all in one go? Or is it two separate bowls of brick? What, what do you mean? Because <laughs> you said there's two bricks in a bag. Somebody that has pica listening to this is getting <laughs> real excited right now. But is it one brick a bowl or is it two bricks a bowl? It's one brick, man. <laughs> what, what are you talking You saw those things. Those things are huge. Fair enough. Brian says she would take the giant shredded wheat patties, put lots of butter. A patty. Is that what we call it? Yeah, quote unquote patties. <laughs> put lots of butter and brown sugar on top and then cook them in a covered pan with a little bit of milk. I don't recall how long she'd cook them, but I want to say between five and ten minutes. They were delicious and mm -hmm. almost as good as her homemade waffles. Wow. Do they still do they still have giant shredded wheats? I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look into this. I haven't seen a whole wheat in a while. Okay. <laughs> Only the minis. <laughs> and I've never seen the minis non frosted these days. Oh no, they must have that. I have not seen them. Okay, I'll make sure to get some for you. Brian songs off. Anyway, I owe you guys some more Midwest beer, hopefully sometime soon. 73, Brian, N2, SNF. Thank you, Brian, and thank you for that recipe. Thank you, Brian. That sounds delightful. The next email is titled, Response to Josh's Questions About My Email. And this is from <laughs> our... <laughs> Our friend Russ. Now it's a pen pal uh, program. Yeah. <laughs> this is Russ in Vermont. He's the one who sent us out that maple sugar and the habanero maple syrup, among other mapley things. Thank you for those, Russ. Okay. Hey, Leah and Josh. I was listening to the latest release and Josh asked about my setup. So when my wife took me on the impromptu camping trip... All I had in the car was my Anytone AT868HT. This is uh, Russ's wife gifted him this mm. impromptu uh, camping trip, okay. if you remember, along with a camping pour over coffee. Yes. You said. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Very nice. Very nice. This radio is what I took to the summit and the park. 
and I was limited to 70 centimeters FM. Now for field day, I was running barefoot with emergency power, deep cycle batteries on a Kenwood TS-450s into that ancient G5 RV at 30 feet. Now I am wondering if it was just poor band conditions at the time, as I was able to make contact with one of the 13 colony special event stations, K2F, in Maryland. Hmm. Uh, that and, atten- and antenna placement. Okay. If, if you don't like your um, the way you're getting out and you're running portable, move your antenna some. <coughs> As you said, Josh, one should always have a backup antenna. So maybe I will get myself a new QTH antenna anyhow. Mm-hmm. I also need to outfit a go bag box as I feel my outdoor adventures with radio would be more successful. I'm attaching a couple of pictures from the trip. 73 cool. Russ KC5 CNT. P.S. I'm glad the maple sugar was a hit on the ribs. Leia, don't drink too many of those maple habanero vodka drinks. <laughs> yeah, Russ has uh, been supplying us with all kinds of goodies that, yeah. that we've used in many an interesting way. And I will drop up these. in Vermont. They're like, don't give them anymore. They're using it wrong. <laughs> they're putting it in booze. They're putting it on ribs. These California people need to be stopped. I just don't know how I would have experienced all of the wonders of maple syrup had Russ not sent the goodies. For sure. It has totally opened my eyes. And funny enough, one of our friends does live uh, in Vermont, uh, but she's actually moving back to California for about half a year to a year Mm -hmm. uh, because she's going to have a kidney transplant. Yeah. Which is... Very exciting. She got her donor. So I'm very happy about that. So this is Russ. He and I'm just going to show Josh the picture. Yeah, and, and we'll drop the pictures in the uh, Discord. Oh, man. The Look at podcast. that. That's that is pretty. beautiful. It's like all of these great evergreen trees on a cloudy blue sky. Yeah. That's very pretty. Thank you for sharing your uh, your images. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. You have a little one. You're taking up this hike. That's so impressive. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. That's what you he guys, mentioned, that the little yeah. one made it like. You guys got to check out these pictures because that cool. is that that is inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Russ. The next email is from Kyle and it's titled Hunsville. Hi, Leah and Josh. I know you've never met me, but I feel like we know each other. You give us a glimpse into your life each week, which I really appreciate. Well, you're if, welcome. Yeah. If you live closer, I think we could all be friends. Most definitely. You like coffee and are almost exclusively pour over, as am I. (laughs) Your wife is a ham who loves and appreciates you, yet she won't make your coffee because it's so complex. No, she tried. I I did. I I told her don't again. (laughs) Same with me and with my wife, KK4 TVL. You have kids in Cub Scouts, as do we. Shout out to pack a 3120. Right on. You live near an HRO, and I'm a couple of hours down the road from Gigaparts. Oh, cool. If only my wife and I were famous YouTube stars, we would be twins, don't you think? Well, (laughs) famous and stars is. is. (laughs) (coughs) She's podcast royalty, I guess, at this point. I went. I, I and I definitely don't call that. myself a star on YouTube. I, Absolutely, I think or if you famous? call yourself a star, it's kind of weird on YouTube. 
That's a weird feeling. It's so interesting because I think you create a lot of content that mm -hmm. helps a lot of people. Right. But there's there's nothing about like fame or celebrity that you really enjoy. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I will say that like it's it's nice, you know, to be recognized if you go into an HRO. Or if you go to like right, because then they know who, who to ask questions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it Josh, you take is the here. phone. Yeah. Uh, going to Hamvention was very nice. People came up and said hi. It was very mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. Like if if there was any community that you could be well known in, uh -huh. Ham Radio is a good one because everybody's very polite and respectful, and mm -hmm. you know that they're. Um, hopefully, it's for your merits of what you've created, and not just like celebrity for the sake of it being I don't I don't think anybody I don't think so either gives any care about no. celebrity I, I don't think community. so either yeah I, I think it's purely uh, hopefully it's purely based on merit right because if the content wasn't good then right I don't think people would be cordial nice or send emails like they do or anything like that so I always take that as a as a good thing Plus, it, I can walk around anywhere else and have, yeah. nobody knows who I am. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's genuinely like just having a lot of friends. Yeah, it's know? great. It, it's great. Okay, so Kyle continues. Except I'm like from a soap opera and I have amnesia and I just don't know that we're really good friends. Because <laughs> they know me, but I'm like. You actually, if, if you've had a conversation with somebody, you're actually pretty good at remembering. Generally, yeah. even if it's like email or whatever. Yeah. But don't don't hold him to that. Yeah, don't. Yeah, if he's please. got a few beers in him. Yeah. <laughs> so Kyle continues. So since we're almost friends, I feel comfortable enough to ask this question. Why do you both say Hunsville? If it was explained in an earlier episode, I'm afraid I missed it. At first, I thought it was a joke that I wasn't in on. But now I'm not sure. Per Wikipedia, Hunsville was the first incorporated town in Alabama. Mm -hmm. The city was founded in 1805 by Revolutionary War veteran John Hunt. I've never heard anyone say Huntsville until your podcast, but I'm pretty sure I heard someone on Ham Nation say it too. So maybe there's something that I'm missing. I know a lot of us down south have funny accents, but we don't say Huntsville around these parts. I wonder where that came from. Is he? What can you tell me? Is he in Huntsville? He's from the South. Well, I mean, that doesn't mean he's in Huntsville. All right, okay. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you where I heard it from. <laughs> I'll give you my quick answer. Uh, when I was working for Boeing, Boeing has a Huntsville office. And you would talk to the people in Huntsville, and they would be more than happy to correct you in saying it's pronounced Huntsville. Really? So they, well, at least the people I talk to, maybe it's just one big joke. Maybe in, yeah, in this is Huntsville, the longest, <laughs> the long con <laughs> yeah. of everybody in Huntsville is in. Let's all tell everyone that it's pronounced Huntsville as a joke. No, not we'll everyone. Call it just Huntsville. you. No, just no, no. You. Like they, they tell. To, I've heard them say it to other people, oh, not just okay. me. <laughs> I'm not perpetuating this. I was told by someone that that multiple people that live there. And, and we respect the people who... Yeah, I'm not going to try and, yeah. like, name your thing. Exactly. It's called Fajitas. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I, th I think that's what your mom calls them. Yeah, that and salsa. 
says salsa. And I love your mom so much that I'm just like, I can't correct you. But she doesn't have like a Texas twang or any kind of, she has a California accent. She really likes Tex-Mex too. She does. Yeah. And so she says salsa and we're all just like, what? (laughs) It's like, we're going to let it go. Like, (laughs) you made dinner. Kyle says also. Maybe it's a Bobby Flay recipe. God, I hate that guy. <laughs> it's got okay. tomatillos in it. I can guarantee you that much. He just just getting up on counter is so disrespectful. That's the thing that bothered you? At, on the Iron Chef competition? That was he, like, was it actually on Iron Chef, like the Asian Iron Chef? I think so. Oh, okay. That, yeah. That's, yeah. That's not acceptable. Okay, so Kyle continues. Also, you mentioned... We're dragging back Iron (laughs) Chef. We're back at Iron Chef. Oh, no. Also, you mentioned Morse code in music last week. My favorite one is YYZ by Rush. Oh, yeah. Which is the identifier of the Toronto airport. I did not know this was Morse code until I came across this article recently, and now I can't unhear it. And Kyle's dropped a link, which I will uh, put in the show notes. 73, Kyle, P.S., Leia, Josh needs this, and it is linked over to a premium filter for AeroPress coffee. Oh, I don't have an AeroPress. Yeah, it, it looks like it's just a washable and reusable filter. Maybe oh yeah, pour over. Okay, so yeah, what what that's a that's a reusable mesh filter for an AeroPress. That's fantastic. I, I don't own an AeroPress. I've definitely used an AeroPress at work. Um, we had one that was kind of like communal AeroPress for people that enjoyed that. It was not mine. <laughs> um, so I I will drop the link. You guys can check it out. It, it's a good buy if you do have an AeroPress to try it out. I assume you have to like all things. You have to adjust your grind appropriately. Right. All right. Thank you so much, Kyle. The next email is titled Skyline Chili and Yoda Camp. Here I come. Oh, that's right. Yoda Camp is is this week. I've got to get a post out. Yeah. And this is from Sterling. Oh, good. Very, very excited. Well, he can he can he can mention it here on the channel or on the the podcast and then I'll do it on the channel. Self-proclaimed leader of the super ultra high speed two times plus chipmunk crew chiming in to say as fast as possible. What's up? Okay. So I'm going to read this very fast (laughs) right now. Just to mess with him. Yes. It's like I have to. I'm happy to report that my favorite ham couple continue to entertain me on my trip from St. Louis to Cincinnati on my adventure to get some of that sweet, sweet skyline chili. And since it's been hyped up so much on this podcast. Nicely done. (laughs) Thank you. Take that Sterling. (laughs) Oh, and this is the week Youth on the Air Camp is happening. So that's cool, too. 25 young hams are also going to get to enjoy some Skyline Chili at that infamous National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting, among other things like a legit ISS astronaut contact, some VHF sprint contests while at an amusement park, a whole bunch of, uh, of ham radio workshops, a high-altitude balloon launch, and an ARDIF orienteering competition mm-hmm. with some pool parties, Dave and Buster's, a ham station set up at the hotel, and more snacks and soda than we know what to do with for our campers. Right on. Wow, that sounds like an amazing time. 
Connor messaged me. Connor's out there. Oh, really? Connor I messaged me and he was like, go there. Hey, let's, let's, uh, you want to make some QSOs with, with the, the people that are out there? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I got home and I turned my radio on uh-huh. and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And then I didn't hear him for, <laughs> hear him for like two hours. He's like, man, we were at Dave and Buster's for a really long time. We're just getting back now. It's not going to be tonight. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll make it another night. Oh man, I haven't been to a Dave and Buster's in so long. Like, yeah, you guys are having the best time. Uh, Sterling continues, watch us at the Youth on the Air YouTube channel. I'll drop that link oh, yeah. in the show notes. Um, sorry, not at <laughs> the The link doesn't have a vanity link, so it's a scramble of letters. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It's cool. And he's like, sorry, not enough subscribers. So go and subscribe to this channel. Yeah, guys. check it out. Get, get youth on the air at the subscriber level. They can get a custom URL. Yeah, I believe Astro Leah or Leah is there. Oh, Steve's daughter. Steve's daughter. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And Steve, I think, went too. Uh, uh, they also have a website, uh, youthontheair.org. Mm-hmm. Thank you, too, for making my six-hour drive through corn, corn, and more corn and way too many Trump signs. <laughs> Not only bearable, but fun. It's been a while since I've had to lambast Josh. So good on you for keeping your roads hoed straight. <laughs> nice. Hey, and, that's pretty, I gotta say that's pretty good. If Sterling's been listening consistently and we haven't heard from him and we know that he only emails if there's, well, he's something like Poda, which is important to mention. I'm yeah, sorry, Yoda. Youth, Yoda yeah. on the air. Um, or I've, I've screwed something up. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. All I'll right. Think that is a good sign. And good luck, Leia, on your way to 50 words per minute extra. You can do it. Wait, I'm going to have to learn Morse code. This is... No, right? No. I, I'm just... I didn't want Sterling to mention anything about that. <laughs> Say it ain't so. <laughs> can you? Well, I mean, that's, that's the super long game. The <laughs> Is that the entire podcast is just going to be Morse code. We're just going to dit and dot at each other. Yeah. And then occasional laughter. Wow. Yeah. Terrible. Yep. Thank you to... Oh, sorry. <laughs> also, join the dark side. Two times speed is easy. Just bump it up by 0.1x every day. And 10 episodes in, you won't even notice it's fast, and you'll be able to fit in so much more pod for the same time. But you'll definitely notice how drunk they sound back at 1x speed. <laughs> or is it because they're actually sloshed? <laughs> There's only been a couple of times we've been, like, noticeably Yeah, that's there. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can kind of tell by the time I'm at the test. I'm like... <laughs> that's a key indicator. Forget it. <laughs> 73 Sterling N0 SSC. Man, Sterling, you were doing some really great things yeah, good out for there you, with youth on the air. Good for putting yeah. back into the community and the hobby. Yeah, everybody go support the Yoda YouTube channel and see what they're up to. Yeah, and go sub to Sterling too. N0 SSC on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, because really this is uh, what what's going to keep the hobby going by the time you guys are all old and retired. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to put all the weight on Sterling and Yoda, <laughs> yeah. like you're the only ones. But this is a very good thing to support. It is yeah. definitely part of what should be many people doing things like this, right? Lots of giving back to the community and getting younger people engaged. Right, because 20, 30 years from now, 
they will be. They will be the new YouTuber. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, uh, Astro Leah is already. That's true. Yeah. She's, she's, she's already got a leg up. Yeah. Pretty exciting. The next email is titled 1982, the prequel and APRS. <laughs> 1982, the prequel. Okay. Yeah, this is from Andrew. Hello, Leia and Josh. Someone made a note about the book being 1984 last week. I believe this was in reference to the fact that Josh referred to the book as Orwell's 1982. Of course, as those in the know would understand, Josh was simply referencing the aptly named yet little known sequel to 1984. Prequel. Yes. On another note, my kids also love PJ Masks, and I totally thought it was a reference to pajamas. It is a reference to pajamas. It is. <laughs> but nobody calls it pajama mask. It's pajama mask. <laughs> it's actually originally a French show. So Oh, it's like a uh, miraculous? Yes. That show like started that. out being super dumb and then I was like by the third season, I... I, I this plot is complex. This, I'm engaged. I, <laughs> I, it, is, it gets so crazy. This double cross. No, it's, it's so ridiculous. It started out, I'm like, I wanted nothing to do with this show. But then, like, Cat Noir's father actually turns out to be, like, the arch villain. Oh, my goodness. And the, the dad's, like, catching on to Cat Noir being Cat Noir, who's ultimately the superhero that foils them. You know, it foils right, them every week. Right, right. Uh-huh. And he's got this assistant that's, like infatuated with the villain but the villain also is like married it's really weird there's some weird stuff going on very french very french <laughs> yes it's very good i don't know what that was Horrible i'm just accent. kidding i'm just kidding i'm sure everything is not like that in france <laughs> just not like that at all not at all like miraculous or pj mask pajama mask <laughs> clearly i have not watched the show close enough either no, Andrew, you're completely correct. It is pajama. It is about pajamas because they fight crime at night. But the the show is called PJ Mask. I just got to ask, where are the parents? Asleep. What? This is <laughs> negligent. negligent. This is the parents. negligent of sitcoms from the 80s. This is this is <laughs> 80s level. Yeah. Some latchkey kids <laughs> running around in pajamas at night. Ham-related, I have a 100-mile trail race coming up Wow, this fall called the Mines of Spain 100 in Dubuque? Wait, I'm sorry. Iowa? Mines or Mines? Mines. They're going to run around Mines? 100 in Iowa. Dubuque? Like, is that like Albuquerque? Dubuque? Anyway. Is this Japanese town? <laughs> what? Okay, I, I just want to go I'm back for a second. So I, I sorry just, for butchering. This. I just want to go back for a second. He's going on a 100 mile foot race. A uh, 100 mile trail race that is mine adjacent. Mines of Spain. So, has anybody like fallen in a mine accidentally? Well, let's read on, shall we? I need APRS for when I fall in the mine. The race uses a phone-based tracking system that has worked fairly well when I ran the race last year. Fun fact, the phones are only available at the bottom of the mines. (laughs) It only took me 30 hours and 54 minutes, no sleeping. (gasps) What? Wow, Andrew. I hope you've been 
caching the podcast I for that long of a run. That's intense. You're, but it's not just staying awake for almost 31 hours. It's I, I still running it, the it's whole a, time. It's a trail run, meaning trail running is actually can be fairly dangerous. Like it you is, can trip on something and hurt yourself and you're doing it for actually, 30 hours. It's you're harder like than deprived. running on pavement for sure. It's, it can certainly be more injuring to you if you fall. Wow. People And can, they're doing it around mines. I'm still stuck on this mine thing. I don't know why you are not more <laughs> Like I just want to point out that like most mines that I'm that I'm aware of are not like fun cartoon mines where like the dwarves walk out of, right? Like they walk out of like a horizontal a thing. <laughs> mines are like holes in the ground. Oh, I that go straight down. Oh really? Yeah, mines are like straight down things. You don't have to walk things. into a cave. No, a mine, you don't walk into the mine shaft. There are certainly mine it's shafts, not... mines that start out that way, but there are many mines that are just holes in the ground. Oh. Yeah, incredibly dangerous. And I don't know what the mines are like in Iowa, so maybe that's why nobody's worried about this. But... How do you keep the trail lit enough for people not to fall down a mine? Then <laughs> is that? Am, are we on the same page now? Yeah. Is that, I, okay. This is all. <laughs> More, I, I gotta look this thing up, I guess. Also, the mines of Spain in Iowa. Mm hmm. It's a little. Mines all... of Spain 100. No, I understand the 100. <laughs> That's the, the only part of this I understand yes. so far. Uh, we have so many questions, Andrew. Yeah, I, I gotta look this up. Keep, keep talking. People can follow your progress online through that system. It does sometimes drop out, though, because cell signal is lost since it is a large park and Iowa isn't as flat as many people as people might think. Mm -hmm. So it's at a so Mines of Spain, I guess, is a park. I am getting that. OK. <laughs> yes. I was thinking it would be fun to set up my own APRS tracker to let people follow along online and incorporate playing radio. Maybe I should do a poda while I run too. Not wanting to add a lot of weight. What do you think would be the most efficient way to set up a radio and power to do this? I would have the ability to change batteries about every five hours or so. I don't need a battery large enough to power the whole race. <sighs> this is a tricky one. I don't know how much weight he's going to carry. So it's hard for me to recommend like a radio. But like if I were to, if it were me, um, when is this thing? I mean, it needs to be the smallest amount of weight possible. Yeah, I, I would go Morse code. Because he's running for I, I would learn Morse code. Seriously, okay. I mean, this is, the, that would be the best solution because then you can run with something like a mountain topper. That okay. will run off a nine volt battery. Oh. Yeah. And you need a small little wire antenna and you just go to town. All right. I hope that answers your question. Oh, it's in October. So you got plenty of time. Excellent. Andrew signs off 73 Andrew K0AWG. There you Thank go. Thank you. You got time to learn Morse code in October. <laughs> Before October. You can do it. Okay. But there's there's just not a, a way to automatically beacon it on an APRS tracker? Yes, but that's not Parks on the Air. Oh. 
A- APR. So going back to what he was saying about APR. Uh, I don't think he is, cares about the poda. I he think said he poda. Cares, uh, he joked, maybe I should do a poda while I run. Well, that too. was what I z- I zeroed in, in on that. Yeah, it's in parentheses. Okay, so get yourself an FT3DR and have batteries charging because it looks like it's a 20 mile loop or something. And they do that five times. Oh, oh, okay. So you will have a battery charge solution going on that's charging one or more FT3DR batteries. And then you just put the FT3DR recharge it when you get when you get back to your whatever it is, your station. This is the most intense relay for life. <laughs> yeah, because you're running you're around right? a bunch of mines. You gotta stay alive. <laughs> Do you know, do you remember when um, I chaired uh, the Relay for Life, the American Cancer Society? Yeah. And that's literally setting up a loop and people just keep walking just the same walking. loop. Yeah. yeah. That was that was a thing. It's like that, but so much harder. Yeah, so much harder. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I am, uh, I'm with you on the APRS. Go nuts with the FT3DR is probably the way I would go because it's the radio that is... Just the most out of the box, ready to do this with very little muss or fuss. What about weight? Doesn't matter. It's the radio that's right out of the box, ready to do this. Okay. It, it's relatively moot when you start factoring in. It's it's all one box that does all the things versus you'd need all this other stuff if you gotcha. want to do APRS. Good luck on your race, Andrew. I am so impressed. I I can't even wrap my mind around running for. Over 30 hours. Now that I'm thinking about it, though, now that I'm thinking about this further, it is possible that your HT alone won't be able to hit a digipeter. Oh. So if that's the case, you may need to run a mobile digipeter back at the home base and then use that to beacon out your signal. You may need to look at running a mobile digipeter that you can hit with your HT and then have that digipeter pump out your Just signal like in at his 50 car watts. or something something like that okay. so that would also require then that being on a backup battery a, a, a battery that can run gotcha. the whole time which that's going to be a harder order okay yeah all right if it's during the day solar power you can use solar to uh, keep your mobile radio charged and also charge the next ft3dr battery sounds like a solution yeah, that should work. I think okay. work. That's how I would do it. Well, hope that's a better answer to your question, Andrew. Give some options. Yes. He's got options now. The next email is titled, Apology, and this is from Ron. Hey, first couple of ham radio. I hope you will accept my apologies for my overconfident email last week. I was absolutely certain that my t-shirt idea was unique. As it turns out, it's quite the popular suggestion. Uh, you don't have to apologize for yeah. a good suggestion. Still looking forward to meeting Josh in Huntsville, even if he doesn't bring me a free shirt. <laughs> I can guarantee I'm bringing like no free shirts. He's I've not been traveling. Any, yeah. He, I, he's got his stuff down to a science. I am the, I am trying to pack as one bag, the whole thing that I do now. If it's a weekend, I'm one bag in it. It's a backpack. No rolly bags, none of this other stuff. It's Peak Design Traveler every time. I've done this now for three trips, three or four trips, actually. One bag and a go box. Well, that's, you just can augment. (laughs) So I can pack my entire stream and video making gear in that one backpack. It's been fantastic. It's been awesome. 
And I think going to Huntsville, I'm going to be even less weight than all the other times I've gone before because I'm not bringing any radios except for like one. Uh, that's you're like i'm not bringing any radios yeah right no seven because there's not gonna be enough time sure i'm not gonna have enough time to play radio plus you're gonna be playing with so many radios yeah (laughs) and i gotta say i gotta leave some room in my bag right no yeah not what i'm I'm leaving space (laughs) in the bag so that i can get radios in huntsville what yeah that wasn't the plan I'll pack your bags for you there. (laughs) It's always been my plan. (laughs) Plus, all the people that are staying at the uh, the RV park, yeah, they're going to have radios. They drove. Yeah, I'll just go. If I need to play radio that badly, I'll go play radio with their radios. You're going to go to a radio, a ham radio convention, where you're going to play with a bunch of radios that are showing what their features are, right? And then you're going to be like, ah, not enough radio for today. Not enough radio. Must, must find more radio. <laughs> I need to play with more radios. That's right. All right, fair you, enough. You got it. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, Ron signs off. Thanks for your podcast and keep up the good work. 1X Crew 73 Ritz KO4LYX. Thank you. Thank you so much. The next email is titled 10 Meter Antenna Question. And this is from Mike. Hi, Josh and Leah. I recently acquired a couple of antennas, saving them from the junkyard. Good for you. One is a two-band butternut, 40 meter and 80 meter. I think that's a vertical antenna. Oh, wait, a butternut. No, okay. Wait, I'm, now I can look it up. Go ahead. And the other appears to be a 10 meter Ringo antenna. <laughs> Ringo? The butternut, I hope to get it up this year yet, but will likely wait until next year since I need to get up several parts to get that antenna on the air. But the Ringo appears to be complete. No, it's for, yeah, it's a vertical antenna. It's a butternut HF2V, two band vertical, 40 and 80 meters. I hope to get that one up soon. The question I have is how high should I put the Ringo antenna? If I understand correctly, it doesn't require any radials. I'm thinking I will attach it to the 4x4 post buried in the ground and have the antenna about 4 feet off the ground. Should I get that antenna up higher or does it really doesn't it really matter too much? Um, okay, so the 10 meter Ringo is a vertical antenna as well. So I would go for one quarter to one third wavelength above the ground, which for 10 meters is not that high. And any more you add to it is just going to make it a little bit better. There is a break even point, though, I think where it starts not performing as well, but I don't know exactly what that is. So you maybe need to look up, um, vertical antennas uh now i'm thinking about this it doesn't require radials hmm it's the ringo antenna that he's talking about right now there is there is discussion points on ground mounted verticals and i automatically went to like vhf uhf stuff which that is not the case here uh here's what i would do i would try if you have a couple of different mounting options different vertical heights of mounting options i would try both and then there's your answer. Don't don't just trust me and say like I'm only ever going to try this, right? Mm-hmm. Try both and then send an email in that says I tried uh 10 feet and I tried 20 feet and 20 feet was better, so I left it at 20 feet. 
And you can use things like Whisper and FT8 to see how good your propagation is. You just got to do it live, Mike. That's (laughs) that's hammering you in a nutshell, right? You want to get your signal out the best way possible. So keep trying until you think you found uh, what is best for the capabilities that you have at the time. Okay, Mike signs off WX0MIK. That's ARRL and Glarg VE. Mike, thank you so much. And thank you for being a VE. Yeah. That's fantastic. And Mike actually has a website, so I'll drop that in the show notes. The next email is titled, The Final Chapter. Mm. And this is from Toby. Hello, Leah and Josh. I considered following in the footsteps of your favorite author by not sending this email and leaving out the third and last quote unquote book while continuing to promise it's coming. Yes. (laughs) I can't do that, however, not to you and not to me. Thank you, Toby. Now, if you could contact Patrick Rothfuss and communicate the level of honor (laughs) that you must adhere to when taking somebody along on a journey. It's a responsibility. Yes. (laughs) To quote Josh from the last episode, I just saw a setup he can do WinLink on with the antenna that he has. So I don't know. Yeah, kind of the same thought I had, which is why I got that equipment. And we're talking about Toby talking about his setup last Mm -hmm. week. Yeah. Now, come and dip your face into the pen sieve I borrowed from Dumbledore's office and let me take you on a journey. I get my Raspberry Pi up and running. I turn on the Yesu FT991A, Mm -hmm. open JSA call, and I see the traffic going back and forth. Okay. Cool. I got them all integrated. Watch for a while and finally feel confident enough to give it a try. Okay. I make sure the program has the correct information and I click the button to send a heartbeat message. Okay. The 911 goes into transmit mode and I hear the beginning of the digital message. Then nothing. Blackout. All the power goes out. Monitors, pie, radio, power supply, everything. No internet, no power in the shack, bedroom, living room, kitchen, etc. Oh, crap. How could that be? The radio only pulls 23 amps at full power, and I'm running a 30 amp power supply. Crap, crap, crap. (laughs) I frantically work to remedy the situation before the family finds out and to make sure I haven't caused an electrical fire Mm -hmm. or something else bad. I head down to the garage to check the break-in panel, open the door, and find this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Josh, go ahead and open that picture. Okay, I am opening it. He has two tripped breakers. One says front bed and dining light. And the other is breakfast and kitchen GFT. Okay. And what are your first impressions? He tripped the breaker. Okay. (laughs) He's got a load on that circuit that he's running off of. All right. Well, Toby continues, whoa, four out of the five arc fault circuit interrupters, AFCIs, have tripped. I'm thankful that's all it was. But how the heck did that happen? Anyway, I immediately stop all HF digital stuff and decide to wait and try again until I can connect with my club at field day to hopefully get some answers as to what the heck is going on. Yeah. Okay. I already, okay. I see what he's saying now. I didn't realize those are, um, so he has 
GFCI type testing breakers in addition to the physical switch breaker. I see. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Field- Do you have this image too? No. Oh, okay. Field day comes and I explain the situation to a handful of us sitting around in a group. I get some typical questions and comments. How is your shack grounded? You should run a dedicated power line for the shack and so on. Mm-hmm. I don't really get anything that I think is helpful for my specific problem. It can't be the power draw from the power supply and the radio tripping the breaker because four out of five were tripped, including three that were on completely different circuits, right? Anyway, I decide to dig and do an internet search for ham radio breaker panel problems. To my amazement, I find an article on the ARRL website from November 2013. I read several months ago, we started receiving reports from amateurs that when they transmitted their AFCI breakers were tripping, said Mike Gruber, W1MG, and the ARRL Labs EMC specialist. Interesting, right? I find another article that goes a bit more into detail. However, a known problem exists with one model of Eaton Breaker. And that's what these are. They're Eaton Breakers. mm -hmm, Particularly with the 20, 17, 15, and 12 meter bands. (laughs) Basically, there's a known and documented issue on a specific run of Eaton AFCI Breakers from 2013. Well, crap again. We built our house in 2013. (laughs) Wow. Time to yeet some breakers. (laughs) Funny enough, the quote-unquote doctor, Joel Hollis, W1ZR, talks about this exact problem in the June 2021 issue of QST Magazine on page 51. To test my new theory, I set up the 991A up on FT8 on 20 meters and start the power at five watts. I transmit and none of the circuits pop, but also no one can hear me. I increase the power with 10 watts, same result, 15 watts, again, same result, 20 watts and it pops two breakers, 25 watts and it pops the same four out of the five. So that's the HF portion confirmed. Next, I take my Baofeng, tune it to the edge of two meter band, open the circuit breaker panel and key the radio. Nothing. So I tune it to the edge of the 70 centimeter band and key the radio again. Bam. Two of the four breakers pop. Wow. Well, I'll be damned. I then make my way back upstairs and tune to 20 meters on voice and key the 991 radio at the full 100 watts output. I head back downstairs and two of the four breakers have popped again. I have finally identified the problem. Sorry about that. Here's a towel for your face. Sometimes that pen sieve can be a bit harsh when throwing you back to the current reality. <laughs> <laughs> I swap those breakers, man. Replace them. Now, if you are paying close attention, you may have noticed that only four out of the five breakers had issues with the RF tripping the AFCI. That's because the fifth was just replaced in January because we had an addition put on the house and the local code required an updated breaker to be put on the box. There you go. Okay, so what's my next step and how do I resolve this? Well, many of the folks at my club and probably many listeners did and would likely tell me, just move your antenna further from your house. No, just swap the breaker. 
If you recall from last week, I'm in an HOA, making that a non-starter. Fortunately for me, Eaton has a lifetime warranty on all their products, and I was able to contact the company and start the process of getting replacement yep. breakers. There you go. Nice. It is worth noting that the contact information that in, in that 2013 article has since changed, so I'll detail the correct phone oh, number. Thank you. And menu choices so that you can link that in the show notes for anyone who may have the issue. <laughs> you are a more patient man than me. I would have been at Home Depot like five <laughs> minutes after that. Like I confirmed it and be like, I need a bunch more breakers. I've also provided links to the ARRL articles I came across in my search. As of writing this email, I am still waiting for the replacement breakers to arrive. That's exactly what I would be worried about. <laughs> so I can install them and see if that solves these issues. Don't worry, though, as I'll be sure to send an update when I have one. Until then, I'll just have to stick with the lower power on single sideband voice and off and hold off with the HF digital modes. Thank you for letting me take you on that journey over the last few weeks. It has been a bit of therapy session for me to be able to put it all down in writing and know that I'm not crazy, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at least not in this scenario. No, yeah, you're, you're uh, so those, that was the first time I've seen like a GFCI breaker on top of a physical switch breaker. Mm. So that was a new thing for me. Um, yeah, I would, uh, They'd be gone. <laughs> I, I cannot stress that enough. You swap breakers pretty quickly, though. Like, if you think that the breaker's a problem, you're like, we're going to move it. <laughs> that's no, that's just, leaving. <laughs> breakers are cheap, man. Yeah. Most breakers are like, very well, it depends on the breaker, of yeah. course. But um, our breakers tend to be very cheap because our house is old. So Toby signs off. I'm thankful for the HRCC community and to you both for bringing us all together. I'll say 73s for this week, and I will try to be more of a regular correspondent going forward. Sincerely yours, KT0BEG, Toby. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, Toby. And thank you so much for these links. This is fantastic. Oh, I do have a picture of the breaker. I didn't look oh. at it, but... <laughs> I see it. I see it now. All those things that say eaten and test. Yes. I'm glad you figured out the problem. Me too. And you didn't have to replace the entire panel or something. That's good news. Eat those breakers. The next email is from Stefan. Merch ideas and other commonalities. Mm. Hi, Leia and undersecretary Josh. Ooh, undersecretary. Oh. There's some responsibility there. You... <laughs> You probably just enjoy doing the pod without having any idea of how many of us love hearing it. I'm sure a whole lot of people are thinking about emailing, but just don't get around to it. I am getting around to it while I'm thinking about it. Mm. It's true. We do enjoy the podcast and we hope you guys do enjoy it. Yeah. And thank you for writing in. I've had my tech license since May KD9 SSQ, and I'm consuming all the knowledge I can get. I'm also spending my days building my new house. So I binge your pod all day. So no, it's not too long. Yes, I realize it took airtime to say that, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had a few merch ideas. So I thought I'd mention, hey, uh, I, I think it's cool. You're building your own house, Stefan. Sense pictures. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, then you can put like coax runs can be ran through the walls. Ooh. So what real would you do if you stealth. were doing a new build? 
I would have a room that would be the ham shack and they would have, it would have a, a comparable amount of outlets to Ethan's room. <laughs> Ethan's room's got like an outlet every two feet. <laughs> yeah. At, 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 a, at a different and, vertical yes. level. <laughs> so many outlets. I was so jealous. I was like, my gosh, never enough. He ran, that. he ran a really good amount of power. He had a good power, um, he put up a good panel, uh, really nicely done. I would probably have a pat, like some kind of an. So, doing it the right way, I would have a really really nice antenna connection set up, like a bus bar outside, mm -hmm. along with a appropriately uh, ground grounded ground rod that would tether to the other ground rods, and it would be all coded out and be perfect to code lots of grounding a lot of grounding um all over the house actually i would run i would run ground rods all over the place and have them all linked up uh just to l keep that ground uh, potential right you know equal across everywhere uh connecting the antennas up i think that would be awesome and of course there'd be a tower you're very excited right now <laughs> your face is all the dreamy Probably built-in desks, too, like built-in tables. Okay. You know, like um, ones that are yeah, and attached. Yes. Right, and then have shelving above. Lots of shelving. Oh, so much, so much shelving. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan continues, one, a T-shirt with a cartoon Josh in hammer pants with the bow fangs sticking out of the pockets, a Morse key, and maybe a feed line and a hamstick. It is, after all, after all, always, quote unquote, hammer time. Mm. <laughs> I grew up in the 80s. So, yeah, he became a pastor or something. Uh, the next idea is the sixth sense, a graveyard with various antennas sticking out of the graves. The caption, ICW ham people. <laughs> I see. I see. Okay. You see what? W ham I people? I see W ham people. Like, I see dead people. I see, I see w, w ham, ham people. people. It's a cemetery. Yeah. Are you following? Yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't use them, they'll at least fill your podcast with more bonding time. I get it. And I think it's funny. I'm, I, I get it. I get, I get it. You do? I get jokes. Sure, sure. I get jokes. <laughs> yeah, maybe you haven't had enough margarita. Maybe that's Here. the problem. Here's some. I think we're out. I gave oh. you the, rest, the, the oh, last time we you. split it. As I keep listening, I keep being, as I listen, I keep being impressed with how much we have in common. You keep mentioning most of my interests. We have a five acre homestead here in this state. I won't mention lest some of your not so freedom minded neighbors decide to move here. <laughs> but I realize you could always look me up on QRZ. We are blessed to have room for an orchard, a berry patch, a bountiful raised bed garden, strawberry planter, wild raspberries, bees, and have rabbits. They taste good, but the greatest benefit to raising them is their amazing poop for the garden. Have chickens and most excitingly, 66 sugar maple trees, wow. which I tap every late winter. What a homestead. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. So I actually have a question about this because I, I want to say Nate in the um, in the podcast channel 
suggested Clarkson's Farm, which is, uh, I think it's Jeremy Clarkson. From, oh, yes. I, I do want to go watch that. I started watching it today. Yeah. Uh, you weren't a big fan of Top Gear. I watched Top Gear. I thought they were funny. Okay. So how's Jezza on this one? Uh, I, I only got a little bit into the first episode before I had to pass off my iPad to mm-hmm. Ben to mm-hmm. use it. But he, in this episode, he went through the costs that he was going to have to, you know, everything he needed to buy to be able to get his plants in the ground and then get them out of the ground. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I think it came out to like $255,000. Oh no, 255,000 pounds. Oh my goodness. So that, and it, it made me wonder when you have a, a homestead that's over half an acre, mm-hmm. right? If you're, if you're on five acres, you, you can't really do it all alone, right? You have to hire farm help because you when... You have seven kids. <laughs> well, because when plants are ready, they're ready. Yeah. It's not like you can be like, oh, I will slowly pick this over the next two weeks. Yeah, it's like, no, you must pick it all. You must pick it all within the next. And then life. move it quickly. Yes. <laughs> to its destination for sale. Or or you've got to can it, right? So you are. Which is a separate yeah, large pick it, pick issue. It, pick it, can it, can it, can it. Right? right. And if you've got five acres, that is a lot that you're growing. That is a lot. Yeah. So, hey, you know, Stefan, let it me can know. Be a lot. I mean, depending on what he's growing in the yield of, of those plants. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's trees. And well, yeah, but he said he's, they're maple sugar, so we already talked about the no. Low there's yield an orchard maple. and a berry patch and a raised garden bed and a strawberry planter, and you know, okay, all of those things. In addition to the bees, uh, picking bees is dangerous. Do not pick bees, <laughs> but you do have to tend to the hive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as I build my house with redundancy and preparation in mind, I want to be thinking about my future ham shack, Mm. specifically the ideal antenna. A friend of my dad's is selling his Yesu FT7, so I'm buying it. It seems like a good first HF rig. Also, the price is a third of the current valuation. There you go. I understand this rig may be in the boat anchor category, but it seems like a quality rig nonetheless. Anything else you can tell me about it would be helpful. I'm also learning CW and will probably focus on that for the foreseeable future, though I am planning to take the general test very soon. So do you, do you want to give your thoughts? It's, it's not, I mean, boat anchors usually imply that they're running off of uh, tubes, vacuum tubes. And this one looks to be solid state from what I remember about the, uh, the FT7. I could be wrong. Uh, maybe it's one of those hybrid ones that's solid state with, uh, with tubes. I don't think so, though. So there are, shouldn't be. Are there hams that are like, oh, no, the tubes are better? Kind of like how music oh, yeah. aficionados are like the vinyl. Oh, are you kidding? So warm. Yes. <laughs> the guys who are hardcore AM people, they yeah. only do AM, uh-huh. AM voice. They go for the huge boat anchors and they refurbish them. Test tubes only. Test tubes. Yeah. Awesome. You mean vacuum tubes? Va- vacuum tubes, sorry. Where some... <laughs> just I make mess with my uh, <laughs> with my old Collins gear. Back to the rock bottom line. That's it. 
he said antenna though so with yes. a, with land like that he could put up whatever he wants i mean so antennas mm-hmm. uh steven uh, stefan continues i will probably spend most of my time on 40 meters and dabble on 20 and 10 when it opens up mm-hmm. i have space and a friend wants to get rid of his tower but i don't necessarily want to populate the yard with antennas also i'm cheap I built a foil tape and PVC dipole for my Baofeng UV5R and got far far more excited about its success connecting to my club repeater 8.9 miles away than normal people should be, but I'm not normal. I am comfortable building whatever I need to. So best antenna for my situation and best DIY antenna for my situation. I realize they may be vastly different answers. Yeah, I, I mean, the best antenna for your situation with a tower is putting up a Yagi that does 40 and up uh, to the higher bands. Can you build that Yagi? Sure. What do you build it out of? Aluminum tubing. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's going to be a big antenna, though. A 40-meter Yagi is huge if you don't use a trapped uh, a trapped Yagi. It's going to be a, a big antenna. It's a big boy. So it's a big boy. Uh, <laughs> it, it's going to have to be pretty high up too if you want to if you want to get the most uh, effectivity out of it. With that said, a homemade antenna, still with the um, still sticking with the the tower. Put the tower up. You can put a dipole off of a tower. You use the tower as the center connector, and you um, you run the legs off of it. You could have a fan dipole up there. You could do a end fed where the the peak of the end fed or you could do a sloper where the matchbox is up at the top of the the tower and then you can run the line down the wire down to a tree or something like that and then have the feed line go straight to ground you could have direct berry coax that you put into the earth and you cover it up with dirt direct berry or you can run conduit if you if you are able to get some conduit a lot of this stuff you may be able to find used um, maybe not the conduit you probably can find a yagi with your club or someone it sounds like if you're getting a tower there's probably someone also somewhere that's going to be getting rid of a yagi that you're like hey i'll take it and it may not get you down to 40 it may just be like 10 and or 20 and up but hey who cares you can put up a 40 meter dipole in that case and that would be very easy okay yeah Stefan signs off. Thanks for filling my head with knowledge and laughter. Stefan, KD9SSQ. Thank you, Stefan. I hope that answers uh, your question, Stefan. And good luck with your uh, with building that uh, tower that you got real cheap. Mm-hmm. The next email is titled, Hey Bales 146.52. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes these subjects crack me up. This is from Lonnie. Hi, Dynamic Ham Duo. I just have to hey, say, I'm a frosted mini wheat fan. Love them. Okay. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> I remember eating regular size mini wheats as a kid out of the box with a glass of milk. Oh, they used to make mini wheats bigger but frosted? Yeah. So. Th- so as I understand it, there was actually like three forms of, of shredded wheat. <laughs> <At> three evolutions. <laughs> the, the tiny one are the frosted mini wheats. But then there was also like a mini wheat that was much bigger. It was almost like... A spoonful? Two, it was like two to two and a half inches long. It was like a pillow of wheat. Okay. And then there was the full-size ones. And those ones were very big. 
Okay. Yeah. So All right. that's what I remember. They need they need Pokemon names, you know. <laughs> it's like the the Weedazard or the, the Weedazard. That is mighty morphin. We- <laughs> it starts at the Weedazard and then it ends up at the Wheatmander. <laughs> you know. We weed at you. <laughs> we at you. Pikachu doesn't evolve. Oh well. Right, you. Oh, I guess Pikachu evolved. Yeah, Pikachu only, but he only has a two-stage evolution. Yeah, you need a three-stage. A three-stager. Yes. Hmm. You think on that? Wittini. Which? <laughs> and then it becomes wheat, wheat and air, <laughs> and then wheat and night. Excellent. <laughs> I remember eating regular-sized mini wheats as a kid out of the box with a glass of milk. These were the long ones, like three inches long, not the bite-sized ones you you see today. I would dip them in milk while watching whatever cartoons were on. Also, my mom used to feed me the original shredded wheat ones that are, like Josh said, the size of a couple of deck of cards. (laughs) Like a shoebox. I like the the approach of dipping it in the milk. So that it, it's it more immediately of a, gets soggy. Yeah, it, it gets soggy before it touches your mouth. <laughs> You're just getting it right at the transition point <laughs> from crispy to soggy. It's a it's, it's a textural sensation. <laughs> gosh, I'm not a fan. My mom used to trick me into eating them by telling me they were bales of hay. Being a four to five year old that was into horses, I was going to say Lone Ranger episodes. I was hooked. (laughs) Like, hey, it's a bale of hay. I'd be like, what? (laughs) Hay is for horses. (laughs) But as a six year old, I'd be like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Does the Lone Ranger eat this? (laughs) Uh, That would be like my dad as a child. That was what he watched. Was the Lone Ranger. Oh, yeah, right? Yes. Because I was watching Gilligan's Island as a child. (laughs) Man. It's amazing you're not more into ham radio. (laughs) Coconut-based ham radio. That's why it all makes sense to me. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) On to ham radio. Uh, This is a complicated topic. Could you explain it with uh, some coconut parlance (laughs) sprinkled over the top? Pretend you're the professor. (laughs) Get get some lemons, <laughs> uh, or was it po- oranges or potatoes? What are we talking about know. for the battery? Yes, on a tropical island. It was, uh, yes, they didn't have those. I'm actually I'm surprised they didn't have scurvy just through the entire right <laughs> run of that show. Fair enough. On to ham radio. I've been monitoring 146.52 call frequency and never really heard much. That changed on Sunday while doing FT8. I was monitoring the two meter frequency and received two soda contacts. Cool. One was 65 miles and the other was 45 miles. This was on my two meter base station. I was going to say he's probably on a base station. Yep. That has a mobile magnet antenna stuck to my roof vent. Yep. The next day, I was in my mobile and received another contact from Pikes Peak. This is approximately 109 miles away from my contact point. He was coming in 5-9. Yep. I didn't, get to set, I didn't get his setup statistics. I was on my Yesu FTM 7250 with a tram antenna. Cool. I just thought I would share. Keep up the great podcast, 73, Lonnie W0WAL. 
Well, he outed himself. He's outside of uh, Colorado Springs. Yeah. <laughs> in California, we're we're just lousy with simplex contacts. It, it, it's all day. Like, there's always somebody on simplex. Sure. And it's great. It, it's it's a lot of fun. In fact, I am often more on simplex, two-meter simplex, than I am on the my local repeaters. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, thank you for it. I feel like it's harder. Like, it's harder to make a long-distance contact simplex. Okay. It's always about the challenge for me. Like, you know, All right. how do I make this work? You know, how do I make this the most? How do efficient? I make this as hard as possible? On yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very much a masochist ham. <laughs> I like to hurt myself with ham radio. Well, thank you for sharing those uh, ham achievements. Lonnie. Ham achievements. Ham achievements. <laughs> Just dying to use that soundboard. <laughs> Just dying for it. Speaking of that, always welcoming your drops. If you uh, send us drops... Put in the subject line drops, and then Leia will know to forward them to me. Yes. At leiaatamtactical.com. The next email is titled, Because My Last Email Was Not Long Enough. Mm. And this is from Stefan. Jack Stefan. <laughs> Leia, as I listen to your backlog, I'm reminded of things I should have mentioned in my last email. Yorks are okay, but nothing beats an after eight, though I haven't seen them here in the U.S. I had them when I was a kid. I have had after eights. Mm -hmm. They were shipped to me by my friend in Ireland. Oh, that was the last time I had them, but I had them when I was a kid. And they are good. Uh, it is a creamy mint filling. Yes. It's, it's, it's more runny. Yes. It's a runny mint filling. It's, it's more runny than a junior mint filling. I don't think junior mint fillings are runny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's literally advertised on the box. It's that like cut runny? in half and then mint is coming out. Oh, the half that's but they're open. so small. <laughs> it's like there's not a lot of place to hide the runny. I mean, there's not a lot of, of runny mint. And, and After 8 actually doesn't have a ton. It, it's really, remember, it's like a, a square. Yes. And it, there's not much space in between the chocolate layers for right. the mint to run out, but it is a runny mint consistency. You know, I find that in the U.S., the... The candies that are very easily meltable are not readily available. They're just not, they're either not shelf or shipping stable enough mm -hmm. that a lot of retailers won't carry but them. But I mean, like Snickers melts. Not, not really. That's Hershey's melts. No, 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 no. I'm talking about <laughs> Junior Mints melt way easier than a Hershey's bar. Okay. They, okay. they melt and they deform right. like that, you know? So right, because even if a Hershey bar melts, it's still it's still a, a bar, bar of chocolate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I grew up in a lot of other places when we lived in Austria, and we ate after eights after dinner. Mm. Maybe that's where the name comes from. You know, <laughs> you it's eat both it after directions eight. and a name. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's actually it's a, very efficient. IKEA a, probably made this. It's a restriction. <laughs> Don't eat this before eight. <laughs> yeah, there was a joke about that. Like somebody was like, "Oh, you get a stomachache if you eat it before eight. No. Yeah, I don't remember the joke. Well, I flew through London a few years ago and got excited when I saw them in the duty-free area of the airport. Interesting. What an interesting duty-free find. Yes, I I like duty-free stores. <laughs> I'm going to forgo my scotch that I was picking out. I'm going to go for these mints. You could buy both. Why would you I, have to forego one, or the one other. for one? I don't have much space in my bag. 
<laughs> you just got to load it up with duty free cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just pack them in. <laughs> Reselling them. What? <laughs> Can't say that in the duty free store, sir. Yeah, exactly. Regarding Skyline Chili style chili, this type of chili was adopted by Steak and Shake here in the Midwest, and the flavor you're speaking of can be replicated with barbecue sauce. So I make it at home. Um, I beg to differ. <laughs> I have had Steak and Shake because there is one in Vegas. Yes, but I, I beg to differ that you can replace the flavor of Skyline with barbecue sauce. Yeah, because I think that the significant flavor in Skyline is actually cinnamon. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I'm not doubting that you can get a close approximation of it. Mm -hmm. But I haven't had barbecue sauce with cinnamon in it. Is that is that an ingredient? I don't know. No. You're the barbecue guy. It's like holiday time. Yeah, barbecue <laughs> sauce. Christmas so uh, festive. Christmas season barbecue <laughs> sauce. Bullseye brand Christmas sauce. So Stefan continues, so I make it at home. I brown the onions and ground beef together, add canned tomatoes and the optional beans, and then half a bottle of barbecue sauce and water, then simmer and salt and pepper to taste. Hmm. Then boil spaghetti, dice onions, and eat with cheese and sour cream. So five uh, chili five-way is spaghetti, chili, onions, cheese, and sour cream. It hurts me to think you are yearning for canned Skyline. Everything is so much better made from scratch. Yes, I make an exception for tomatoes, which can well. Try it sometime and see if it's the flavor you're thinking of. Regards, Stephen again, KD9SSQ. So we have had Steak and Shake. It is my siblings' go-to place mm -hmm. to eat when they are in Vegas. Yeah. They cannot leave Vegas without going to... It's very good burger. It's a very good burger. Uh, I... Very expensive burger. No, that's Shake Shack. Oh, Shake Shack. What? Uh, oh, Steak and Shake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay, I, I got them all mixed up. At the one that's like way off the strip. It's in the casino. Right. Yeah. But it's... It's the one that's like all gold with like white on top. Uh, the win? South Point. South Point. Oh, it is in South Point. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Um, so my, my siblings, that's their go-to place. I prefer Shake Shack. Yeah. Which is, has come out further towards the coast. There's it's one in Redondo in, Beach. Yeah, exactly. Or El uh, Segundo. But so, somebody, somebody never picks one up on the way home. Even though it would be relatively and that easy coffee to do place so. it's right next door. Yes, Phil's Coffee. Yep. For a mint mojito. <laughs> it's a coffee man. It would, it would just make my day. Okay. You know, here's your cold my mint day. mojito. It's been sitting in my car for an hour. <laughs> Here you go. You could, you could do something. Well, could you saying. just pour this in my thermos? <laughs> I think they will actually. I, We're yeah, in Southern I already California. answered my own yeah. question. <laughs> I did it to be funny, but then I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually that could work. So steak and shake is delicious. It doesn't taste anything like Skyline Chili. Oh, yeah. Leia's, Leia's making a hard call here. Yeah, mm -hmm. unless there's a different barbecue sauce you're using, Stephen. Let us know. Yeah, is when it he a says barbecue sauce, bar that's like yeah. very broad. Right. There's all kinds of. <sighs> Right, barbecue right. sauces. Barbecue so brand barbecue if, sauce. If you can let me know what kind of barbecue sauce you're using, maybe it is the right approximation. Oh, uh, I'm using uh, Skyline Chili branded barbecue <laughs> sauce. <laughs> <laughs> it's just condensed chili. 
Uh, it's all the flavor that you like, but it's shelf stable. Yeah. No meat in it. Thank you for the email, Stefan. We didn't mean to harass you. <laughs> Sorry. We're on one now. The next email is titled Field Day Report from a First Timer. Oh, very good. And this is from Greg. I thought I had already sent this in, but since I didn't hear it on the last podcast, I went looking for it and it was in my drafts folder. Ah, good. I'm glad we didn't screw up. Leia would be fired. (laughs) You you don't have to fire me. I quit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need your letter of resignation on my desk. Okay. <laughs> Here it is. Here's a piece of paper. <laughs> I'm going to scrawl out. I quit. I quit. I'm, I'm going to have Ben write it for me. Good writing practice. There you go. <laughs> so here's my field day report as a first timer. I was camping the week prior to field day. I didn't realize it was field day until a day or two prior to leaving. So I decided to just give it a shot. Awesome. I was using my IC7300 and a Wolf River coil and only worked 20 and 40 meters. Mm-hmm. My first mistake was that I didn't verify my class and section prior to leaving. And since I didn't have internet access, I couldn't look it up. Mm. I was... That's always fun when you're like replying to people and you're like, hey, could you tell me what my class is? I was in Wyoming. That's WV, right? W's Wyoming. W-Y? Well, it says I was in WV. Is that a section? I don't know. Uh, Okay, so I was pretty I sure it. that it would be my section, but I... Oh, yes, you're, you're right. It is Wyoming? Well, no, I mean, oh. that it, it you're right, it is your section. Okay. <laughs> but I only had listened to some podcasts and watched YouTube videos. I didn't recall... West Virginia. What West Virginia, that makes more sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good ham radio country. There's a low noise out in West Virginia in a lot of parts of it. I didn't recall what my category would be, but I remembered that somewhere I thought I had heard I was likely a 1D. A but Bravo I was, or a, yeah, it, it depends on when he was running for power. Sure, but I was camping with no mains power, so I guess I should have been 1B. Yeah, Bravo. I provided 1D to all my contacts instead of the correct 1B. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it, man. I was in an activatable, is that a word, park? So I was on the air prior to the start of field day. I tuned around and made some contacts, including Ham Radio Dude. Hey, which, cool. <laughs> yeah. The dude. Which was cool to contact one of the YouTubers. Once field day started, I was shocked at the amount of traffic I was listening to oh. on 20 and 40 meters. And it's nothing like seeing it on the 7300 or anything with a good screen. Because your your waterfall will be empty, and then all of a sudden, the time hits, and it's just like, blah, and then all <laughs> these signals just start filling the waterfall, and you're like, well, I went from being able to t- talk anywhere, and now I can't talk anywhere. Just pile-ups all over oh, the place? It's just everywhere, yeah. I was able to make 17 contacts awesome. in total. Good job. Almost all were on the East Coast. I was kind of disappointed with what I heard. When I would find someone calling CQ, I would listen for a couple of minutes to determine their cadence and how they were working their pileup. It seemed like most people were doing the same thing, mm-hmm. but there were plenty of really strong signals coming through that were obviously just using their power to try to force their way to the top of the pile. Most of the time, the person calling CQ would take them, which made them move on, so probably for the best. Mm-hmm. Is I kind of understood that that's kind of how, how ham radio works. Yeah. You max out your power so that you can pay to be win. best heard. And Ham radio is pay to win in a lot of ways. It really is. Nobody wants to hear that, Josh. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, 
it's just like any game, right? So take any massive multiplayer online game. What are your options? You mm. can grind for EXP and gold. Yeah, you grinding grind for EXP and then, is like building and, your antenna, yeah. learning Morse code. Those are very effective things when you, you go race. out and, and then you you grind your way out to a park where there's no mm-hmm. noise and you make lots of contacts. So right? in this scenario, the grinding is the contacts? No, the grinding is, well, it's, well, yeah, I guess it's making the contacts. Yeah, because you okay. have less power. Okay. Versus pay to win is I throw an amp and a big yaggy on it and bingo, bango, I'm, I'm making more contacts. Oh, and so... In the MMO scenario, mm-hmm. this is where you get twinked, right? Right. With all the gear. Right. And then you get a tank to go with you into a raid. Right. That- <laughs> I mean, I have a meme that I run on the show. It's uh, it's hashtag late game laggy, uh, yaggies. Mm-hmm. Late game yaggies, right? Late, your late game character, you start yeah. running yaggies. Mm-hmm. That's when you start <laughs> equipping for raids. So I was kind of, oh, I heard many people just stepping all over each other. I had several times when I was actively working on my QSO and someone jumped in calling that person's call sign, not seeming to care that they were already working another ham. It could be that they didn't hear me, but since it's a two-way conversation, they obviously would hear the other person. That is um, that is the priority of the person you're having a QSO with correcting them then. It is mm. very likely that they couldn't hear you. So, yes, it's Mm -hmm. a two-way conversation, and they're likely only hearing one side of it. Now, that is a poor operator, the one that was interrupting, because that person's obviously not calling CQ at that moment. He's responding to someone that he's having a call with. So that person should wait. So, um, yes, you do see that. You do see that during field day. People are kind of doing it for the first time. Mm -hmm. They may be new at it. You know, it may be their first uh, actual really long distance time spent on hf right maybe they just dabble normally and it's just like rag chews Mm -hmm. this is their first like contest experience so they may not know any better but it really is the more powerful station or the station that's kind of holding the frequency to try and manage that i think that's actually something that gives people a lot of mic fright too because there are there's this etiquette and I've Mm -hmm. talked about this so many times before Mm -hmm. and hams actually do really want to be respectful of each other. They don't want to come off as a noob at all. Well, I think the latter is the more important one. They don't want to come off like they don't know. Right. That's the most uh, thing that I think is what, what scares people when they get in front of a microphone. And I think that in a scenario like field day, you're seeing so many examples. Mm hmm of what you think is how you're supposed to make a contact, mm-hmm. right? So first timers may just be jumping in wherever they can because yeah. it's bedlam anyway. Or right? they're legitimately just a bad actor and they don't care. Like that is a- I like to give people true, the benefit of the doubt. I, I am sure that, you know, it's a it's a pie chart of, of many different flavors of individuals, sure. right? And so you just have to consider ham radio is just like a, a slice out of any part of humanity. There's some really sure. great people and there's some not so great people. Fair you enough. You just have to accept that for what it is. While most were considerate, there were many that just seemed not to care about anyone but themselves and talk over everyone. Based on this experience, I don't know if I'll participate in field day again. Hmm. I, I would recommend you go to a club or, or find a club. 
I, I think sure. that would um, increase your experience significantly. Well, Greg gets there. Oh, okay. I do know that if I do, it will be while visiting a club setup. There you go. See? See? <laughs> there just seems to be too many rude hams out there for a newbie to go at it alone. You might have had a bad experience, or maybe you were right in the beginning of field day. Uh, I, I definitely like being there when the when the bands kick off. Mm-hmm. But as people start getting into a groove and all those new people kind of get used to the exchange, it sorts itself out pretty well, usually around the five-hour part or five hour mark. Uh, People getting the hang of the etiquette. Yeah, they just start getting used to it. Yeah. With that said, if, if you're interested in in something where people are a lot more respectful, or at least um, initially, it, it, can, it can get kind of bad, but um, DXing. So there's a DX code of conduct. You can Google that term and look it up. The DX code of conduct is a list that a lot of people try to abide by as much as possible. And, and it gets to the point where if you become a bad actor, you get known by your call sign and people will just not answer. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Or they'll right. contact you personally. Well, Greg signs off 73 Greg N3 GDS PS. Do I actually need to submit my logs for field day? Yeah. Or is it just if I want to be included in the counts for how many people were active on field day? No, you need to because that's the other side of a CUSO for all the people that you worked. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you, submit your logs. you submit them to verify mm-hmm. for the other people's points. That's right. Yep. Got it. All right. Well, hope that answers all, your all questions. All contests work that way. Even if, yeah. you'll, if, somebody call, if somebody emails and says, oh, it doesn't work that way, um, just treat it like it does. That's how contests work in general. Okay. So you, you should get in the habit of, of getting used to that. Just another skill you need to pick up and, and follow through with. It's a part of the process. With that said, I got a POTA I got to upload logs for. <laughs> Well, Greg, <coughs> I hope that. Oh, oh man! What, what just Whoa. happened to me? <coughs> you were just, now me. I'm coughing. We're getting gassed. <laughs> Does this smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> I hope uh, those answer that answers your questions. And uh, sorry you had a bad field day experience. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm bummed out about that. But like all things, just persistence pays. Don't worry about it. I really wouldn't worry about it. And um, next year, maybe go with a, with a club or maybe start a little bit later after people get a little bit used to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's the, the, the ticket. Sure. The next email is titled Prepping Thank You. Prepping Thank You. All right. Yes. And uh, this is from KF0BRS. Hi, y'all. I just wanted to thank you for one of your recent surprise prepping ideas, Mm. using a pool filter to treat larger amounts of water. I understand that's not enough to make a large amount of water potable. Nevertheless, I appreciate the idea that in a situation when it would become necessary to filter your water, you're not just thinking of yourselves. Not to mention that a Sawyer filter just isn't going to work for everyone, for everything. And it's certainly not going to work forever. Well, I I mean, I think if I remember what our comments were, uh, a really high filtration filter will clog if you feed it a bunch of really bad water so right. it's usually a two-step process if you have right. really bad water mm-hmm. so the pool pump the pool pump filter the design of that was to pull out the silt and all the really nasty mm-hmm. stuff and then take the output of that and run it through your higher quality filter right i think it's unfortunate that the backbone of preparedness is so individualistic and that people tend to be so isolated from each other even in cities so many prepper videos and blog posts imagine a scenario in which the um, S H's. Oh, S H D F. S H is the 
F for <laughs> the subject's entire community. And the that person's first thought is to bug out without even considering go, the possibility the that they could stay and try to help. It's like they think power outages make people not human anymore. It's it's odd that the people who seem to be most in the mindset that they're just going to bug out and go in a woods and live off the land are the mm-hmm. people who've never actually done that. Uh, it is incredibly taxing on your system, your calorie load, your time to do all the work to establish a camp and go hunting. All that stuff takes a tremendous amount of time. That's why in a camp you usually divvy out the jobs, right, and go do individual work. That's why there's like, these are the hunters. It's because they specialize in that particular task, and they spend days doing it. Right. You're not going to do all those things one-manning it out in the out in the wilderness. It's because of Bear grills. I, I think it's a little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's also some of the, you know, the, the living your life through people you watch on YouTube. Yeah. There's a lot of people that just like go out, like they just go out and do that. Well, they're showing you the best shots that they took, right? Right. They're, they, they, they're curating the experience that you're vicariously living through. In Bear Grylls' case, he's showing you clips and then he goes to the hotel. I, I don't think yeah. he does that anymore, but you do it one time and then that's it, right? Everybody remembers that forever. Also drinking your pee. Also he is, drinking your own pee. He is probably my least favorite. Sur- yeah. and <laughs> Survivor Man is like, as far as popular bushcraft people goes, yeah. top. Yeah. Uh, Dave Canterbury, who's on YouTube, still making videos, great. And if you really like, for all my UK fans or all our UK fans, it's uh, I believe it's Roy Mears. Oh. I know the last name is Mears. He is very good. He's really, really good. He's what really kicked off um, bushcrafting. Oh, uh, really? In the UK, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. really popular. Is it Ray Mears? I think it's Ray Mears. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's interesting because. This email brings up that uh, power outages make people not human anymore. But well, lack of food make people not human. Lack of power is a is a gross, uncomfort, yeah. uncomfortable situation. It's the lack of foods that's the problem. When well, the shelves start going empty in the grocery stores because yes. they only have two days worth of food, that's what's causing right. the problem. And their right. babies at home crying because they don't have formula. Yeah, they're desperate. That's when people get real bad. And I, and I think it's interesting because, uh, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but at the beginning of the panoramic, I really saw the best of people come out. Uh, yes, it's true. You see you know? both sides. As uh, in our community anyway, one of the first things that we all did is we told everybody, go check on your elderly neighbors Mm -hmm. and make sure they have everything they need because Mm -hmm. we knew things were starting to run out at the stores. Yep. And um, and we did that. I mean, we dropped off so many things for so many seniors in our community. Um, And the... Even the the county stepped up. I mean, people were getting uh, food bank food. Mm-hmm. Rega- no questions asked. Just organizing food for seniors to drop food at their For place. anybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. A lot of that happened in Texas, too. Sonia told me a story about something. She was helping somebody out in Texas, yeah. which was really, you know, amazing, right? And it's, uh, so then later on uh, through the panoramic, you know, we, we went through... Um, what is social unrest, mm-hmm. which then led to some 
property damage and looting and things like that. Yeah. So I, it's tough because the, for the preparedness mindset, right? One of the, one of the cornerstones is guns to defend yourself in case there are bad actors. Right. So you really have to balance, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about how you have to live your life Mm -hmm. today in a way that you can enjoy it while still being prepared and not going so down, uh, far down the preparedness rabbit hole Mm -hmm. that you are banking on a disaster to make all your investment worth it, right? (laughs) I will will talk briefly on the the firearms thing. That's another thing people think they're going to like lone wolf it. I'm just going to take my AR and my, you and can my food never and, carry enough or, ammo. You can't carry enough ammo. Uh, further, you're pretty easy to take out as one person. That's true. So having multiple people that you are grouped up with, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, you're going to have a much better chance on multiple fronts. Because c- can you stay asleep 24 hours a day, son? Awake, stay awake. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, that would have been the right way to say that. <laughs> Because then you don't even need a gun. You just walk up to him and hit him with a big rock. So on that same token of living your life, a life that you enjoy today, mm-hmm. right? Which I think is actually pretty good, um, a pretty good thing that ham radio does in your preparedness for calms down situations or disasters through ham radio. You're actually enjoying the journey. Right. Well, it's also communal. So it's literally building a skill set that is based around bringing people together. Right. And I mean, same thing with guns. Right. You get to enjoy practicing um, your it's expensive. Your (laughs) your shooting with whatever, you know, your shooting skills while also being prepared for a much worse situation. Yeah. For everybody that that chagrins the price of radios, if you were a hardcore shooter that wanted to maintain their level of skill, Oh boy, you're going to recoup the cost of any radio you buy in short <laughs> order if you're trying to buy ammo. I remember how much money you were spending on ammo when you were skeet shooting every week. And we were reloading. Yeah. We were re- <laughs> we were driving out to the boonies to get primer and shot and wads. And Henry had that super deluxe reloading, that that uh, stage, the multi-stage setup. And so we were cranking on rounds, but even that was expensive. Right. You know, we're going through like 200 rounds a day and we would shoot like three times a week. And that's that's shotgun shells. So that's not very expensive. Like people are listening to me right now, like that's nothing. Uh, but but it's it adds up if you shoot consistently. Seriously. Right. Uh, so get, and getting back to this about the power outages making people not human anymore. I think that preppers have to have the same attitude where they embrace whatever community they're in. Mm-hmm. Right. Um while also walking that line of knowing that it, there are going to be people who are not as good as your community. C- correct. And there's going to be outsiders, people that come in yeah. from out because it's like, oh, this is a slightly wealthier community. Right. And it's right off the freeway. Right. Let's go knock on some doors. Exactly. Yeah. L- look, that dude has a ham radio antenna on his roof. I bet he's prepared. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a worry that people have. But I think yeah. a lot of people, uh, I'll mention how many times do we drive down the road and you don't even notice antennas and I point them out to you. All the time. Most people don't even notice. N- until. Except our house. Until. Everybody notices our house. <laughs> N- not everybody, actually. Yeah, it's okay. more noticeable from the back of the house than the front of the house, people mm. have said. so. Okay. 
It doesn't seem to cross many of these people's minds that there is a very good reason why most of the world's population organizes into cities in the first place. It's not just convenience, it's survival. Correct. I just think this bunker mentality of preparedness is really ineffective and inefficient. It is. Of course, everyone should learn how to do as much as they can. But the idea that you alone can survive in the woods with the hatchet eating squirrels that you hunted in the afore- with the aforementioned hatchet is frankly ridiculous. Because no matter how much you know, you can't know everything. Maybe you know how to hunt squirrel with a hatchet and clean it with a weird <laughs> rubber fingered washing machine thing and break it down and cook it. But do you know how to treat yourself when you have inevitably undercooked the squirrel? Because one day you absolutely will. Or what if your appendix bursts from eating all that squirrel sausage, MREs, and dehydrated Skyline chili? Are you going to perform an appendectomy on yourself? I sincerely doubt it. Yeah. (laughs) You need community. (laughs) I accidentally ate the ground squirrel and now I have the bubonic plague. (laughs) While the quote-unquote traditional American nuclear family configuration may have some advantages, as some preppers so breathlessly espouse, it still has its limits. Maybe your spouse and children can learn hunting and trapping, plumbing, auto repair, etc. But some problem will arise which none of you know how to solve. More importantly, there are tons of people who don't live that sort of configuration, whose lives are just as important and valid as anyone else's. And sure, in a grid down scenario, many things would be disrupted and redistributed. Parts of that process may very well involve conflicts to do with you and your stuff, but your pre-disaster standing in the community might play a significant role in how that situation plays out. Knowing how to administer Narcan and methadone will more likely result in a win-win scenario for everyone involved rather than having enough ammo and knowing how to shoot straight. Although there's nothing wrong with knowing both. You know, this is... A very strong point. Mm-hmm. I I genuinely believe that not just for your quality of life, that you should be a member of your society and community that gives back. Sure. You know, and... Well, they, they know who you are, too. So if things were to get bad, then it'd be like, there's a hypothetical situation where somebody recognizes you. Right, right. And they're right. like, oh, no, she's fine. He's fine. Mm-hmm. Right, I I know them. They're good people. She's she's okay, and I guess he's with her with her, <laughs> so we can let them in. He's going to decrease everybody's property values in the uh, the end times, though, <laughs> with his antennas. No, that would be an improvement in property values with antennas. No, we were we ended up in an uh, an SHTF HOA. <laughs> no, they had to give me the land, Josh. There is no HOA. <laughs> It's only a dictatorship. It's all my land now and Pelotons on every roof. This is a fiefdom. Yes. The Pelotons will actually provide power. Ah. See? Yeah. Okay. We're going to reverse engineer the power. We're rebuilding society through the Peloton. The Peloton based power. But we're putting the Pelotons on the roof so that other people won't be like, look at that Peloton. Pre-disaster, they were worth thousands of dollars. Let me take it. Sorry, it's on the roof. Try to get it down. <laughs> That's when we shoot you when you try to get up there. <laughs> so, 
So uh, I, I, I I usually mention the person's name as we're continuing, but uh, it's just a call sign. It's okay. KF0BRS. So the email continues. I think as hams, we know this. Our hobby is about making connections just as much as it is about living without centralized infrastructure. Yeah, we really got to let the emails go all the way to the end and then have our talk because we yeah. all <laughs> mentioned the things that he said. And then, then you read it. And it's like, oh. Or she. He or she. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm stealing thunder right now. A week or two before my city went on lockdown without really knowing any of my neighbors except two, I wrote a quarter sheet flyer explaining that I had a small amount of supplies that might be useful, such as blood pressure cuff, pulse oximeter, a few masks, ability to give rise to the hospital and other first aid equipment and a way to contact me. I left those flyers on all the doors on in my two to three block area. I may have been a little overzealous in my expectations, thankfully, because no one ended up needing my help, but I'm still glad I did it. I got a message from one person thanking me, telling me that they were going to be okay and that they were glad to know someone in their neighborhood actually cares. Oh, that's nice. That is. That is and it goes nice. a long way. Yeah. And I also encourage Contact you. me on two meter simplex. <laughs> that's the only way to contact me in an emergency. I mean, I really do encourage everybody to, if they aren't already in their neighborhood watch for their block, to get involved in that. Because what better way to get people into ham radio than than starting with like walkie talkies, moving on to GMRS, and yes. then later into ham radio as well, the network expands, s- right? Sure. I mean, arguably, I would try to get everybody into ham radio as fast as possible. That is... Unrealistic. (laughs) It's like, if you want to be a part of Neighborhood Watch, you must take this test. (laughs) Do you want to be the best Neighborhood Watch? (laughs) The most elite operator in the neighborhood? (laughs) Yeah. Then you must become a ham radio operator. The email continues, one day after lockdown began, my neighbor across the street who has a rather obnoxious pickup truck and wears AR-15 t-shirts and absolutely looks like the kind of person who would do those things uh, was surrounded by, well, nothing actually said SWAT on it, but you get the idea. There were three armored vehicles, several cops in body armor, and even a sniper in a ghillie suit oh my hiding in front of my partner's car he was in my azalea bush front of our living room window his ghillie suit was azalea pattern not that it matters but the ghillie suit still confuses me because it looked nothing like the surrounding terrain (laughs) not to mention my partner's car but whatever he was wearing a rav4 ghillie suit (laughs) really blended in whoa it was just an. It was just one of those. Uh, what do they call those? A topiaries. Yeah. <laughs> just wearing a topiary. The elephant topiary. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But the trunk is hiding the barrel. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> this standoff lasted for a solid eight hours. Oh, the man in the ghillie suit is hating that man. <laughs> those things are hot. <clears throat> I won't go into detail about what exactly exactly precipitated the situation due to it honestly being none of my business at this point in life. Suffice to say that while I was 
I completely understand the concern. I am more angry at the police for terrorizing my neighborhood with their outsized response that morning than I am at that man for what he said and did. Thankfully, no shots were fired and no one was physically harmed. He and his wife moved out a few months ago. And what did that man do? He transmitted (laughs) on FRS, GMRS with the Baofeng. They got him. That is uh, definitely an outsized response. (laughs) I'm kidding. Nobody quote me on that. Not a Rubicon will make a video (laughs) directed right at me that I'm no longer his favorite person. (laughs) I never knew his name. And sometimes I wonder how much food he had in his basement. Why why didn't you spy on him as he was moving out? (laughs) He probably didn't have any food. He probably had like three pallets of monster. (laughs) Why? Because he said he was like an AR guy with the truck and did the whole thing. He could also He probably wore tap out shirts too. He probably had another pallet full of tap out. What is tap out? It's a shirt brand for people that are like into mixed martial arts. Oh, oh, okay. I get it. Uh, All right. You know, dude, bro. Okay. I'm I'm totally throwing generalizations out. I've strayed quite far from the subject of bulk water treatment. But my point is this. I think that you have to strike a balance between caring for others and caring for yourself. Yes. I completely agree. This is uh, how I live my life. Yeah, because at the end of the day, what's going to happen is you're going to, if something bad actually does happen, uh, inevitably you're going to run into somebody that is less off than you are. And you're going to end up giving them something. Of course. So you might as well have a little bit more so that you're not uncomfortable, right? I hate to say that, but that's also how people justify going way too far down the rabbit hole of like preparedness. Because then they start preparing for family and preparing for friends. I mean, I have enough Skyline Chili for we don't have the barbecue sauce yeah (laughs) we gotta get on that that's why i keep buying skyline chili (laughs) for to make sure in an emergency i can provide it Mm -hmm. (laughs) to those who have never had it and may never have it right you know what i mean what if something catastrophic happens to all the skyline chilies and here i am the only one able to provide Skyline Chili to people in Southern California. We're really out of Cleveland. If Cincinnati. Cincinnati. That's, oh, geez. Wow. wow we're going to get some. That's like one, the, the fourth uh, most important <laughs> town in Ohio, Cleveland. Uh, Did you say the fourth? Yeah, because it's. <laughs> They're all important. God. You, you, okay. I'm not going to get into it, but there's like Ohio beef. Like, depending on what town you're from. I only know about Findlay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's probably fifth or sixth. I'm just going to throw that no, out there. No. Findlay is way up there. Okay. Because they they are quickly becoming the Austin of, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yes. They have a food hall. Yeah. <laughs> They not only have a food hall, that food hall. I'm sorry, you said that like that was a great thing. A Vietnamese restaurant in it. That, and what do they serve? <laughs> Skyline chili. They have a Vietnamese uh, version of Skyline chili. It's just baka. <laughs> That's all it is. It's like a, it's a fusion of Skyline and baka. Oh my gosh, yes. I want to eat it. Now you're like, Finley, I'm coming. That's where we're going. <laughs> Hi, Evan. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's where Evan is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously for hams like Dayton and as a byproduct, Xenia is like number one in Ohio. Oh, wow. 
best city in Ohio? I'm just pretending. A once once a year event. (laughs) That's it. That's all we care about. Uh, I'm just kidding. There's also an aviation museum, right? Yeah. So there we go. Convention uh, and a museum. So having been to that museum, (laughs) it is fantastic. The Wright-Patterson Air Force Aviation Museum is one of my most favorite museums that I have ever been to. In my life. And there's also that crazy electronic store that has they're, like... They're gone. What? Yeah, they closed down. <gasps> the one that had all the bins that were... That they had never... They <laughs> never got rid of... I don't know what they did with all that stuff. I they think never closed. got rid of their stock. They just kept building out more space. <laughs> they just took on more floors and filled it out. That... Um, it's like, that, this floor is not selling. <laughs> Let's add another floor. <laughs> that place... As, as was it, it Peterson's? Uh, I'm going to look it up. I don't remember. That place had an elevator that was still operated by hand, and they employed an elevator operator. What? It was like the last Is that what put them out of elevator. business? <laughs> I don't know, because they weren't making a lot of money. All their profits were going towards elevator operation. Oh, man. <laughs> that makes me really sad, though. Because oh, for sure. I love old stores that feel like you're walking into a time warp. Oh, this is... What? What's happening? No, no. The, I mean, the, the, that place is not like a time warp. That place is like nothing you've ever seen in your life. Mm. There's nothing like... Like an, a Willy Wonka electronics factory? Yeah, but like the mad scientist version of it. Um... Yeah, Willy Wonka. <laughs> I keep thinking McMaster Car, but that's not that's a catalog that we have here in, in Southern California, but it's it's something like that. It's like a brick and mortar McMaster car is what you're saying? Yeah, it's not a catalog. It's a physical place where you go. Wow. All right. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> you have no idea what it is now. I <laughs> uh, got it. Mendelssohn's. Mendelssohn's. And you know how I found that? I went on my YouTube channel and I just searched Dayton. And I knew that I had tagged it with Dayton. So there you go. 80,000 square feet of electronics and electronics. If you want to see what Mendelssohn's was like, there is a video. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Just search Mendelssohn's or Dayton or Hamvention on my channel and you'll find uh, Mendelssohn's, which is, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, if you have no concept, go watch this video. You will not be disappointed, I promise you. Well, uh, KF0BRS continues, carefully examine what caring for others actually looks like, because sometimes the easiest answer, such as calling the police, giving a homeless person a granola bar and a bottled water instead of money or volunteering at a church food pantry, could end up being a lot less helpful than you might think. Events in my city this year have really illustrated that point for me. All the best, 73KF0BRS. P.S. This message was sent via Echolink. However, oh. it was sent using Telnet because I'm currently unable to reach any Echolink nodes. Need Windlink. more antennas. Winlink. It says Echolink. Well. Also, uh, I'm not sure the length of this message would have worked over RF anyhow. I think he meant Winlink. Winlink okay. does Telnet and, uh, over RF. Uh, Echolink does not do that. I I understand what he's saying. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, that was a great email. Yeah. And sorry we 
derailed it so many times. <laughs> Sorry, we Apologies. like scooped your your point you were going to make. Well, at least you know we're in agreement. We are of a like <laughs> mind. The next email is titled "Goats, Geese, and Field Day." Oh my! And this is. <laughs> I like all these things. I'm, I'm pro-goat. I'm just not pro-goat in my house right now. What about miniature cow? Get out of they here. They are actually very small. No, keep. They don't get much larger than maybe a golden doodle, from get, what I understand. Get, get out of here with your <laughs> miniature cow. Do you think a miniature is cow like is just like popping cooking a, for cows? What are we talking is about? Is a miniature cow a scam like pot-bellied pigs? Yes. Like the... That they, they actually are regular size pigs. The, the same guy sells miniature crocodiles. Oh, that would be cute. Yeah. <laughs> this email is from Stryker. Hi, Leia and Hosh. Leia, your your quote unquote friend asking about acquiring show dairy goats will need to know that Thomas is correct. Goats are social animals and need companions. George may not be the best option. George isn't a companion for any man or anything. <laughs> My sister is still afraid of George. If George is lying in front of the front door, she will wait. <laughs> <laughs> she will just and then I'll come out. I'm like, why are you standing out here? Her hands are full of like whatever she's bringing over. She's, yeah. she's still not coming she's in. Just sweat, just <laughs> pooling. Awesome. He is baby panther. We just start. We just started with uh, mini Nubians a few months ago, and joined the Miniature Dairy Goat Association. This is my wife's equivalent to me with ham radio she plans to show and breed them in the future josh is right showing on the dairy side is similar to a dog show knew it called it (laughs) you as a breeder are looking to show off desirable traits physical markers good milk lines your herd may have in order to get awards and be able to sell the kids baby goats for more money yep Goats are often called dogs with horns, but even our mini goats will be upwards of 100 pounds full grown, 120 pounds pregnant. That's not miniature at all. That's what I'm trying to say, man. The main thing I'm excited for with the goats is being able to put up a sign on a busy road next to our property that says kids for sale in the future. I love it. That is that is peak dad joke right there. That's great. You know what? After Pizzagate, I am going to highly recommend you don't put up the sign. I care about you, Striker. <laughs> and with the way the internet is going, uh, yeah. that is going to get you some ghillie suit dudes. <laughs> Raf or ghillie suits everywhere. <laughs> Geese are jerks. Not saying that the attack goose plan is bad, but the it's juice. It's not an attack goose. It's a it's a um, guard goose. That's a legit thing. But the juice may not be worth the squeeze on that one. <laughs> no, once like the goose is like you're a part of my tribe, th- then the goose will like protect you. That goose will never be a part of my tribe. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you, you would like a goose. You would. I have seen so many geese. Okay. I used to run at a park that had so many geese. Those little geese, they, they don't know you. They're not nice. They don't know you. I've tried bribing them. It didn't work. They just got aggressive. <laughs> Here's my power bar. 
Please, would you, would you allow me to pass? <laughs> Ducks are gross as uh, well while we're at it. Yes, ducks ducks are unfortunately yeah, they gross. Stink. Yeah. If you want to keep most fowl from flying off, you can clip their wings when they're young. We don't with our chickens and have found they come back home to roost at night <laughs> since the coop is safe, dry, and full of food. The thought of the exact same analogy about taking the Ferrari around the block while I was operating the flex. Josh was also right about paper logging in the interim while things got sorted out with the network. Only a few contacts needed to be transferred, as everyone knows that operated field day. The bands could have been better. Mm, okay. Hmm. P.S. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Alka-Seltzer is a staple in my house as well. Yep. Legit. <laughs> Thanks for the awesome pod. Look forward to it every Friday. Stryker K7 IUB. Thank you, Stryker. And Stryker has included a picture of his most adorable goats. They I'm are. Just, I'm just glad that I was I was right about the show goats thing. Otherwise, I would be like weird. I'd be the weird guy. And then <laughs> there's also a picture he attached of uh, Soylent, and it says it the it's mint chocolate. It's a bottle of Soylent, mm-hmm. and it goes. I hear the taste varies from person to person. <laughs> Sadly, many will not get it. <laughs> yeah, Soylent actually is a meal replacement. Yes. That's an actual thing, which right. I, I find hilarious. Why would you name it that? I don't know. Of all I the... Di- no. That's just tanking your business right out the gate. Or it's just like the best thing if you're aiming for a very specific market. <laughs> I guess. A, a not very... like people who like can't... It's not a cannibal market. It's like <laughs> hipsters or something. I, I don't know. But thank you so much, Stryker, for that email to clarify our many questions yes. about showing goats. They probably have like an AKC for goats. Well, that's I, that's what he was saying. The Miniature Dairy Goat Association. There you go. Yeah. All right. The next email is titled, It's the Final Email. It's not the final <gasps> email. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Okay. But it is from Jeffrey. No, I'm sure it's not, but I'm just hoping Leia reads this like the chorus of the final uh, countdown by Europe because oh that's the only thing. I apologize for my singing. Because that's the only thing I can think of when the usual correspondents vie for the prize. <laughs> Hello to you I both. I think of Eye of the Tiger, personally. Really? Yeah. Because they're champions? Is what? Well, Eye of the Tiger? Yeah. I don't know that the word champion is uttered in that song. I know, but it's a song for champions. It's like when you're oh, training okay. for, cha- and then you inevitably win because you had the Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, so you just know? think of like a montage. They're getting yeah. ready to put uh-huh. the email, send the email. Yeah, always out. a montage. It's a mo- yes. well, Yeah, it's Eye of the Tiger. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know of when that's not a montage. It's leading up to victory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then they run to the top of the steps, open their laptop, and push send. Yes. <laughs> they had it waiting for days. <laughs> I don't know how to use the email later function. <laughs> uh, hello to you both, and thanks for all the work you guys do putting together. But such- it's like midnight. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we get to the last email. 
such great content for all of us. I'm listening to the most recent podcast, One X Listener, with the attention span of a goldfish. So I rewind a lot. Wow. I just found out. I found so much relatable material that I was compelled to email. I'm a negative 0.8 listener. <laughs> Thank you for emailing, Jeffrey. Thank you, Jeffrey. I was actually replacing the brakes on my girlfriend's car during the preparedness corner. My father is very hands-on and thus had me holding flashlights and getting tools from a young age as he taught me everything from auto repair to plumbing. Me too. I also held the flashlight. Yeah, I, I definitely did. And I know my dad taught me a lot of things and explained things, but a lot of the time I just watched him. Mm-hmm. It was more or less about well, like just watching him do the thing. Because you kind of pick up a lot of that stuff as a kid. I think you absorb it. Yeah, you know, that's what our kids are missing. They're not holding enough flashlights in useful situations, you know? Yeah. They're they're, they're using flashlights Nintendo in a way. Switches. Yeah. No, they're using flashlights in a way that just burns out the battery for no reason. They hold it and then they set it down and go to sleep with it on <laughs> is what really pisses me off. You need to like work on cars and repair things broad daylight hold this flashlight they're like why dad because you have to <laughs> i have and then ben comes back goes dad what are you working on oh i'm changing the brakes on the on the truck and he's like cool and then he leaves but because you didn't ask him to like these are the tools this is what they're I called did. hand them I to did. me as i ask and then the first like five times you got to get in a fight because you're just so mad <laughs> he keeps handing you the wrong thing wait is that just my house no <laughs> that I, just I, my wouldn't, I wouldn't yell at him i'd probably like yell at the car because i like busted my knuckle or something <laughs> this, who 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 attached who who screwed this oil plug in oh it was me <laughs> But Ben would, he's so sensitive that he'd think that you were mad at him. Yeah. Or, or I was unjustifiably mad at the car. Yeah. It's like, Dad, Dad it's talk- not the car's fault. That's very aggressive, Dad. <laughs> the car is inanimate. He is both logical, but very sensitive. Yeah, he is. It's very funny. I think it's a good combination, actually. He's going to have like a high EQ and a high IQ. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> those are words. <laughs> His big mantras for overcoming the fear of DIY are it's already broken. What's the worst you're going to do? I Break love it. it more. I love it. And if man put it together, man can take it apart. <laughs> Your dad and I would get along <laughs> swimmingly. I think it's very important to know enough about things like that so you can not only know how to do it, but you know when someone is being fair if you hire them for a job. Correct, which is exactly what I said in the last podcast or or one of the last ones. I just hit the part where you guys mentioned the dangers of snow shoveling and remember being told as a kid that snow shoveling and raking leaves are some of the most common causes of heart attacks in people over the age of 40. I'm sure it's true, but I always kind of thought it was something parents told their kids no, it's to get out of yard work. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that concept. But no, it's true. It's legit. But somewhere between discussing how the original shredded wheat was larger than the floating door at the end of the Titanic and the 1X crew shirts. It would have saved it. It would have absorbed all the water in the entire. Well, actually, it would have absorbed all the water in the entire Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic. I don't remember where the damn thing sunk. No, it's Pacific. It's not that it absorbs so much fluid. It's that it gets soft just at the touch of a fluid. Again, it was huge. <laughs> Uh, 
I'm standing by this. Did it still float? To a point. Okay. <laughs> and then once it assimilated the milk, I don't know if you call that floating anymore. <laughs> now it has just become one. I am more milk than wheat. <laughs> Jeff continues, an idea struck me. You guys are ham radio rock stars. So what about a tour style t-shirt? On the left chest, a Baofeng UV5R with wings, like the classic flying guitar. And the back, a list of recurring show topics laid out like a list, a set of list songs. That is very good. Cat cups, shore it up. It's appreciable. That guy with Leia. Oh, because it's a, it's, it's like a, a it's a it's a song list. Yes. Oh, this is spiral good. bound love letter. Yes. The final email. Yes. Jeff, your shirt's getting made. That's getting You're made. You're getting one. That's getting made. It only comes in black. Yeah. <laughs> it only comes in black. Josh is so excited right now. Oh my goodness, I love it. And then the back, more wings, but it's a cat cup. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cat cup with wings. <laughs> Okay. Wow. That's you, good. You, you, I uh, always know. I haven't had a hot one of yeah, those moments in a while. <laughs> that is a hot one of those moments. All right. I guess I'll just. I've got all kinds. Like, because you got to have like the gothic arch with like the pillars sure. on the side where the where the You're asking song titles for a in. lot of graphic design oh, man, skills from me. Right <laughs> Thanks again for everything you do for your listeners and the hobby. I know it's been said before, but Josh is an Elmer to a lot of us that don't think. have an abundance of radio clubs or resources, and it makes fumbling through a lot of this radio stuff a lot easier. I appreciate that I'm your last option. <laughs> <laughs> I'm desperate. <laughs> You're the only one. <laughs> You're like Obi Josh. You're my only help. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jeff signs off 73 Jeff KC10 OEL. Sorry about that. I'm going to repeat it. KC10 OEL. Thank you, Jeff. So I just poured myself another drink. We had a little pause here because the dog had to go potty. Yes. Uh, But I picked up a very bad Diet Coke habit from my friend. Yes, you did. (laughs) She would always bring over Coke Zeros. Mm-hmm. And then you started buying Coke Zeros because she was coming over and you wanted her to feel comfortable. Right. Because she was having a bad day. Yeah. And then she will bring over a case of Coke Zero. So you get a leftover case of Coke Zero. <laughs> yeah. And this is in a house where, uh, let me just clear this up for everybody. We don't drink soda. We don't drink soda. We have no soda ever in the house. We have the soda stream, which is what which we is carbonate soda water. Soda water. Yeah. <laughs> but I have picked up a terrible Diet Coke habit now. Yeah. Because it literally keeps me, I, I can have maybe two a day, okay. right? And it actually keeps me energized because of the caffeine in it. Yeah, this is exactly what you don't want to happen. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terribly addicting. Everybody save yourselves. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. But on that note, I prefer regular Diet Coke to or drink. drink just regular. But it's garbage in a mixed drink. Okay. Right? So now... We're drinking Coke Zero with uh, Bullet Rye, mm-hmm. and I poured myself the drink. I was watching her pour it, and her drink is tan, yeah. a light shade of tan. And I was like, what are you doing, man? And she took a drink. She was like, wow, this is strong. So- like, yeah. Yeah, so I took a sip, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> That's 
And there's now not enough space in the cup to pour more Coke in it. She, so, and then I, would, I jokingly said she, she shan, Sandra lead herself on the pour for anybody who knows what that means. <laughs> Semi-homemade. Semi-homemade. One ounce of vodka. Glug, 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 glug. Yeah, this is definitely more than one ounce of rye, I think. Mm-hmm. And your, my drink is so much lighter than your yeah, drink. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, and I'm already starting to feel it. So, so Tess is going to be great today. Yeah. Test time is going to be the best time. We're we're gonna we're gonna kill. we're gonna do it Scantron style. Yeah. C all the way down. What if it's all C? Let's. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So the next email is uh, titled "Warning and Stuff." Uh oh. And this is from Vic. Dear Leia and Josh, due to family responsibilities and out-of-town guests, I have fallen at least two weeks behind. I had to skip forward and jump to the latest episode to try and catch up. I'm not quite done with episode 99, but I had to jump in and issue a warning to Leia. Uh Uh-oh. Do not. And I repeat, do not go ice fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's the worst cold you can imagine in your feet that never get warm while sitting over a toilet bowl, staring into it, wondering whatever made you think this was a good idea. Yes, once in a while, a fish shows up, but I've had root canals that were more exciting than ice fishing. <coughs> so I, if, I, if I think I understand ice fishing... You, you poke a t- hole in the ice. You tie tiny little rods... Right. And you, you fish. But, but you get a cabin, right? They're like these there, tent there are, cabins. There are many different ways to ice fish. Okay. Right? There are, right. There are the, the lower, you know, the, the more economy route. Some people just like chill out on the ice. Like no tent, sans tent, just ice fish. And they're all bundled up. I was under the I'm impression not, that you could get an ice tent. Yeah. Th- yeah. Where you poke a hole. And there's like, like a wood burning stove. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah, I know. Yeah. That's a, th- that's the, the higher end of it where they. It seems they, delightful. <laughs> they actually have cabins that they drag out onto the ice and yeah. they like set you up. And the floor actually has tiles. Like. Yes. Like, t- like flooring. Right. Yeah. That gets laid out over the floor. That's what Leia means when she's thinking about ice fishing. She's mm. talking about the most romantic glamping version of ice fishing possible they bring you out a charcuterie plate no you remember st bernard totes out a barrel full of whiskey and and i know i ruined this concept for (laughs) leia when actually i don't know that i ruined it you picked this video on youtube it was uh, a food person that went to quebec and they went ice fishing it wasn't anthony bourdain it might have been anthony bourdain and they took the whole slab of foie gras and they <gasps> threw it on top of the wood-burning yes, stove. Yes, it was Anthony Bourdain. That's what ruined you for ice fishing was that episode of Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations. For anyone who doesn't know, I don't cry very often. No, and you do I not. care very little about celebrities. I, I just, I'm not. Anthony Bourdain is the only celebrity that we ever went to see. I'm pretty sure I cried when he passed away. Yeah. I'm pretty I, sure. You like did. I was I was shook for a good week. Like your our little friend group was all kind of shook by his Like passing. I it genuinely and, and felt, don't care about any other celeb like don't yeah. care. Don't care. I genuinely felt like a friend died. Which is wild. 
I just, I've read every single one of his books. Yeah. And um, I, I would be happy to just recreate <laughs> everything that he's done everywhere oh, that like, he's gone. That's like the, the thing people do with the Gloria Child cookbook. The oh, right, Julia and, and me. Yeah, but that's yeah. a thing people do. They, they make all the things from Julia cooking. Yes, yeah. So you could I almost do like a recreation. Go where Not Anthony. all. I don't think anybody's necessarily going to do all the things. I'm going to get trapped in Tel Aviv. I'm going to go to Miramar. <laughs> Wasn't he in Miramar? No, I, I think he was like trapped in Tel Aviv during. And he, he won an Emmy or something like he that. Because he literally became a field reporter. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That's the meal I really want to recreate. <laughs> no, no. That's terrible. But um yeah, yeah, I, I I you are right. I think I saw Anthony Bourdain go ice fishing and I was like, I want to go there. <laughs> okay. So while you're looking that up, Victor continues. But you, being the adventurous woman that you are, will probably try it someday. Just remember, I warned you, I have gone at least six times and each time I pondered the efficacy of my recreational decisions. It was Beirut. <clears throat> oh, that makes sense. I think it was Beirut. That makes sense. Lebanon. All right. Love your preppers corner and we'll be writing soon about a few suggestions for topics. In the meantime, check out Les Stroud's series, Survivor Man. Oh, we've watched it. Yes. He isn't a phony like some other survivalist. Yeah, we've all already called out on this episode. Vic, we know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Of all the gr- all-time great hams was Jean Shepard. In fact, there is a pantheon of great hams he must if there is a pantheon of great hams, he must be in it. In addition to having an amazing radio show in New York and promoting ham radio, he was an amazing writer. I read all of his stories and books over 50 years ago. Some people will recognize who he is by a movie based on his writings. A Christmas Story with Ralphie and the Old Man. Wow. Great movie. Anyway, in one of his books, he has Ralphie and his friend Flick, the kid with his tongue stuck to the flagpole, mm-hmm. grow up. The title of the chapter is Flick Dredges Up a Notorious Son of a Bee. It was such a great title that I have been thinking about it since this doctorn notebook paper wrote Josh the nasty <laughs> note a few months back. I couldn't draw torn notebook paper, but that's what's in the angry fist, regardless whether of whether or not it would go on the shirt. I like what it says, and I think it applies to a bunch of us. I do listen to HRCC, and I like my life. You and Josh make things so fun. Thanks so much for what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Vic. And the picture is uh, it's a ham radio operator wearing a shirt that says 1X League and a oh, bubble. 1X League is good. Yeah. That's an interesting concept. Well, actually, I listen to HRCC and I like my life. <laughs> and there's a hand with a crumbled piece of paper that says, I have a PhD, damn it. That's kind of funny. And uh, good the, little inside joke there. The bottom piece says "Ham Radio Crash Course," where the elite meet. <laughs> Interesting. I like that. 
Yeah. I like that. Uh, one quick question for Josh. Is six meter worth the bother? That is a very good question. Okay. Boy, that is a good question. Why Why is six meter treated so differently from the rest of the bands? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I can wake up in the morning and I can walk to the shack and mm-hmm. I can turn on my radio mm. and I can quickly find contacts happening on like 20 meters, for instance. Okay. Six meters doesn't work that way. Six meters is a little bit more finicky. Why? So it's it's it behaves like a VHF, like uh, two meters, in that it's close in. A lot of close in line of sight contacts. But it's way less popular than two meters. But then randomly, magic happens. And it's called the magic band for a reason. Mm-hmm. So you get something like sporadic E uh, that kicks in. And all of a sudden, you're making very long distance contacts, like 1,200 kilometers or more. Oh, right. And it, it's it, the but DX lottery. It, it, and it just opens up and it'll be open for like, I don't know, five to 30 minutes. And then it's just gone disappears oh so if you're so basically if you're a gambling man six oh meters if you're is, if you're if you've got a gambling problem uh, six, <laughs> six meters, meters might be the band for you is where you're putting your bet yeah <laughs> so as a technician how ha- often does sporadic e suddenly populate six meters it's if i remember correctly it's during winter and summer that is, that's six months you've covered there, but uh, like but, how frequent? But again, frequently. randomly, it, 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 we don't, you don't really know. Uh, there's I, I no did a way video to with figure Hayden. out the I indicators? Not, no, there, there's no way. There, the, we, we actually don't even know how it happens technically. Just random ecstasy and like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> suddenly the atmosphere is dropping <laughs> pills. Of, this, this crazy thing yeah. happens and all of a sudden your signals get out really far. I am not an expert in this space. In fact, I don't even really play in this space, but Hayden Ham Radio DX, I did a live stream with him and mm-hmm. he brought like a ton of amazing information. It was one of my favorite live streams I did. And in that video, he explains that a lot of people will just have their um, their radio on six meters transmitting whisper, which is a beacon mode. And they'll just look at who can hear their beacons. And it'll be like around huh. them in like a close little circle. And then all of okay. a sudden it goes like, boom. It opens up huge. And then they get on there and they start trying to communicate with voice. But I mean, how often? I don't know. Is this something that's happening once a week, once a month? It could in the peak part of the season. It could be once a day, oh, a couple of times a week, and then like nothing. In the somebody's got to be putting out the the alert when it when it's peak. <laughs> it depends on where you're at. It's it's not a worldwide phenomenon. It's it's localized. Mm. It's a localized atmospheric phenomenon. So it's not like, oh, so but this would Japan's be one open. of the seasons. This this would be the season. So if you are a technician, technicians, you can get involved with this because you get all of six meters and you get uh, parts of 10. You can do sporadic E on parts of 10 as well. So what do I do? I just take my radio and tune it to six meters and you, let it sit You're generally going to need to have a base station that will do <clears> six <throat> meters with a decent amount of power and like an external antenna. So what do I do? Take one of your radios and tune it to six meters? Yeah, exactly. 
the the roof antenna will do six meters. So yeah, my so my seventy six ten will do six meters okay. and ten meters. So yeah, you you can definitely do it with that, and that'll do whisper and all the other fun stuff too. For, for technicians, there's no reason not to do it, mm-hmm. but I would argue that again, this is depending on where you live. For me, if you're in SoCal, I would rather spend my time getting my uh, two meter weak signal station up and running. I'd rather have a nice two meter Yagi than kind of build my whole shack out for doing six meter stuff specifically for that. Um, or 10, 10 is going to be extremely useful and well, not useful, but extremely fun for the next, uh, three, four years. Nice. It's, it's going to be popping. I believe the peak of the sun cycle is actually but imagine the rush during like getting contacts during sporadic E. Oh yeah. It's super cool. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's, I am it's intrigued. Gr- it's great, but I, it's like, if you want intrigued face. Yeah. If you just want to like get on the radio simply and easily, it's not that, that is not that mm-hmm. you may have a six meter repeater in your area, which, okay, cool. Get on the six meter repeater. That's pretty rare, though. That, that and it's becoming more rare than anything. And ten meter repeaters are kind of going that way too. So I, I don't know. It's 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 going to be hyper uh, related to your geographic location more than anything. And and you may actually want to monitor what the six meter propagation looks like. There's there's websites that'll do that, so you can kind of follow along. You may be in an area that gets a uh, gets some really good tro- uh, sporadic E that you can work with, and and that may be be good to go. So yeah. What is a radio you would recommend that would give you two meters, 10 meters and six meters so that you're not investing in something specifically just based around six meters? I mean, if you wanted to go play that game, there's really only two options. It's the um, ICOM 90, uh, 9100, sorry, mm-hmm. 7100. Okay. 7100 and the Yaesu 991A. So those would be a great radio for techs for the long term. Uh, yeah, because once they get their general, they can grow into HF because those are all banned. Right. So they get HF and VHF frequencies. All right, Vic. Uh, hope that answers your question. Vic signs off. Vic K0PUP. I don't remember what the lower bands are on the uh, 9700. It gets, oh, it's only the lowest band is two meters. Okay. okay. Yep. The next email is titled Meeting Hams at Airports. And this Meeting is from Hams Chris. Meeting Hams at Airports. Okay. Yes. Hello, Josh and Leia. My name is Chris, K E 8 P R B. I am a fairly new ham and a recent listener to the podcast at 1x speed. Right on. Of course. I am from Cincinnati, home of Skyline Chili. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, Chris? You're in the right place. <laughs> I heard you mention wanting an HRCC t-shirt to wear at the airport for an upcoming hamvention. I have not been to a hamvention, but long a long time ago, I attended several hacker conventions with DEF CON in Las Vegas being the largest. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I do want to go to DEF CON. There's actually a pretty large contingent of ham radio operators at oh, really? DEF CON. Yep. Hackers are easy to spot at McCarran Airport and they're wearing all black. (laughs) In the years before Uber, cab rides from the airport to the Vegas Strip were as much as $50 if you weren't paying attention. 
So to save money, I would use some of my social engineering skills to chat up the different hackers that I would spot at the airport until I found someone who was renting a car. I would then offer to buy my new friend a lunch or a couple of drinks if I could ride along with them to the convention. Mm. And then I would disappear. <laughs> I'd just give them a 10 or a 20 and be like, here you go. Here's, here's your gas. I usually only needed to ask a couple of people before I found a ride. <clears throat> that is very social engineering. That is uh, Kevin Mitnick yeah. style. So oh. Kevin Mitnick, not an amazing hacker. He was very good at social engineering. Do you know who that is, Leah? I don't. Yeah, great. Great. Is I'm he, glad. It's, it's is he very... the originator of the podcast? Uh, no. <laughs> he got busted for social engineering and then had... He, he loosely was what kind of kicked off a hacker movement. Like the movie Hackers, the main character is loosely based on kind of okay. a Kevin Mitnick style All right. background. All right. Yeah. And I was often able to include other people that I was chatting with as well into our hacker carpool. Mm. Also, lunch was almost always Taco Loco, which we don't have in Cincinnati. What is Taco Loco? In Vegas. Know. Where do we go when we're in Vegas? What's the taco place? Oh, I oh, I don't remember now, but it's fantastic. It's Oh, I can't even remember. Yeah, Google that it's too. it's way off the strip. I wanna say off. it's near downtown and it's uh Tacos El Gordo? Tacos El Gordo. Yeah. Yes. That place is phenomenal yes and it it's is, open very late it's good if you like just regular carnitas and you don't really want to get like too crazy but it has all or, or carne asada uh but they've got all a bunch of crazy meats but there's also so many people there all the time yeah it's, it's so good. it is the place to go Talk and that's actually um i, I want to say that that originated in san diego Probably. the original and they were one of the businesses that um, early on in the panoramic basically said they were closing. Like certain locations were like, we can't find anybody to work. Wow. So this location is now closed. Go see this other location that is actually staffed. Wow. And I don't know how many locations they had to do that with. That's crazy. Yeah. And I, I think it was like at the time... Um, there was like a minimum wage debate. Oh yeah, it was like hazard pay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we hit up. We always hit up tacos El Gordo. Oh yeah, definitely worth it. Yeah, Lady of Siam is really good too. Lotus, Lotus of Siam. Lotus of Siam. I think so. Yeah, that that's really good too. Yeah. That was actually Penn from Penn and Teller that recommended that one. Not to me personally, but through his podcast. Right, but you did meet Penn. I did. And Teller in I did. Person. I went to the show. It was yeah. fantastic. So, and you went by yourself. I did. It's important to note that it was a family trip in which, was it, it was a family trip. And that was the same you trip went that, by yourself. Was that also the same trip that I was on the Ice Cream Social podcast? Maybe. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> you had a real. That was before the Hammer Radio Crash Course. That was before it was a thing. No, that can't yep. be true. I think so. No, it wasn't. Yep. Was it that long ago? Yes. Yeah. All right. I believe you. 
So when you're traveling by air to a convention, be sure to wear your HRCC t-shirt. And if you are renting a car, you might get a free beer and or tacos if you offer to ride with another ham. There you go. Keep up the great work with the podcast, 73, Chris. Yeah, so if you wear your ham radio crash course gear when you're going through Huntsville and you need a ride to wherever you're staying, maybe ask another person wearing an HRCC shirt. Well, that's presumptuous. Yeah, I, I said maybe. <laughs> but I mean, if you see, I'm, I'm but hoping. In, but in, in our in our HRCC-based currency system, it's Baofangs. We exchange Baofangs <laughs> as currency, so you have to have enough Baofangs on you. But here's the reality. Instead of a money clip, you have a bandolier of backpacks. <laughs> I mean, Ham Tactical was literally created because you wanted hams to be able to identify other hams, get other people asking questions about ham radio. Right. We wanted to be slightly esoteric that people would be like, What's what is that this? about? Right. Yeah. But also kind of like a caca. Like. <laughs> <laughs> going back to baby wearing, which we've yeah. not touched in, in a while. <laughs> but so that other people who are in the ham radio community, especially in the HRCC community, could connect. Right. So I'm hoping it's a if, bat signal for ham radio, but it's really esoteric. Yeah. Two things. I'm hoping that if you see another HRCC shirt anywhere that you're going up and you're saying hello. Yeah. Uh, the first thing you should say is not like, hey, man, can I bum a ride? It should be like, <laughs> hey. But the other thing is, do not wear the HRCC shirt if you don't want people asking you about either ham radio or if you watch or listen to HRCC. Particularly at, at Huntsville, because there's going to be, I'm hoping that there's going to be people that wear the shirts. I think that'll be fun. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that you get to put so many faces to so many names. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take, well, I'm, I'm going to ask you politely if I can put you on video if you're wearing a shirt, by the way. If, if I see people wearing a shirt and they come up to me. You've just got to take a picture of everybody wearing an HRC Or I just see people randomly. Yeah, yeah, I'm going just, to. <laughs> so people just so Leia can be like super excited. Because I'm not going to be there. No. We'll, we'll, we'll FaceTime Leia. <laughs> But I will be so excited to see all of the pictures of you with people wearing HRCC shirts. The next email is titled Ice Cream. And this is from Jeremiah. I love ice cream. I know you do. That's where the kids get it from. My first job, Baskin Robbins. (laughs) Well, no, yeah, that was my first job. Yeah. The kids are really hooked on La Michoacana right now, mm. which is a uh, Mexican popsicle slash paletas place. It's a snack place. It's a me- it's well, it's, it's a, an a ice Mexican cream shop that has place. snacks. Dude, you can go in there and straight get like nachos, like <laughs> flaming hot Cheetos mm-hmm. with um, sauces and all kinds of crazy stuff put in there. Yeah, but what's the what's the, the red sauce? The, the, the sweet chamoy. Red, chamoy. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. But they're really hooked on that place right now because they do things like popsicles that are like there's a cookie monster popsicle that Mm -hmm. has cookie dough in it Mm -hmm. with blue creamy ice cream. But it's um, what's what's the what's the Mexican popsicle? Paletas. Paleta. Yeah. So it's like a paletas. It's like a paletas man popsicle. The guy with the little metal cube with the wheels right but they have like all these exotic this is all things that are very southern california 
I well, think maybe I San mean, Diego. Uh, probably maybe Texas. Maybe maybe. I don't know. So we're 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 throwing out you some guys, like hard local. Terms. You guys, let me know if you know what a paleta is. Oh, so, so I'm assuming good. paleta mans are everywhere. Though. I hope so yeah. because they're, they're they're way better than the like crap popsicles we get in the store. Why are you way saying better. that when you ate a bomb pop today? No man, no. Nah. <laughs> Nah, dog. Bomb pops are so nostalgic, and I and the kids picked out the bomb pops when we went to the store, um, the grocery store. But I remember bomb pops being huge as a kid. The bomb pops they got today were tiny. They were like, yeah, it, it was the a ones real you got the ice cream man would like kill you. Disappointment. <laughs> Anyways. So Jeremiah, they were so big. They were like huge clubs that you could beat yes. somebody with. <laughs> like you could not finish it before it melted. You know what I mean? I don't know how fast you eat ice cream. Okay. That's fine. Jeremiah continues, I was listening to one of your recent episodes and you had mentioned Denali moose tracks being unavailable in California. Yeah. So Denali moose tracks used to distribute in California. I think somebody else bought the rights. Okay. So it's been co-opted by another brand that uses similar ingredients, but is no longer Denali, uh, the okay. ice cream company. Okay. Jeremiah continues, if you ever visit Ontario, Canada, Kawartha Dairy is the licensed producer of Moose Tracks ice cream, and it has been available for well over 20 years. Hmm. And uh, Jeremiah's dropped a link. I will put that in the show notes. I also would like to take the time to share this cereal hack with you. Oh, a cereal hack. Yes. He's going to DEFCON with these kind of skills. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to get a free ride. It is basically frosted flakes with a few tablespoons, what, of Kraft smooth peanut butter melted in the microwave and poured over the flakes. Oh, like with no milk. So it's like a peanut butter cereal like thing. Sure. I, okay. I didn't know that Kraft made peanut butter. Yeah, if you were to tell me, hey, uh, give me your top three brands of peanut butter, Kraft would not have made that list. Kraft is mainly a cheese brand. I mean, I assume they parts. make everything, yeah. but I'm sure. not, like, that is not making my top three. It must be branded something differently out here. Maybe like Jif or Peter Pan or something. Hardee's. Yeah. I recommend layering the flakes in peanut butter to ensure you do not have semi-cold crust of peanut butter on top this is like through. white people nachos no it sounds it sounds <laughs> this is like, like what we do with tortilla chips and, and, and nuclear yellow cheese it's like a rice krispie treat yeah. but instead of marshmallow it's peanut butter and instead of rice krispies yeah, yeah, yeah. it's cornflakes no i, I like where he's going and that's actually a, a major uh ingredient of puppy chow when you use the checks oh that's right yeah the, the, the thing the, that looks like dog food yeah, the checks yeah. with the chocolate and it's mm -hmm. peanut butter, chocolate and powdered sugar at the end to seal it all up. Enjoy with milk or whatever non-dairy abomination you choose. <laughs> I agree. I hate non-dairy milk. Every so he does. He Then you put milk on it. Uh-huh. So he's not done. You, you, you first do the application of peanut butter to Frosted Flakes. Mm -hmm. You mix that up so you get a good coverage, it sounds like. Listen, I really like this there's idea. There's layering. There's a yes. layering approach. It's a... It's, it's, it's a way not to just add nachos, protein. it's almost lasagna at this point. It's, it's a good way to add protein to what is a sugary breakfast. I mean, peanut butter's got a lot of sugar in it. 
I'm assuming Kraft what about peanut butter is no loaded sugar with sugar. Added? I don't I don't know what Kraft's doing. I, You're I'm making some great assumptions I am, here. Because yeah. Kraft has got to have a lot of sugar in it. <laughs> I am pretty sure. Thank you for the podcast and your contributions to Ham Radio 73 Jeremiah. <laughs> our discussion about cereal hacks. EJN. That's V E 3 EJN. Thank you Thank very much. Thank you, Jeremiah. The next email is titled Me Again. And this is from Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Still listening to the Go Box Questions podcast. I've got a short commute. And I wanted to thank you for puffing uh, all of us hams up with pride by saying not only are we a sexy crew, but we attract sexy as well. Ooh. Yeah. That's right, Leah. You, you, you had some strong... I really... I believe some strong it. strong sentiments about... I don't, fe- I, I don't feel that most women think the way you think. I would disagree. I'm generalizing there are There are literally plenty of very attractive women married to hams. I didn't say that. Okay, but fair enough. But also ham radio operators make up a relatively small population of society. Right. So I'm assuming the women that those ham radio operators find are of a also appreciably, appreciably small <laughs> group well, of women. Well, let me drink some more of my tan drink here. <laughs> What to make a tan? Is this a Mai Tai? Is this a black and tan? Um, no, I think this that... looks more like a white Russian than a rum and coke or a whiskey and coke. I think that in the modern age, the, the idea of the you know the incorrect stereotype of the ham radio operator that's kind of squirreled away in the ham shack and being totally isolated Mm -hmm. is not realistic anymore hams are an extremely social group right social we like to go outdoors right (laughs) but uh, also enjoy time at home there there are so few hobbies that you can fully invest in while being at home yes this is Women, if also, any women are listening to this, if anybody is, any women are listening to this and for some reason have a negative connotation of ham radio, which I don't believe is true. I don't, you know, no women are sitting around going, ah, but he's a ham radio operator. No, because hams have all the qualities that you want in a partner. This is how we sell the podcast. This is. Yeah. <laughs> But it's true. You want people who are good in emergencies, people who are sociable, right? You want uh, you want people who are able to think about something beyond themselves, mm-hmm. right? These are all fantastic characteristics mm-hmm. and a very common with ham radio operators. That's just that's just real. That's just real. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, Jeff continues. So with that in mind, I have another shirt idea for you. HRCC logo in the front on the back. If you like it, then you should have put a fang on it. (laughs) Yeah, I'll show myself out. Laugh out loud. I mean, there is a shirt there where it's like a a woman's hand and it's like splayed out to put Uh a ring on it. And then it's a dude like he's holding a fang and there's just a tiny little ring underneath (laughs) it. And it's mid mid sliding of the ring onto the the hand. 
Uh, I don't think if many you like it, you should have put a flex on it. You push it to put an icon on it. That would you should have put that would break her hand. <laughs> also, that has to be connected to an antenna. It's this whole thing. <laughs> She's wearing a power supply and a fanny pack. It's this is weird or bad. It's a, you should have put a Yesu on it. You should have put an Anytone on it. You should put a Wushan on it. <laughs> like so many. Oh yeah, this is other. the the the, the Baofeng is the Diamondique of uh, of of a, of a ring. What's Diamondique? Well, you see this, what do they call this thing that we're looking through right here on the side of the house? Uh a, a window. Yeah, that's 100% Diamondique. <laughs> Is that really what Diamondique is? It's not. That's the big joke is that it's just glass. (laughs) Uh, Jeff signs off. uh, 73 KC1OEL. Thank you for the laughs, Jeff. Excellent. Good job, Jeff. The next email is titled Two Questions, and this is from Ben. Hello, Leah and Josh. Love the podcast. Just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of items. One. Are you familiar with Laura at all? Yes. According to Wikipedia, Laura Long Range is a proprietary low power wide area network modulation technique. It is based on spread spectrum modulation techniques derived from chirp spread spectrum CSS technology. It's basically Wi-Fi. Okay. That's how I would describe it. I have heard it mentioned a couple of times, and it is at least ham radio adjacent. Yes. I just wanted to know if you've experimented with it at all. I, I will tell you where my experiences with Laura has begun, and that's as far as I've gone with it. The Morse Arena Morse code training tool slash keyer slash actual key you can connect to your radio has a Laura transmitter bit built in. So you could transmit Morse code over Laura with the uh, more Serino device. Okay. It seems like it has a lot of potential applications in disaster situations. My understanding is that it works on a couple of frequencies that require no license to operate on. It can deliver smaller pieces of data like text message or GPS coordinates. And because of the small bandwidth, it can reach pretty far. Maybe a future gateway into ham radio for some of the techies out there who come across it. Yeah, so that's that's a more that's a more useful case. So you'd probably have to have a proper transmitter, which I'm, I'm sure you can buy, and some kind of software to be able to interface with it. I'm I'm curious about the ranges though. You said it's a pretty good range, but you didn't specify. I'm guessing you'll get like a block with with Laura. I'm, I'm guessing that you're not going to get much further than that. Um, if that, I don't know. Two, I am a pretty new ham. I have a bow fang and it's not quite powerful enough to reach local repeaters easily. I have been looking for some ideas for antenna builds that I can use to increase the efficacy of the Baofeng to hopefully extend my reach a little more. I have found a couple of videos on the extended double zap, but they are mostly conceptual and not super practical as how-to instructions. Where should I look to find two meter antenna ideas? Maybe something to add to the list of video ideas. Sure. Uh, 
I, I, I mean, I'll just give you one off the top of my head. Go build yourself a tape measure Yagi. They're super cheap. They're easy to make. They're highly usable in portable deployments. If you want to do soda, if you go to a top of a mountain or whatever, and you can use that as a Yagi, it works great. It's a three element Yagi. You can generally just search like two meter antenna projects, two meter antenna homebrew on Google, and you'll get a ton of options. What is an extended double zap? I believe a double zap is a folded dipole. I'm not completely positive. I have to look that up now. Okay. Well, Ben signs off. Keep up the good work. 73-K-E-8-R-K-O. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, Hopefully that answers some of your questions. (laughs) Oh, a double zap is a... Hmm. Okay, now I got to keep looking. Okay. Keep going. (laughs) The next email is titled, A Bit Off Subject, and this is from Alex. Hello, home office of the HRCC office. Hope you got the memo about the TPS reports, and thank you for what you do and the time you put into the podcast. We really appreciate it. First off, yes, Leia, kids here in the heart of Alaska will even throw hard little moose nuggets at each other. Uh Aha! My wife's a teacher and has more than once needed to tell her students to stop throwing it at each other. What? You're shaking Leia to the core right now. In Alaska, children are throwing moose droppings at each other? Yeah, they're. I mean, they're hard. Basically like rabbit pellets, just compressed grasses. No, but they're way bigger than a rabbit pellet. They're, they're still small, but they're... they're that does would be it, the, does the it make it better that it's like compressed grasses? Does that make it less poop-like? I, I mean, like, okay, so like owl droppings, mm-hmm. right? People dissect owl droppings. Yes. Because they are not actually very poop-like. They're like, they're like a ball of fur mm-hmm. that has bones in it. Is that... Okay. Is that what it comes out like? It's literally just compressed It's actually grass. smaller than an owl pellet. But it's but not. But it's consistent. It's all just poop. It does just it poop. actually look like poop, or does yes. it just it's like a hundred percent of brown, grass. like consistently brown poop? Okay, I have a huge problem with this, Alex. <laughs> I'm sorry. Children should not be throwing yeah. <laughs> moose poop at each other. There, there's a there's a candy I really like during Easter. It's the the uh, Cadbury egg. The, no, no. no. Yep. The, the, <laughs> also, yeah. is that what a moose dropping no. looks like? A Cadbury egg? It's smaller than that. The other candy is like it's a it's a malted milk ball, like a um, like you, a Malteser. No, it, it's called like a Whopper. That's one of the Whoppers. Terms. Whoppers. It's okay. like the size of a Whopper. Oh, okay. it's it's the same size as a Whopper. Okay, I I guess still no. I guess now still. that is out of the way. Time for the off-topic portion of the email. I was a non-ham and stumbled across Josh and dove in deep. You could say extra deep as I learned about amateur radio, scheduled a test and began studying, took the test for tech and general, then ordered a Yesu FT4XHT, got this crazy idea to look at the extra exam. See what I did there? Extra deep. Ah. Well, I've got some previous schooling in electrical and have been taking stuff that, apart that helps. my entire life. That, that helps. 
So I figured, why not? I contacted the VEs and they said, go for it. There's plenty of empty slots in the next session. So I studied my butt off multiple hours a day, running through problems with the calculator. I'll keep this from turning into a novel. I passed, I went extra all prior to receiving a radio. So naturally I was super uncomfortable keying the mic and people assumed I would messed up my call sign and was missing a character. I would have to tell them, nope, just a new ham trying to learn. Well, first, congratulations on passing all three tasks. Yes, congratulations. That's, That's fantastic. Awesome. Alex continues, well, here I am, a no-code extra, and I hate to say it, I kind of regret getting the extra as everyone expects I know what's going on, and here I am, full of the knowledge, and how to find the answers, but don't actually know the answers from experience, like a lot of other extras I've spoken with. No one's been mean about it, quite opposite. They are very helpful, but confused when we talk about radios. And I respond, no, I've never actually keyed a mic on an HF rig or physically seen one. Huh. Okay. All I can say is Josh at HRCC is infectious and I got so excited. I went all in and now I need to learn and do my best as I shy away embarrassed. Once our move to a larger home is complete, as we are currently packed up and working on closing, so no spare radio funds, I plan to get an HF rig and dip my toes in the waters of HF, maybe QSO with Ivan as he's closer <coughs> in Kamchatka. Uh, than Seattle is up is to us up here. Mm -hmm. More or less, here to tell Josh to tone down his enthusiasm. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I'm so thankful for him and uh, and you, Leah, for this new hobby. My wife, not so much, as I found <laughs> a hell of a deal on a 40-foot tower <gasps> for my future HF antenna. Oh, we now have to I'm move. I'm excited for you. <laughs> I, wow, when you get when you get an antenna so uh, an antenna deal so good, you have to move. <laughs> That's fantastic. I like that. That's a story I can get behind. You know, Alex, I completely understand uh, what you're saying about, you know, you have an extra call sign. And because you have that call sign, people are expecting you to know much more about the etiquette operations and, you know, know the gist of everything. Whereas if you're a tech, people are like, oh, I get it. You're a noob. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, so let, let me say first and foremost, congratulations on getting all three tests knocked out. That's amazing. Yeah, the world is your oyster now. Second, don't second guess what you know or your ability to learn. And that's the, the most important takeaway is that you have an ability to learn, obviously, by demonstrated from your electrical experience that brought you to the point that you could you could pass your extra. Congratulations, that's that's awesome. Getting your extra doesn't mean you had to get there through the process of like doing radio. Right. It, it just means that that's how you got there. Now you have kind of unbridled access if you want to, and, and you're going to do it safely and everything's going to be fine because you seem like a conscientious person and, and that's great. Awesome. If you want to get involved with HF, go for it. You can, and you can get right down to the extra portions and have fun. There is something to be said uh, 
about going through the experience of being a ham at every level, though. There's nothing that's really stopping you from experiencing what it's like to be a tech and operating uh, as a tech. I, I think you should skip tech and go right to general, to okay. be honest. Oh, fair I, I, I totally do. I, you, you should skip tech, go right to general. That way you get access to full HF. If you want to experience 10 meters and 6 meters and 2 meters and 70 centimeters, you can. Nobody's mm. stopping you from doing that. No, that's what I'm saying. Like where he's at now, maybe it's not necessary to jump straight into yeah. all sure. access to all of the bands. You can yeah. still restrict yourself to kind of like the... No one's going to be like, hey, Extra, what are you doing on VHF, UHF? Right. Get, right. get yourself to HF where you belong. Nobody's going to do that because... Nobody really cares at that point. Like, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter. They're not going to give you any crap for, oh, when are you going to get your extra? Like that kind of thing. That's never going to happen to you. You just skipped a huge portion of the ham radio experience, which right. is an annoying portion where people are like, hey, hey, tech, when are you going to get your general? Hey, general, when are you going to get your extra? You just blew right past that doing like right. 120 down the freeway. Yeah. Good on you. You're Great. You're basically a baby ham prodigy (laughs) but no it's it's not even that it's it's just like you you saw an obstacle and you just decided to just go just just knock it all out in one shot that that's great that's that's there's nothing wrong with that the ham radio license isn't like a license that says i'm like limitless (laughs) (laughs) no because there's still obviously things that you know he's going to learn along the way yeah the Hamry license isn't like the license that tells you you can do all things and you know all things. It was never meant to be like that. It is merely a hurdle for when you get to the point where you now can go experience and learn more about whatever specific aspects of ham radio you find interesting. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way it should be. So you're doing all great. Right. If, if you want to get into HF, do it. Sounds like you're already on your way. You got a good antenna tower and all that fun stuff. I do want to add, I did look up a double zap. So a double zap is basically a dipole that is uh, ladder line fed, ladder line fed, which oh. is oh, okay. I mean, it, it's a five eight, it's a five eighths wave dipole on each leg with a ladder line feed point. Okay, sure. So. Yeah, that, that's probably very effective. You're probably going to use a tuner of some kind to get it into the bands that you want it to be. Um, but I'm assuming you cut it for a specific band. Or maybe... I don't know enough about it. I've never experienced that antenna. I've never played with it. I think no. you're going to go back to your Yagi suggestion. <laughs> no, not really. No, I mean, it, it. it's basically a dipole in lots of ways, but I'm assuming it's multi-banded. Be- well because you probably need to connect a tuner to it anyway for the ladder line connection. Ladder line generally requires some kind of matching unit to begin with. So anyway, there's right. there. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> well, Alex signs off again. Thank you for your time and work that goes into this podcast. Alex in Alaska, AL eight I. Well, thanks Alex. I, good luck on your move. I know that's very, it's, it's not the best time to, <laughs> Sure. To be going through moving, but yeah. congrats on your 40 foot tower. The next email is titled, I'm going to swing my beam and hit you with a 40 bushel. And this is from side boom. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I can't conform to normal email headers. I know I'm late on this email, but you had asked what people do in the event of a hurricane. 
this was uh, part of a past uh, preparedness corner mm-hmm. that I believe I was reading through the worst disasters in the United States. Yes. And to look and hurricanes at hurricanes be killing some people. Yeah, hurricanes are by far the biggest <laughs> disasters. Only kill mosquitoes kill more people. It didn't say anything about mosquitoes. It Malaria <laughs> it takes a lot of people out. Hurricanes. Last year, we got hit with two in six weeks. The first labeled as a cat four, but was really a cat five. And the next was labeled <laughs> a cat two. Could you imagine that? You're like, oh, it's a cat four. Don't worry about it. So, so just kidding. It's a cat five. <laughs> the meteorologist, my bad, my bad. <laughs> my bad. Well, so when, when I hear like a four to a five, thinking of the seismic scale for earthquakes, that's like an order of magnitude stronger. I'm assuming hurricanes work the same way. Right. I'm uh, guessing. The difference between a four, a five and a six is, uh, I, I think, just a huge jump. Here. Uh, speaking of my comment on mosquitoes, do you know what animal kills the second most people? Mm, rhinos. Hippos. Close enough. <laughs> hippos. <laughs> Who Very are all dangerous. these people hanging out with hippos, though? The thing is, is you don't know a hippo's there. Oh, Very yes. stealthy animals. I learned this from the Jungle Cruise. <laughs> yes. So everybody in Southern California knows the danger of a hippo and when their ears start to waggle. Yeah. That's when you got to shoot your cap gun at them. Super effective. And it was super effective. Me and my family were some of the smarter ones and left out and left out others decided to stay and can you imagine have stated they will never do that again. I can say one great thing is for me is that I have a nice enclosed cargo trailer that we were able to get all the important things loaded up, plenty of clothes, important documents, guns, and other things that would be needed after the storm into the trailer as we headed out into the hills of the Ozarks. Now, after living through a hurricane that has hit close to home, it allows me to look back and think. The first thing is if you're a ham in the area that hurricanes are most likely to impact, have your gear, your radio gear, go box slash go bag ready. I had all the equipment to use HF, but lacked the license to take part in the hurricane nets or Mm -hmm. use Windlink. Mm -hmm. But this is enough rambling about the hurricanes. All I can say is if in doubt, GTFO, which is funny. This is literally the opposite of the other email that's like, stay where you are and help your community. (laughs) Side boom is saying, don't mess with hurricanes. (laughs) Get the hell out of there. Well, no, yeah. That thing is displacing you from your home. Yeah. You're talking about like in the previous email, we're talking about something that, that is like a, like a power outage or, or just some kind of meltdown of Mm -hmm. society kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wikipedia immediately made me a liar. It's not hippos. Hippos didn't even make the top 10. I'm glad you're fact-checking yourself. I had before. to because I was like, I really want hippos to be number two. But uh, no, I was wrong. Uh, humans are number two. Sterling uh, killing is other going humans. to. Sterling can just pause. Just hold Ster- off, Sterling. Sterling, wait a minute. And he knows because he listens to it at 2x speed. Right. Uh, he, so was, he was here faster than I even This information came at Sterling right very quickly. Sterling is actually in the future right now. Yes. Uh, uh, third is snakes. Snakes. <gasps> no. Then, number I four. I was told not to fear snakes, and as long as you stomp your feet 
so that the snakes oh, can feel the vibration no, 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 of no, no, your no, no, feet. No, 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 no. That is here in Southern California for rattlesnakes. Okay. Some snakes, they don't care about that. They're like, vibrations, I'm coming to you. <laughs> yeah. I want to eat you or kill you. Uh, so mosquitoes kill roughly one million humans a year. Wow. Humans follow that at 475,000 in the u.s or no, worldwide? Like worldwide worldwide really that's all the murders in the u.s that seems like a lot or i mean in the world that seems like a lot it, i'm gonna it, say my same thing again third it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that much when you're comparing it to like panoramic numbers but but know? hear me out it starts to drop significantly at that point snakes fifty thousand. what yeah that's too big of a drop off yeah fourth dogs at 25,000. <gasps> no, not man's best friend. Now, this is where it starts getting crazy, okay? This is where... It's not already crazy? No, no, no. Five, the tsetse fly. Oh. 10,000. What what disease does the tsetse fly carry? Tsetse disease. Okay. That I don't know. adds up. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just Checks saying. out. <laughs> Six, assassin bugs. 10,000. What is an assassin bug? I don't know. This is where This is where it gets really good. Freshwater snails, number seven, 10,000 deaths a year. How? Yeah. People eat, is it because people eat them? Is that? Oh, maybe, maybe. They're undercooked, maybe. Yeah, freshwater snails are actually quite delicious. Uh, yeah, so then that's followed by scorpions, ascarius, roundworms, and tapeworms. And that all drops. Worms. That all drops. A tapeworm can kill you? Sure. Hippopotamus. So those, that's, that's. Hippopotami. That's 3,250, <laughs> 2,500, and 2,000 for, for tapeworms at the bottom. Wow. So to put this into perspective. Facts. There's a, there's a couple of different sources for this, but hippopotamuses, 500 people a year oh killed. funny story all <laughs> so of i was these, way wrong yes <laughs> way wrong funny story all of these things off. exist in australia <laughs> all of these things all of them actually snakes for sure because they have like the deadliest snakes in australia i think australia they pride themselves the deadliest i think that's the slogan of the country we have the deadliest snakes yeah the slogan is we have the deadliest everything <laughs> just they have they have grass that will grow so quickly and overtake homes. If you fall asleep for too long, the grass could smother you. That's where we're at right now. That's where like, people in America wake up and are like, man, my grass looks really ugly. I hope my neighbor doesn't think I'm a slob. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my grass just took out my entire home. <laughs> Terrible. I, we, that's not really true. That's, that's not really true. Yeah, we're exaggerating. Yes, very Absolutely. much so. Side boob signs off 73's Team 1X. Side boob is saying 73 only to Team 1X. Sterling. Out. Uh, sorry. <laughs> 1.5. Nope. You're out too. Side boob only cares about Team 1X. <laughs> and side boob just got down. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow, that layer, that was slick. <laughs> yeah. No, that was how he signed off. And side boob just got down. Oh, I'm yeah. like, wow. P.S. Like, is that a hip hop reference? Yeah. <laughs> is that a part of your hippity hops? I, like? I am the hip hippest of hops. 
Uh, P.S. Here is a link to some pics taken from my city after the first storm. I will drop this link in the show notes. Uh, it is a full media set of city devastation post hurricane. And uh, man, you know, with Facebook and being connected to so many people worldwide, it's insane for especially being from Southern California, seeing the devastation that weather creates, Mm -hmm. you know, taking out all kinds of things, but uh, mainly things people live in. Well, not just that. I, I mean, obviously floods. I saw the craziest video of somebody in whose house had flooded Mm -hmm. and they didn't, they either didn't know or okay. they had just moved into the house. Did I wet the bed? And their house flooded. So they didn't know they were in a floodplain or maybe they did and didn't worry about it. But like very early on into their home ownership, their house flooded. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And at first, when you see the video, it looks like very shiny floor. <laughs> right? And you're like, wow, that's a nice lacquer. Jo- oh, that's wow, water. That's mopping glue. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the video, there's a frog swimming through their living room. It's terrible. That's horrible. I mean, we should not laugh. We should not laugh. But I. I'm sorry. Uh, I was not laughing. I said that's <laughs> terrible and took it very seriously. You were laughing. It was just a single swimming through the living room. I mean, hopefully they have flood insurance and it's going to be all fine. I hope they have frog insurance. (laughs) I just, but I laugh because obviously they left the frog in till the end. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the insurance plan is called? What? The Moses plan. Oh, I thought you were going to make a geico gecko joke but why would i make a yeah, joke we fine. literally have yeah. the plague of frogs fair enough yeah all right thank you side boom <laughs> come on leah i know you're a buddhist and all but <laughs> the next email is titled thursday night banker email and this is from rob leah and josh greetings from nathan's <laughs> podcast production <laughs> scamming cohort <laughs> It's nice to hear you guys, despite the Cuban rum runner noise. Yes, we named that thing. We named it. Did you, why is it called a Cuban rum runner? Because we made it up. <laughs> no, I, okay. So I, all the admins on the HRCC were in a staff chat, and I was making my video for the um, the video that posted today, which has actually been one of my most popular videos in a while, and. I was sitting there. I'm like, we got to come up with a name for this thing because I'm going to reference it in the in the tagline of the video. And I think it was Matt AE4MQ. I'm like, wh- I'm like, well, what's what's Cuban no- Cuban known for? Well, and because like, Matt lives in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Like cigars, rum, all those things. And and Matt goes, I don't know, the Cuban rum runner. And like, that's it. Let's go. <laughs> so that's that's the name getting thrown around now, which is great. I think it's a catchy name. Last week, Drew brought up the subject of Formula One, which I am a fan of, especially the 1960s, 70s, and early 80s. One of the things my dad and I had in common was a love of Formula One. 
In the 1990s, it was rare to have an F1 race televised live in America, so I used Dad's General Electric shortwave radio and listened to the races on on a station broadcasting from France. I did not speak French, but from the announcer's tone, I could figure out what was going on. It added a sense of mystique that gets lost with all the modern day technology. Wow. Yeah. So you listen to someone literally talk about cars racing in a language you don't understand. (laughs) That's that is kind of a fascination of radio, right? That you can pull in a country across the Atlantic Ocean. That's cool. I, I think that's pretty cool. Very romantic. Uh, hit, very like me, like a memory you would hold that you would have. Like, Especially in French. Yeah. It would right? be so, uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a cool memory. That's a cool memory. Turns out Formula One races are quite romantic in French. <laughs> <laughs> so much passion. I, everything they do, <laughs> if, they, if they are speaking their native language. Josh, thank you for your shortwave radio videos. Mm. They bring back nostalgic memories for many of us. I do love shortwave radio. Leia, have you done much shortwave listening yet? I think you would enjoy it. I no. don't think I have. I don't think you've ever like gotten a radio and just tuned around listening for what's out there. I don't think you've I mean, ever I've, done that. I've done that with the Baofeng. No, but, okay, come on. <laughs> Finally, I would like to offer my best wishes to Mike, K8MRD. Mike's been on HRCC live streams uh, quite a few times. Uh, Yeah, and I would rank him as a a solid friend of mine. Mike is a great guy. I was watching antenna videos a few nights ago and saw his announcement about a change in employment. Yeah. Uh, I didn't watch his video all the way through, but I know a lot of people were... Uh, were giving him condolences and it was highly discussed in the ham radio community. Um, And honestly, I think it was a good idea for Mike to put out there that he is now looking for alternative employment. Yeah, because I mean... Especially if he wants to work somewhere related in ham radio too. I, I would like to remind everybody that like, I think almost all of us work jobs. We, we have right. jobs and careers. Right. I mean, some people don't. So, uh, like a that's couple a, of the YouTubers a couple, don't. Yeah. A couple don't. And that's because of, I, I would say, special circumstances. We, we, we all, we're just, we're just like everybody else. We got to go to a job in the morning, right? Yeah. And, and, and Mike uh, putting it out there. I mean, Mike is, uh, everything you see about Mike, let me, I'll, I'll give you the best. If, if I was in sales and, and that whole thing. Everything you see about Mike, the excitement that he does about operating radio, I don't know that he would necessarily bring that level of excitement to him selling your product. But if you got anything close to that, yeah, him being a salesperson is exactly the type of person you want. So and, and normally we wouldn't be talking about this other than the fact that Mike has he already created a video. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I will put a link to the video um, in the show notes. But... Uh, so essentially what happened to Mike was he was relocated uh, to from Texas. Michigan, mm-hmm. right, to Texas. to Texas. Not that long ago. No, not at all. Less than a year. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's at the point of trying to, like, rebuild his savings from going through right, a move, right. right? And all the things that go into that. All the things the company doesn't pay for, right? right. Even if the company paid for, right, you're still going to be paying out of pocket for a lot of stuff. 
And so he was given a role as a manager in he Texas. He was a manager in, Ma- yeah. in, in Michigan, I believe. Uh, so, and he yeah. just continued that responsibility to yeah. Texas. So then what happened was they demoted him. Was that is that right? He they well they cut his pay in half. Yeah, let's let's yeah. just say that. Yeah. Yeah, Wh- whatever the net result was a 50% cut in pay. Right. Which is ridiculous. Right. You can't you, you can't do that to people. I mean, I I'm sure that given the freedom that is allowed people and companies in Texas that mm-hmm. there's probably not a law against it in Texas. I have no idea. Uh, and you know, if anybody has any experience in employment law uh, in Texas specifically, and you know that cutting somebody's pay in half is against Texas laws, I feel like there's some kind of please contact Mike. I, I feel like there's some kind of writer after just moving you at the company saying move, and then you move. Right. That there's got to be some kind of like... It's just despicable. Yeah. Even if it's not against the law, it's completely unethical. I I just can't say enough about Mike as a person and his capabilities. Again, he... Everything you see in the video, how would you not want that kind of energy in, anywhere involved with your with your team or whatever right, you're doing? Right, It's so. super positive, like just very personable. You can tell he's somebody who cares about other people. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, great guy. It's sad. Um, I, I'm I'm grateful to call him a friend. We'll stop talking to him because if he's listening to this, he's probably just hiding yeah. himself from, uh, from having to hear so. us talk about him because i know he's like that but uh he deserves it he's a great guy and, yeah and nothing but respect to mike and you know whatever we can do we'll help him out but so rob continues i was gutted i was in a similar situation in my early 40s with three young children mike your videos have been a great help to me and i know the same spunk and ingenuity you have shown Overcoming obstacles in this hobby will serve you well as you work your way through this situation. I hope some of the skills and relationship you've developed through amateur radio will lead you to an exciting career you would have never imagined five years ago. That would be great. Look me up if you'd like to do some fishing to clear your mind. All the best, Rob in Corpus Christi, KI5GFL. P.S. Attached is a GE World Monitor P99A shortwave radio, the same model we had in the 1970s. Very cool. And I love the look of this of this radio. It is just the most retro oh, yeah. of radios. Yeah, it's got that whole like leatherette uh, I want to say outer this, body. This is like the model that people use when they when to you, rebrand like, like a. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Solid state yeah. devices, super, and the radio takes up like one quarter of the case <laughs> inside of it. Like, oh, it's we're retro. Yeah, we're selling you more plastic than actual gear. Yeah. Well, you know, Rob brings up uh, a a great point about Mike, and if anybody has any job leads for uh, a sales manager, particularly around Texas where Mike is at, yeah, that would be preferred. So he doesn't have to relocate again or maybe something he can do, um, remotely would be great. Uh, Mike, we, we know you're going to bounce back from this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Rob, for your, uh, production <laughs> scamming. 
production with scan Nathan. with the with the bank email. Yes, because the next email is titled Mice and Meist from Nathan. Oh gosh. <laughs> Meist and Miked. Miked. Is that how you spell Miked? M I C D. M I C E D. Oh, anyways. I, I keep going. So this is from Nathan. Hello. I think I know where he's going with this. <laughs> Hello, podcast microphones in yeah. front of Leia and John. Yeah. Sorry no one talks to you and only talks at you. This email is directed to you, the mics, as read by Leia. I want to tell you about the first time I ever saw Josh in a video. It was a video on the Modern Rogue YouTube oh, channel. Oh, interesting. Well, now, hopefully it, now soon, we maybe know. Again. What brought us the gift of Nathan? Oh, great. Yes. It was called Why 2.6 Million People Can mm-hmm. Push This Button, But We Can't. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, I want to say that more recent estimates put uh, the number of ham licenses mm-hmm. worldwide at 3 million. Okay. Good. With somewhere between 750 to a million being in the U.S. Yes. That yeah. if I remember those stats correctly, yeah, I'm sure we started, if uh, when I started the Hammer Crash Course, we were solidly in the 700,000 area, right? And I'm I'm just trying to grow those numbers. Right. Those are rookie numbers. We got to <laughs> bump those numbers up. Uh, I'm sure somebody will correct me if I have those sure. stats wrong. Of course, and uh, I would appreciate that. For all I knew, Josh was a member of that channel. Oh, well, I'm oh. glad I came across as being so confident on, because uh, <laughs> I, I have to, I will take a, a divergent path here. Now? now, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, But I will, I will call it out because it's important to say. Uh, I have been a fan of Brian Brushwood for so a very long. long time. Yes. I watched him on Tech TV, who nobody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I watched him on Scam School before it was Scam Nation. He had a show on um, Netflix too. This is way before that. Way before that. We're not even at that. Oh, sorry, sorry. I believe I have even seen him live doing some of the things he did uh, in in SoCal. So big fan. Always been a fan. I I don't know what more to say about that. Uh, Listened to multiples of his podcasts. Not just, you know, the stuff that most people know, like Modern Rogue, which is kind of like their their biggest thing. Right. A ton of their podcasts are great. Um, I listen to the, the the one that they talk about, stuff that's on streaming media, like watching movies on streaming media. It's fantastic. And obviously, Justin Robert Young, I listen to all his stuff, too. And then, obviously, Modern Rogue came around. Hacking the system. Hacking the system. I watched Hacking the System. And then Modern Row came around and I got his email back before we did that that video set. And I just emailed him like, do you want to do some ham radio videos? It fits right in, though. And he to be a came modern back rogue. immediately. And uh, and then Jason was in there and 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 some other folks were in there. And we just started kind of like email workshopping the video before I even went out and they were like, yeah, absolutely. And this is back when I was still like, you know, 50,000 subscribers or maybe a little bit more, 75, something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, come on, come on, let's do it. We're, we're doing it. Let's do it. I, I it, It's, it's crazy. Um, being able to go from like, 
just watching Brian specifically because he's the one I knew about the longest, right? It would be like being able to have a meal with Anthony Bourdain. Kind of like that, a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit like that. And he's super cool. It, it, it's so much fun to be able to hang out with them. And 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 I, I must say, like, when I'm going out there, I'm not going out there to, like, hang out. It's not vacation time. It's it's work time. Josh has to say that because he went to Austin by himself <laughs> this last without time. his family. The 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 first time he went, which was like two years ago. And in fact that's what I said to Brian. I'm like, hey man, what have you been up to for two years? That's what I said what I what I saw him. And he was like, man, oh my goodness, has it been two years? It, it was super cool. It was a lot of fun. And and Jason was great of course and, and it, it was just you're you're fanboying right yeah, now. Yeah, I am. It's it, was, funny. it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I I cannot. Um, I I I <laughs> I will say, and you'll you'll maybe get it in the the videos. Um, always big apologies to the crew because apparently now every time I've gone out, the first video is really smooth, and then the second video is like lots of production time <laughs> and that happened definitely on this on this outing so all my respect to the crew and all the work they do because they're seriously putting in a lot of work and it's it's well amazing. modern rogue has gone from being filmed i want to say in southern california uh no never i don't think it was really ever. no oh well they're they're out in texas now Austin. yeah and they have like a seven acre compound, right? Well, they had the seven acre compound the first time I went out, but the state of said compound, particularly the building structure, was vastly different than it is now. It is crazy how much different it is. And they, they've obviously made tour videos where they go through and show you all the rooms and stuff like that. Yes. It was. And you got to stay in I one got of those to rooms. Stay there. <laughs> I, I was like, hey, man, what, you know, I, I told everybody, I'm like, where should I stay that I'm going to be adjacent to, to you guys? And they're like, oh, you can stay at the HQ now. And I went, oh my gosh, yes, I'm going to stay at the HQ. And I actually did a, um, a happy hour on Jason's channel, Ham Radio 2.0, from the HQ. That's funny. It was super fun. It was a lot of fun. You did a FaceTime with me when you were out there and you were like, do you want to see the sacrificial pit? <laughs> It was super late too. And it, was it was really so, scary. It was so dark. It was and so then bad. You, you came across, and for me, it was like Blair Witch Project oh, jittery. Very much right? so, yeah. And it's, but on top of that, it is you, my husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going out, and I'm like, go back to your room. You can show me in the morning. The light will be better. Lock all the doors <laughs> on your way. And he passes by this teepee made of branches, which it's funny because when we were out in Big Bear, there was also a teepee of branches, just much Same smaller. Guy. Same <laughs> guy made it. The guy's following you around. Same guy. <laughs> and I was like, that's a creepy teepee. And then you're like, this is the pit. And I'm like, what are you doing? And there's cicada sounds everywhere. Yeah, there's literally cicadas. It's wild. You're fearless, man. I would just be like, I can show you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm going right out. You want to see the sacrificial pit at midnight? Let's this go. Is, did you want to see the cult bus? <laughs> like just mm -hmm. all the weirdest things in the middle of the night. It was cool. No, thank you. I think I was more afraid than you were. <laughs> no, no, I was not at all. I think it was after the stream, too. So I already had like a whole growler of beer that I drank. Liquid courage. And then I was like, ah, we're doing it. Let's go. 
Well, Nathan continues, only when they said you were a guest did I realize otherwise. This was a random suggested video. Oh, wow. This started the journey to today. Well, thank you, Modern Rogue. For oh, yeah, for Nathan so many subscribers, us. so yeah. many people that that found Ham Radio through their amazing videos. But we wouldn't have an email correspondence tower producer without modern rogue. that's right <laughs> self-appointed producer yes that's right too bad josh didn't bring one of you the microphones to his recent poda activation so we could, could you imagine if i had an them. sm7b <laughs> on them i cannot oh i've got to hold on i gotta turn the audio amp and my cloud lifter and uh, do all that to make this work so we could better hear the passersby. Josh referenced this in his recent video, but for some reason he talked is. about not bringing Mike. Mice. Mice. Mice? Is that the right phrase? Uh, so I, I said, I, I did not expect so many people. And then it was a second uh, upper lower third that said, so they were not miked. But I spelled it M-I-C-E-D. Everybody said that's miced. Instead of miked. I that's so I read it correctly. Apparently miked is M-I-C apostrophe D. Yes. Mike. Yeah, that makes sense. So okay. okay. Now speaking to Leia, both you and I did our license tests online, and I love the value of this service. For busy people, you can do it on your own schedule. This helped me since I would not currently be an operator at all now, since even since all even slightly closing, uh, close testing state sessions were canceled when I was studying, as they should have been. I was very familiar with Zoom. It worked out as I even decided to use an in-state VE team, although I didn't need to for Zoom. I made connections, though. Hmm. If people don't like online testing, so be it. They will not use it. More available spots for us. That's what I have to say about that. Nathan is referencing a full-blown argument I had with somebody in the HRCC Facebook group. Nathan is talking about unrelated social media tea right now. Yes. Okay. So what happened was um, one of, oh, the creator of Ham Study came in and mm -hmm. was discussing a, uh, he made a post about one instance of cheating. Yes. And how it was, um, it was found and was being investigated. And he had said that most likely uh, that person would be facing repercussions from the FCC. Anything, uh, maybe ranging from a fine to... Maybe ranging uh, from you have to retake your test. You have to retake your test or you may never be able oh. to get uh, a ham license Take that at all. Out. Okay, okay. And somebody basically said that he didn't like online testing. This that individual it was, has been outspoken against online testing for a while, by the way. Right. Yeah. And he said that the VEs and the people taking the test, essentially, paraphrasing, that we're lazy. And it's like, man, I am a working mom who is homeschooling children through a pandemic. You got to walk yourself 
in the snow uphill both ways to the FCC office. And I'm like, it would not happen. Straight up, it would just not happen for me. Right. Because for me to work around my schedule, the kids' schedule, and then for you between your work and content creation, I, I don't even know to take care of the kids for me to drive somewhere. Like you went to the downtown LA office to get tested, I think. No. No. Oh, it wasn't downtown. No, I went down to Cyprus. Oh, sorry. Anyway. And then I got my general at at, uh, at work. I'll just say that and leave it at that. Okay. So I, for me, that's just not, that's not realistic, right? Being able to study, be ready for the test, and then take the test took f- like 50 minutes to take the test or something. Right. That's way better than a couple of hours trying to get to a test location, get ready for the test, take the test, and then come home. I think it's. I think it, the individual is making an argument that you can make about the sanctity of taking the test correctly and not cheating. I think that's you, you, people can say that. You I just can can't that. imagine, given the parameters you have to meet to take the test online, that you could cheat. Well, right. So then the follow on point is, is that if there's not cheating and the cheating that does occur gets caught in this case, gets, gets caught, yeah. then uh, what are you trying to save? Like, what what are you trying to do with being so outspokenly against this process? Right. What could you possibly achieve? And multiple VEs actually said that they feel that the online testing is actually more secure yes. than the normal testing situation because you have three VEs. Watching one yes, person. exactly. Allow me to explain my testing situation. Every time I've tested, I have been in a room with no fewer than seven to eight people taking the test at the same time. When I took my extra that's when it was the smallest number of people. Every subsequent time before that, it was 10 people, 15 people, Mm -hmm. all taking the test at the same time, and it's the same three VEs. Not the same people, but it's three VEs that are supposed to be watching all these individuals. Mm -hmm. I definitely think that online testing is as secure, as safe from cheating as in-person testing for sure yeah and my response to the whole thing was it hurts you nothing and it helps so many other people well i i just would like them to be honest like how does it hurt you why why are you so it doesn't why are you so upset about this and then what is the point and then he basically told me i had bad time management skills which gets me very angry but (laughs) that is if I told you that, you would be so mad at me. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But on top of that, he he said, oh, well, I raised five kids and took oh, a so college good. course into, this. Uh, into, into the mix and still took my test in person. And uh, I could already tell the guy was like a much older guy. And I didn't want to get into it. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to talk about it here because it makes me so angry when men that were in like way previous generations, right, right, say, oh, well, I raised X number of kids. It's like, bro, 
Do not come at me with that because modern day parenting is so demanding. And it's not just demanding on the wives, it's demanding on the husbands, right? Not just sure. the moms, the dads. And we, we also don't know their situation. Like, was there two people working at the same time? Don't know. But even, uh, I don't even need to know that. Okay. To know that the mother took on the vast majority of the responsibilities related to the kids. So when a man goes, I raised five kids, it's like, yeah, your wife took care of almost everything related to the kids, almost everything related to the day-to-day household stuff Mm -hmm. so that you could then do all of these things you're bragging about. Sure, but so do, do you know what um, argumentative fallacies are? Yes. So that's a new, no true Scotsman fallacy, was what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And the no true Scotsman fallacy goes something along the lines of, uh, no Scotsman eats their toast with marmalade. And then someone says, well, I know a Scotsman who drinks, or drinks, who eats toast with marmalade. And then the first person says, no true Scotsman eats toast with marmalade. Yeah, okay. So yeah. when, when you start going down that fallacy road, and there are many of them, logical fallacies are like a real thing. I just immediately go, this is a non-argument for stupid people. And I just, I'm done. Yeah. There, there's no point in continuing the conversation because you're, you're beyond the point of actually making a point. There's no argument there. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Anyway, so I got in an internet fight. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Yeah, yeah. And I was on Facebook and I yeah. got in a fight. <laughs> so, so anyways, is. I was on Facebook and I got in a fight. And so I, I'm sure Nathan read that thread. <laughs> and he is, thankfully, he's given me an open window for me to just he did. vent he, he my frustrations that into our mics. This conversation. He was addressing yes. personally. <laughs> Now, both of uh, our mics are cyclopses, by the way. They have one oh, googly they eye. Both, they both lost the other eye they now. They both lost the other eye. At one so point, just, they both had two eyes. So that we could look at each other's googly yes. eyes in the back <laughs> of our sure microphones as we, as we did this podcast. Monsters only each other could love. <laughs> our mics. <laughs> only titans. Yes. Nathan continues, now to Josh, are you thinking about an intro song or an audio track for the podcast? Maybe something with funny snippets you have heard on the radio, or maybe some longtime listeners contributing some audio. I would love that. Perhaps you have something in the works. I should zip the lips. Yay, more work. I don't. Um, Exactly. Yay, more work. I I love Darren's song. Darren's song's going to continue to be the opening for most of my stuff. I have no reason to change from that. And for anybody who doesn't know, that's Sonic D. He has a Twitch. He does a show Friday nights Mm -hmm. where he DJs. Live uh, DJing on Twitch, which is awesome. He does Juke now, but he's gone through a drum and Base phase. He does a lot of things, but yeah. it's mainly juke. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if people want to do a drop where they like stitch funny things together, I, I'd be happy Bring to it. play it. Yeah we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll make a whole new segment on it if people do it. Yeah, we, we've got no problem with doing that. I don't know about a new segment. Well, I don't <laughs> so know when we're going to splash it in a, a two minute interlude <laughs> where it's stupid stuff we've said. You can, it could be at the end of the podcast and let this sign let you out. Let me play you out with stupid stuff we've said. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board. 
Nathan says, lastly, Leia, study the book. You can do this. Your listener, contributor, person, place, thing, or sometimes idea. K1MAZ, Nathan the Noun, Vermont, the brave little state. Nathan made him like an ethereal. He was like person, place, or thing, or an idea. Yes. P.S. K8MRD, we are with you. Right on. I am sure your viewers will get you something greater than you could have ever imagined. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so, too. Yeah. Yeah. And we are on the final email. Do you want to do it? The final email. I thought you had a sound for the final email. No? No. Oh. Wow. Oh, right. Nathan. Right. Well, someone sent something, but it... It didn't, it's not. It didn't work. Okay. (laughs) The last email. It wasn't because I didn't want to play it. It was because I literally couldn't get it into the sound. You couldn't stuff it in there. It it said, I do, there's something wrong with this thing. And I was like, why? Why though? This uh, last email is titled 100 lightning bolt, lightning bolt, thumbs up, thumbs up. (laughs) Yep. And this is from Thomas. Congratulations on episode 100, Thomas, AD6TW. Is that 100 of the entire podcast? Of the entire podcast wow. on, on, um, on so that's, iTunes. That's I the think. boring stuff, too, in the beginning. That's like the stuff where it was just the live stream rips. Yeah, I think some people still enjoy that. They might even prefer that to what we're doing. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I, I, f- I think we should go back and figure out like what your first episode was and then like figuring out what hun- what, which 100 is from that and then do something. We're definitely not at 100, though. No. Yeah. Because- well, no, I would say, no, we've done way more of this type podcast than um, the, the Stream Rips podcast, for sure, for sure. I mean, we're obviously over 52 episodes because we've done it for a year. Well, if but you want we, to do maths with this, <laughs> just call me out that way. <laughs> fine. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas. And that is the last of the email correspondence tower. Thank you, everybody who has written in. You guys make this podcast an interactive experience. It is. And it's a lot of fun. Very we appreciate enjoyable. It. We really do appreciate it. Well, it is time then, it is time for Leia to take the practice test. So Leia, I think last week, did we go, did you go five for five? No. I, I think did, did I? Yeah, I think you did. No, I don't know. I and there's did. no way for me to look it up now that I'm in the middle of the test. Okay. So yeah. uh, we're, we're diving in, mm-hmm. coming out of a hot week last week. All right. So here we go. Six out of 35. Six out of 35. Okay, good. Which of the following are examples of the NATO phonetic alphabet? A, America, Boston, Canada, Denmark. Mm. B, Adam, Boy, Charles, David. Mm. C, Abel, Baker, Charlie, Dog. D, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta. Mm. D. So we've already broke. It's not C. Yeah. (laughs) C, uh, C, by the way, is the military phonetic alphabet. What? Abel. Oh, that's military. Is it? I yeah. didn't know that. Well, I, I guess World War II <laughs> military phonetics. But anyway, keep going. What precautions should be taken when installing a ground mounted antenna? A, it should not be installed higher than you can reach. B, it should be installed such that it is protected against unauthorized access. C, it should be limited to 10 feet 
in height. Mm-hmm. B, it should not, uh, D, it should not be installed in a wet area. D, it should not be installed in a wet nope. area. <gasps> Unauthorized it access. It should be installed in, okay. Think about it. So that nobody touches it. Yeah. Got it. Because it doesn't matter how tall it is and stuff's going to get well, wet. Well, I figure you don't want to put it in a pond or something. That's but stuff's gonna valid. Get... Valid. What? <laughs> <laughs> Stick it in your pool. That's, so you took the question. You took that answer as maybe installed in a pond, a wet area. Come on, that's a poorly written question. I took that as like it rained today. No, because it's not going to be raining every day. Like a wet area means something that's always wet. Interesting. I can see your argument. That's a good point. Thank you. They, they should correct that a little. Yeah, or, or, that's a bad alternate answer. I don't know how it's you would get your intent to necessarily, necessarily be straight up, right? If it was in a pool, you don't want to put it in your pool. I might want to put it in a pool. I haven't, I haven't ruled that out yet. We got a pool in the backyard now. <laughs> For now. <laughs> And I put my fence around it. No, I'm sorry. This is this is the antenna space now. I have to keep you. I have to keep you safe from the antenna. Put a little fence around it. Which of the following causes opposition to the flow of alternating current in a capacitor? A. Admittance. B. Reluctance. C. Conductance. D. Reactance. What? Really? Not like one of them is not resistance. Ah, no, not what? for a capacitor. Okay, uh, causes the opposition to flow of an alternating current in a capacitor. Mm-hmm. What is a capacitor? Isn't it the thing that holds? Yes. Like the oven. Yes. Yes, it's like an oven. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know if that necessarily helps the answer, but it yes, you, you totally nailed that. What is the opposition of flow mm-hmm. in a capacitor? Um, I mean, it can't be reluctance, right? <laughs> you just have a reluctance. That oven is very reluctant about this particular. Admittance? That can, that's, is that a thing? I, I don't know. Reactants. I yes. <laughs> you got it. Yay. <laughs> All right. Which of the following applies when selecting a frequency for lowest attenuation when transmitting on HF? A. Select a frequency just below the muff. B. Select a frequency just above the luff. C, select a frequency just above the critical frequency. D, select a frequency just below the critical frequency. Um, B, select a frequency just above the luff. Oh, these muff and luff questions are, are <laughs> all throughout the general test. And I know you've explained them, but I, I've drank so much of this tan drink. Hey, at least I you're not just, just doing C all the way down. <laughs> well, what was the answer? What was the answer? Go ahead and say it. Uh, the answer was A, select a frequency just below the muff, which I I should have been able to answer that from previous muff-luff questions. 
<laughs> all that hot muff talk. Yes. Which of the following is used to process signals from the balanced modulator, then send them to the mixer in some signal, a single sideband phone transmitters? Mm-hmm. A, RF amplifier. B, carrier oscillator. C, filter. D, IF amplifier. So which of the following is used to process signal from the balanced modulator, then send them to the mixer in some SSB phone transmitter? I don't know, a carrier oscillator? No, it's a filter. Which one, IF? It's C, filter. D is IF amplifier. So it's a filter, which I, that oh, doesn't even make Oh, just filter. Sense. Okay. Well, I don't think you said, okay. That doesn't and even that... make sense to me. Okay. Why, why? Oh, uh, probably because I'm thinking filter in a different sense than. Okay, read the question again. Let's. Which of the following is used to process signals from the balanced modulator, then send them to the mixer in some single sideband phone transmitters? And the answer is filter. Filter. Okay. So the the mixer is like the product detector, and and is what creates the audio output basically. Mm-hmm. So you're going to then use a filter upon that. If if again, if you want to, a lot of them are adjustable. Some of them are fixed for sound quality. All right. Okay. Okay. That was fun. That that's kind of a hard one if you don't experience it. That that's one of those ones where it's kind of like uh, you you can just remember this, but. Uh, that's when you can actually like practically go look at and listen to. Okay. Well, that's it. That was the last question. That's it? Yep. Okay, that's it. Well, good job. Thanks. <laughs> it wasn't five for five, but uh, was that like three out of five? Maybe two out of five. Oh, okay. Two or three out of five, I think. Hey, you, you got some right. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, thanks for going through that, as always. Um, Want to remind everybody, we are, well, we being uh, the, the royal we, me, going to Huntsville. So hopefully y'all reach out and say oh, hi. Oh, I thought you were going to say the YouTubers we. <laughs> well, yes, that is also true. The YouTubers we are going to Huntsville. Again, we will fill everybody in where the meetups are going to be. But here's the thing. We're all on social media, so just follow us wherever you are. Because Instagram, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, Twitter. Actually, I I think I'll probably be posting a lot on Twitter just to tell people this is where I'm at. Like, drop a pin or something like sure. that, so people can people can catch up with us. Or tell us tell people where we're going because we're going to be going to some breweries and we're going to be going to the campsite, all that fun stuff. Okay, so show topic time. Show topic time. Obviously, today uh, is Thursday that, that we're recording this, and there was uh, basically this whole week, there's been a whole lot of news about this Cuban interference that was created. And just to recap everybody that, that's not familiar with this, there's some protests that started in um, over the weekend, last weekend in Cuba. I think it's people upset, right? People upset about the services and the support that they get from the government, Right. And we're talking about like basic medical access kind of stuff because again, Cuba has kind of been 
portrayed as this pantheon of amazing medical care, right? And well, I mean, I think I've seen enough videos and documentaries to see what Cuba really looks like outside the tourist areas. Yes, but but again, it's been propped up as kind of this paragon. Pantheon's the wrong term, paragon in the space. People are upset that they, they, they're getting like minimal support from the government. And so they started protesting. As a byproduct of that, the first things that you think of immediately, they start clamping down on. So social media access got cut down big time. So they couldn't get on social media from Cuba on the internet. Now, by the way. Could you imagine in America if you were protesting something that suddenly your access to things that are considered basic rights to the point where in America you are provided with internet access and phone access. If you can't afford it, the government will provide it for right. you in America. Right. right. But if you're suddenly protesting something, imagine just like something that the government considers a basic right at this point that they're willing to fund it for you. Yeah. Suddenly they cut it off. Well, so there's an interesting dichotomy there of what if it isn't the government that does it and the company that's running the service says you are persona non grata and we're banning you from the service. Is it that much different at that point? It is in the sense that you're you're taking an entire swath of people, but if you become well, a bad at person that, to that at service, that point, no. But at that point, like if you consider internet and phone access a a basic right mm-hmm. to uh, like as I a don't part of think life, that is a basic right. But. Okay, but obviously the U.S. government does because they fund it. Well, again, they give people phones. Sure, 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 okay. sure, sure, sure. So if that's the case, then those all of those businesses have to be treated like utilities. Well, they have to be treated as public spaces at that point. No, utilities. No, That they spaces. have to provide the service. That's public spaces. Okay, well. That's the, uh, the cake decorator scenario. That's a public space. You can't. Mm, no, okay. I don't think it's the same. It is, but. Okay. The I mean the way that Southern California Edison cannot unilaterally cut your power. Well, okay, actually I think we're arguing from the same point. <laughs> They're actually well, I obligated think, I from the same point of view. I don't think cake is the same as electricity. If you open yourself up to be a business to the public, you must become a public entity in the sense that you are a public Oh, I do place. not agree. No, you don't have to agree, but that's how the law works. So, anyway, we're going into the weeds a little bit. So they started restricting access from the point of view if you were in the country as, you know, a, a part of the society. If somebody had a VPN, they could they could tunnel around that ban, basically, and uh-huh. still get access to social okay. media. So I just want to be really honest about the information that I'm putting out. However, this is where... Wait, so without internet access, you can use a VPN to get around your blocked internet access? That's how it works in China. No, but they still have internet access. They yes. just have things that are blocked. Whereas mm-hmm. in Cuba, haven't they just fully shut down internet no, access? No, they didn't shut down the internet access. They shut down access to specific social media sources. Oh, okay. They, but yeah, if you're the using VPN a VPN to backdoor your way yeah, in, just enough. like you would do in China or wherever, then you're fine. Well, this is where ham radio gets involved. 
40 meters is a very popular space for Cuban nationals to talk to America, uh, Cuban Americans. And, you know, they're all over. But let's say Miami, for instance. Not that okay. far of a little yeah. jog to get to, uh, to get to Cuba from Miami. The, the hams in, in Cuba, they are very often on the space of the low side of 7.12 megahertz up to 7.16 megahertz and, and sometimes a little bit higher. To, to put that into a frame of reference with Americans, that's basically the extra space that's the extra portion of okay. 40 meters okay so these cuban you know nationals would get on the air and, and talk to other people or, and other cubans too and they would not just necessarily be talking about random stuff they would sometimes bring up politics because there's there's i i heard a couple of arguments they're like oh you're not supposed to talk about politics on on ham radio that's not true that's not true at all you can have a a Totally civil political discussion on ham radio. I mean, 80 meters, right? Yeah. But <laughs> but can you keep the conversation civil is the challenge, right? When, when politics—and the reason why people don't are not supposed to bring up politics, religion, or sex on ham radio is because people, people have a hard time— pivot, Keep it civil. They can't keep it civil. Yeah. They have a hard time being objective about it. And our— just having a conversation for the sake of having a conversation of understanding. People don't approach these conversations from a point of, I want to understand more. They approach it more from the point of, I have an opinion and I want to talk at you about my opinion. I have an opinion and I'm going to prove to you that it's right. Right, right. And so then that that is like two unmovable forces colliding right, right at that point. I, I think people take politics too personally, and I, I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. There are certain things that I feel so strongly about that when people disagree, I just, I feel like they don't have all the information. Right. Because if they did have all the information, there's absolutely no way they could disagree with me. Right. And I mean, that's, that's the, I mean, that. That's that's a very human nature thing, right? Yeah. Because we we have to believe that, and that's what allows us to survive, mm -hmm. right? As humans, at the end of the day, like you take it down to the lowest level, it's like that's like what keeps you eating and breathing and going mm -hmm. to sleep and waking up in the morning, kind of thing. So some entity was not happy about this conversation going on, and they turned on a bunch of radio jammers. These radio jammers specifically target, and it's happening right now. Like I could go in my shack and I could show you this, this wide spaced interference that was created. These jammers are high powered, so high powered that I can hear them from Southern California, from wherever they so are. So that's not just any entity. Like Joe Schmo off the street right. can't have such a high powered frequency disruptor well that let, you're... let's be very specific what we're talking about we're talking about joe schmo cuban national right we're talking there's about just people, not access we're, we're talking about people who are literally holding together cars from the 50s 
right? Well, uh, well, when the embargo started. Let, let me get this straight, though, because we've talked about how ham radio is pay to play, mm-hmm. right? So for you to get high power, you have to have the funds to pay for high power, right? Not just not just regular radios, but like if you're using something to jam a frequency, mm-hmm. so successfully that you're hearing it all the way to Southern California. That is an expensive jammer. That is uh, a, a considerable amount of power. One, a considerable amount of equipment because it's not just one jammer. And I'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. I, I believe it's more than one jammer. Two, actually three, they have an antenna system that allows them to actually get out Right, they're, they're they're able to put out a lot of signal because I'm hearing it. Right, so they have some capability. I mean, that's across the country, the United States country. Yes, we're talking about beyond Cuba. Well, well, right, beyond right. Cuba. I mean, it, like theoretically, it would make sense if a jammer was impacting somebody in Florida. Sure, because that's in in fact, there are many Cubans that can actually talk to uh, Miami with two meters. In some cases. Oh, so they're jamming which frequencies? 40 meters specifically, which is the long distance late night comms frequency. Interesting. So let, let's remind everybody about, you know, kind of the realities in Cuba, at least from what I understand, right? From, from the Cuban nationals that I've talked to. Actually, I'll take that back. I've talked to Cuban Americans. I've not actually had a discussion with a Cuban national at this point. Okay. But... A lot of these Cuban Americans are in communication with Cuban nationals, mm-hmm. family, friends, extended friends, you know that kind of stuff. They all comment that most of the Cuban amateurs that that we have all talked to on FT8 or wherever, they are using older equipment. It's okay. not like the new, whiz bang. They're not using yeah. an ICOM seventy six ten in the shop, right. right? They're right. using older stuff. So we already expect that they're at like 100 watts, sometimes more, sometimes they have an amplifier and that's, you know, that's pretty awesome. But more often than not, they, they don't have that level of power. Is it terrible that I really want to visit Cuba as soon as possible before, like, because Cuba's borders were essentially closed and, you know, there were trade embargoes in place. Right, right. That I want to visit Cuba now because it's like a time capsule and now that the borders are opened it will no longer be a time capsule Leah, you don't have to go to cuba you just have to watch fast and the furious oh my god again they with went, the fast and furious. they went to cuba right they have Leah. what do they have in cuba what 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 does the crew from fast and furious have in cuba uh there's only Dominic's one answer. Dominic's car. There's only one answer. Dominic's car. Family. Oh my God. <laughs> There's no family left in Cuba. Yeah, he does. He's got his like cousin or something oh in Cuba. Oh my God. That's the whole beginning Which of that one. Which literally doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it's the one. It just. It, it's the, it's the beginning of the one where Dom goes bad, right? Where he like leaves or actually I, I, I'm, I am probably not saying this correctly because that is a convoluted system, but okay. That's not the point of this. It's actually a serious discussion. Okay. okay. So what I did, and I, I, I am not doing anything 
outside of what anyone else can do. There is a series of networked web-enabled SDRs. SDR is software-defined radio. Software-defined radios that are all networkly connected into this system called Kiwi SDR. They allow you to log into one SDR and you can pull up a frequency like 7.136, which was, I found one of the louder frequencies when I was hopping through these SDRs. And you can turn on a mode called TDOA, which is a direction finding algorithm based off of the IQ sample that you can pull from a multitude of these SDRs. These SDRs, again, are network linked and they're pulling time off of GPS. So they have a highly accurate location and time source, which is gonna be important okay. for the calculation of this algorithm. So this system allows you to add six SDRs in addition to the SDR you're already on with all kinds of different geographic locations to do a direction finding calculation on a particular frequency. The video I posted today, again, I'm re we're recording this on a Thursday, was about this concept. So I, I did the calculations, well, I ran the calculations after selecting six, seven total SDRs that can hear this signal on 7.136. I went to every one of them, I clicked on them, I listened to where the interference was, they could hear the interference, and I ran this uh, algorithm. Ran the sample, ran the algorithm. Every time I ran it, it pointed directly towards the northwest area of Cuba. What's in the northwest area of Cuba? I don't know. I, I don't know much about Cuba. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to, really, I, I think that if you want to know more about the, the life of, Cu of people in Cuba, you should go look for the information people in Cuba are putting out. TikTok actually has a lot of Cuban nationals that are posting. I, <laughs> I'm not trying to replace that. I want you to go hear it directly from those people. But what I can talk to you about is radio. I know radio. So after doing some simple direction finding, by the way, anyone can do this. Link will be in the description. You can go do Kiwi SDR. It's free. You don't need a license. It is a, it's a, it's an online receiver, right? It's an online radio receiver that you can, you can access. You can listen to radio with, but it has a really cool feature with this direction finding. So all sources point to the, the, the generating area that this, interference is coming from is Cuba. Now it's not Guantanamo Bay. It's not around that area. It is Cuba. And this has been, uh, by the way, not just me, multiple people have looked into this. They've all done this calculation and they're all getting the same source. So that leads me to believe that this is likely the Cuban government that is creating this interference. Hmm. Right. So I want to be objective here. I'm just looking at the signals. I'm looking at the strength of the signals coming in, and it sounds like it's coming from their government, which to me, when, when, I, when we discovered this, I was thinking of this as like, well, if, you, if you're getting dissent and you're getting people that are upset at you, if you strap down the internet and access to social media, and then you go after hams, like you are really trying to stop something from getting out, right? 
What? Unless ham radio is a very popular form of communication um, out of Cuba. Well, I mean, e- even if it's not, right? That that's like reaching pretty far to stro- to mm-hmm. stop anything from getting out, right? Wouldn't you say? Well, I I don't know actually. If you don't, I don't know what it's like in Cuba, but. If you don't have reliable communications by a landline or a cell phone because you don't have the infrastructure, mm-hmm. then isn't ham radio like you are literally back during the time that ham radio was a major form of communication? Right. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Cuba in some ways is kind of trapped in the past with right. access to technology. So if it's a major form of communication, both locally and, you know, internationally. Yeah then it would be, it would make sense to target ham radio the same way you would cut phone lines mm-hmm. or or cell phone access, Yeah, right? No, I think that's a really good point. So I don't know that it is that like unusually far-reaching. Oh, no, I'm not saying it's far-reaching. I'm not surprised by what the government is doing. I'm saying that if one looks at the throttling of access to social media, it would only make sense that they would then take that all the way to comms like, ham radio okay if the government is already going down this road then they're going to go all the way right mm-hmm. that's I, i'm i'm trying to paint a picture for why i believe it is the cuban government that is creating this interference is kind of what i'm trying to do mm-hmm. i that's my belief at this point so i know kind of what you're getting at because there are people who are basically saying that oh it's it's not the cuban government it's the u.s government which i i don't think that there's any reason well that you you nailed it and and you don't know my show notes but the end of this was um my discussion about like some of the crazier concepts and kind of the conspiracy theories that have come up out of this. So this is interesting to me because if you Google just the phrase Cuba and mm-hmm. you go to news, mm-hmm. and I feel like this very rarely happens, but the first result yeah. is from Fox News. Oh, wow. Which I, I, I feel like I haven't seen that in a very long time. Okay. Because it, it's usually like CNN or something like that. Um, but the first headline is AOSC blames Cuban suffering on U.S. contributions parroting Black Lives Matter. So and I have heard this undercurrent of Cuba would have been fine except for U.S. interference. It, that, the embargo? That the, that the failures of Cuba are because of the U.S. and not because of communism. Because of the embargo. Right, but the embargo didn't actually include food stuff or or anything for like vital survival. In, in fact, a, a lot of the food that comes into Cuba is actually from the U.S. Oh, interesting. Yeah, good point. Um, but then the next results are just a slew of Biden says Cuba is a failed state and calls communism a universally failed system. Ooh. There's multiple headlines that refer to that. So, and the we're not cons- going to get into the political conversation. Yeah, I mean, you already but, did, but uh, you, you already, but you already I have broke told that seal. two sides. Yeah. I've already, I'm still right in the it, middle. Technically, that's two sides of the same party, the political party, too. That's, that's right, not right, us. Right, right. But it's quoting. two perspectives. Right. 
and I, I don't think we need to go political. I think it's yeah, I don't clear think at so this point. Either. But there are a lot of conspiracy theories, a lot on TikTok, actually. A lot on TikTok. Oh, that is the home of conspiracy the, the theories. The modern now. ham on TikTok got a ton of people that were like, oh, no, this is just a CIA, you know, wet works going on or whatever. So the, the reality is, is that I don't see a point for any of that. I really don't. Particularly when you apply, which is tried and true algorithms. By the way, this is not like the CIA is manipulating these algorithms. This is literally us just just taking the recordings, you know, the data recordings off of these SDRs and applying direction finding algorithms to them. And again, anyone can do this. This is not a ham radio specific thing. We're not talking about only hams. This is something that anyone can do, Kiwi SDR. And this is a totally Cuba-related, Cuba-transmitted signal, this interference that's popping up on the bands. Now, who, I mean, who else could it be? Who, who well, there, there, there's been there's been comments the that it's energy. coming out. There, there, there's been comments that it's coming out of Florida. There's been comments that it's coming out of Guantanamo Bay. You know, all that stuff is is what people are but saying. But why? I don't know because why? Why would? Okay, this is just broad talking politics a little bit. Why would a capitalist company or company? Country. Country. Actually, that that's more apropos <laughs> than not. Uh, country. Uh, want to squelch discussion to Cuba. Like, why would why would America want to stop Cuban Americans from talking to Cuban nationals? There's no reason. And, and further, if they really wanted to prevent the message from getting out, they would target TikTok. <laughs> You're not going after ham radio. Right. You're going to go after stopping the VPNs. Right. Well, I mean, literally, there are people in Cuba on TikTok posting like live streams of what's going on, like with the police mm-hmm. and dealing with all that stuff. It's it, it's very interesting. I, I I just I would like to remind people that the the countries that that do these bans of communication, they're not capitalist countries. They're communist countries. Right. And oddly enough, I, I think there are some parallels between Cuban people who want to flee their country the same way you would look at people fleeing North Korea mm-hmm. and in the past North Vietnam wanting to flee Vietnam to get to other countries. Right. Mm-hmm. Th- there's a, a similar mindset there that I think of people that want to get to a point where they're, they have a little bit more control in their lives in decisions and how they can do things, right? Or that they don't have to wait three hours for gas and have absolutely no variety of goods uh, in their supermarkets. Right. Yeah. Maybe they want to buy a candy bar that can just melt but still be the sh- rough shape of a candy Maybe bar. Maybe they can't get York peppermint patties. Maybe that's know? it. Yeah. I mean, so I'll, I'll wrap this up by by talking about uh, a comment, many comments that I got. Well, oh my gosh, could this ever happen in the U.S.? And and what if it did happen in the U.S.? Like those are those are the answers people want to know. It's like how do we prepare to get around this kind of interference? I got two really simple answers to this. One, tune your radio to avoid the interference, because let's be really clear what's happening. 
there are multiple transmitters that are transmitting this very strong interference, but it's very narrow in its uh, intensity. And generally, it's following roughly the size of single sideband. And there's probably eight, eight or so of these transmitters. Now I'm I'm told, although I haven't I haven't witnessed it completely because I don't have a complete strong signal to these uh, jammers, but I'm told by Cuban Americans that the frequency of these jammers will move depending on where the Cuban Ameri- or the the Cuban nationals are transmitting. I have no reason not to believe them with that quote because I, I think that these jammers are probably frequency agile, meaning they can adjust where they're where they're transmitting this interference on. But okay, let's go to the point of what would happen if, for some reason, some entity decided to start jamming frequencies. There's really two two cases I want to talk about. There's broadbanded jamming that whites out your entire radio and it makes it completely unusable. I have experience with this. This is when your power line has a bad connector or something that creates super wide-banded noise that makes radio almost completely unusable. I dealt with this. But that is a situation that's close in. That is a close-in jamming that's happening. Right. Right. Once Once you get out of that space... People in New Mexico are not hearing my localized power line noise because to white out an entire band, it's expelling all the power in doing that, the whiting out of that band. Mm -hmm. What's happening in Cuba is it's more focused. It's focusing on very specific frequencies that they have chosen to, to block. And that's why I can hear them in Southern California versus wide-banded power line kind huh. of noise, right? Think about it. The, the wider you, you cast this net of, of jamming, the, the, the smaller your affected frequency space is. So the first thing, if you were ever in this situation where you're, you're like, oh man, the world's gone upside down and I'm getting jammed on all frequencies and all bands, well, most likely the interference source is much, much closer to your home. Right. It, it's, right. It's totally messing with you because of the proximity. Does that does that mean that radio comms are impossible? No, it just means that you're likely not going to do it with voice. It's just not going to be possible. Voice is just. But CW. Perfect. Perfect. Morse code will get out. But. But here's the here's the the rub. Morse code is still entirely based off of the human being able to hear the tone in their ears. So you're assuming you're you're all whited out with this interference, mm, right? You can't hear. They may be able to hear your transmission out, but uh, you're not you're not copying it. So what's the what's the next solution? The next solution is using digital modes. Digital modes like JSA call. WSA, uh, FT8, WSJTX, that kind of stuff. You can get out with that, but I don't know if you're in a in a situation with government struggle or strife where you're like, hey, I'm going to hop on and make some contacts. No, you should probably use like JSA call, something like that, where mm-hmm. you can have keyboard-to-keyboard communication and send messages that are um, asynchronous, right? You can send a message to somebody, a call sign, and it could be late at night when you get a better signal, 
could be early in the morning, and you send a message that says, hey, I'm still okay, everything's all right, and uh, you, I may not be able to talk to you on Facebook or wherever or even make a phone call to you, but just want to let you know I'm okay. Digital modes are going to do better for that. Right. Specifically, right, something like messages. Yeah. Specifically, something like JSA call in that case. So that was kind of a response to the, the question of like, you know, what would you do if you were in this situation? So it would, it would depend on the interference. And then once you've kind of narrowed that down, I would tune away from the interference. I would use a band that was more effective for the comms that I wanted to get out, likely one that was less affected by the interference, and then and then work in that space. A lot of people ask, why aren't the Cubans just on 20 meters? Like, why don't they just avoid the 40 meter Good stuff question. and just get on 20 meters? The honest answer is I don't really know. I, I don't know if uh, they're all on 40 meters because they like to talk late at night. That's, that's probably more the reason than anything. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I know plenty of Cubans are on the air on 20 meters during the day, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of interference in that space. So I would urge people to to try and explore some of those bands and, and get away from a lot of the interference that they're experiencing. So. So, yeah, that, that that's the uh, that's the talking points on the on the Cuban stuff. I'm. It's super interesting. It from is. a news story, from yeah. a news point, uh, I, I got I posted my video, and I got tweeted by a cabinet member of the White House of the White House. Yeah. on this topic, he's a ham. He's, radio he's, a, ham, he's a ham, yeah. and he saw my video, and he and he was saying like, "Oh, Josh is talking," you know, or Hosh Nasi on mm -hmm. on Twitter, which is kind of funny that I'm still carrying it over on Twitter, but. And so, yeah, at Hosh Nasi was mentioned by uh, somebody in the White House, which I think is pretty. Funny. <laughs> it's a it's a very interesting confluence of active political strife and then ham radio. Right. Like where we find ourselves and we're like, hey, this is a little weird space that we find ourselves in. Right. It's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Very surreal kind of moment at the same time. But man, is there any better proof that ham radio is keeping you on the cutting edge of what's happening around the world? Like the kind re of the reality of what's happening in the world, independent of news sources that can be biased. Yeah, I mean, I I think so because you can go direct, right? Yeah. But but also also more than that, we just direction we we did direction finding mm -hmm. on that signal, right? Like. Oh, that's where like it's from. The, like the government couldn't have done that. Oh, like the U.S. Of government they did. couldn't they have done that. They knew. Yeah. But at the same time, they probably don't care that much. Like that's their problem. You know what I mean? You right. know, it's like, eh, it's not that big a deal. But with ham radio, we just we just did the direction finding and we we found where the signal was and that was it. And it's not even ham radio. It's just it's just receivers. Basically, mm -hmm. it's shortwave receivers. It's it's computer connected shortwave receivers. That's what we were using. Right. So yeah. nothing, nothing super special, but it's like, this is the, this is the access to the technology we have, which is amazing. It's so much fun. So cool to do that. Anyway, that's, that's kind of my thoughts on that. So, well, guys, we guys and gals, guys and everyone, thank you for listening to the podcast. We do have a lot of fun making it. And the fact you listen and send us feedback means a lot to us. Again, you can hit us up 
at leahathamtactical.com. I am looking for drops specifically for going into the uh, practice tests and then the show topic. But uh, I would love to hear your songs of stitching uh, some of our highlights together, (laughs) a, a remix, if you will. So that would be a lot of fun. Anyway, until we talk to you again, 73. 73.